three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Oh, yeah. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of the 22 Shots of Moods in Horror. This is, yes, of course, the 2014 Year in Review show. I am your host, Mood616, and of course, I've always got my my distinguished horror film hoarders with me. NES Ruler22, also known as Jeremy. And, of course, we've got Double Shot J, also known as JP, in the house. What's up? Boys. I'm sorry, I'm not as big as a hoarder as you are. <laughs> Considering the stack of movies that you have behind you right now is about as tall as I am. Yeah, that stack is going to be ridiculous. I'm not even sure how I'm going to do that update either. It's going to be definitely a two-parter, but uh, I'll just throw everything together. Not even a Four hours long. <laughs> yeah, so what's up, my horror film hoarders? Nothing well, much. Well. You know, just cramming it in, cramming it in, trying to see as many films as possible before this show that came out this year. Gotta admit, didn't do the greatest job this year compared to you. I mean, but seriously, like, you killed it this year. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did an all right job. I mean, it was kind of disappointing, though. I mean, I got, uh, I think, around 75 movies watched from 2014. But, unfortunately, there was about... You know, a good handful that I didn't get a chance to see because, of course, I'm in an area where they were not accessible for me, and which really sucked. And I think some of them actually could have altered some lists too. So, yeah, that was very disappointing. So, but what yeah. can I do? I mean, there's really not a lot I can do in that. In that, you know, Tusk really fucking rubbed me the wrong way, man. Because I I, I went to go pick it up yesterday and. Then I find out that the film isn't getting released until January 20th in Canada. And there's no VOD or nothing. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? That's the type of shit I w- I've been dealing with the last month. So Canadian, man. Yeah. yeah. Man. I mean, yeah, there, w- there was a few films that I wanted to see that I didn't get around to seeing. Um, really, I didn't start. I, I would say probably about two and a half months ago, I had about 10 10 or 8 films on my list that I seen from 2014. I ended up with about 30 plus, 35. So I feel like I did a decent enough job. I seen like the bigger titles that people were talking about. Um, but there's obviously films that I, I missed out on, on here. So these lists I guess are never complete, right? Until- well, I mean, honestly, it's pretty hard to watch yeah. to see everything or be able to watch everything that you possibly, you know, need to to make, you know, that distinguished list. That's why these lists are personal top ten and basically what you've seen in that, you know, mm-hmm. pertaining year. You know, it's really hard. I mean, even with as many films I watch this year, there's still like I said, there's there's a few that I really did not get a chance to see would like I said, would have probably altered lists. Like the Babadook was another one that really pissed me off. 
you yeah. know, just no chance, no opportunity to watch the film. And Stary Eyes was another one I didn't get to see. And, and I yeah, know you got to see all these ones. So, I mean, that's why your list are probably going to be quite different than mine. So When you talk yeah, about a film cool. like The Babadook, which everybody was talking about, um, it is very quite possible that it definitely would end up on your list. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like you're absolutely right. You can see 75 films in a, in a year and still – there could be that one or two films that would have completely changed your list. And, you know, it that that's just the thing that we have to deal with every year. But it also makes it fun because there's still, even when you see 75 films, there's still stuff out there that's really good that you haven't seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you had mentioned Late Phases, too, was another one that... Which know, a lot of people didn't even know about mm-hmm. at all. Like, because it, yeah. it's... it's uh, well, like press was awful was awful like nobody nobody like its advertising campaign was one of the worst of the year in my opinion because who released i didn't it? even know about it until um be like the day i watched it i actually don't know who released it yeah mm-hmm. yeah um I, another one that i was really looking forward to seeing that i never got a chance to was the house that october built that one I really wanted to check out. Well, was, that's an interesting one because I believe is that is that on VOD right now or no? Um, if it is, it's not here. So yeah, I, don't know I if, think that one might actually be able to go to 2015. Yeah, I mean, I think it's being released what in the next week or two or something like that on DVD and Blu-ray or maybe just DVD or whatnot, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. There was like another film, another werewolf film from this year that was interesting was Weir. And for some odd reason, there was like no distribution in Canada. Like there's you can't even find that DVD around here. That so one had some no weird distribution to begin with, like because yeah. I think that film was made in like 2012 or something. And it just sat on the shelf for a long, long, long time. Uh, that is actually one that I ended up seeing, which is mm-hmm. is honestly a good film. Yeah. Um a couple notable titles that I didn't see this year that um, I could have seen, but I just ultimately just didn't see. I didn't uh, get around to seeing See No Evil 2. Um, yeah, I just it was wanted, average. I didn't see either. It exactly. Was average. I wasn't really too keen on or even seeing it. Um, the Quiet Ones was another one I never bothered to actually check out. Leprechaun yeah. Origins is one. Yeah. Uh, those All are of those some that too. I could have seen. Uh, VHS viral. I never actually had a chance. It wasn't around. That's a good thing. ABC's of Death Two. That's like all thing. these ones that are kind of like whatever. But yeah, you know, High Eight, um, released by Wild Eye, was the one I really wanted to check out because um, I was really stoked for. It. I'm a really big fan of shot on video and uh, films and stuff. And this one right here takes like eight really you know well known underground directors from the '80s that did shot on video films and stuff like um, you know Tim Ritter and, and so on and stuff and um, they put this anthology film together. They did eight shorts and there's like a wraparound and stuff. And apparently it really works. Um, I was actually watching Dave's review on it the other day, which kind of got me pissed off because he's like, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the worst. Cause I've heard yeah. that a couple of times and I'm like, what? So, um, I guess this is actually a good time to, to get those off our chest. Right. There's a couple mm-hmm. that I haven't seen. Uh, big bad wolves was one. Uh, daddy's little girl was another uh, Cooties was one that I've been hearing good things about. Um, Great cover art, by the way. On Horns. That yeah, Cooties has some cool cover art. The, and I've, I actually wanted to mention that there's been a lot of really cool cover art this year, like a lot of throwback looks. Um, but a couple sequels I didn't see. The Dead 2, Wrong Turn 6, See No Evil 
uh, too, like you said. Um, and the town that jetted sundown, I simply didn't. I had the opportunity to see it, but I didn't want to because I felt like I needed to see the original first, especially after I heard that it has a lot of connections to the original. Uh, so that's one that I didn't see. And mm-hmm. another one is a big one that I didn't see, like a mainstream film, was Godzilla, uh, which I really have no interest in seeing after hearing everybody's that negative sucks. opinions. Annabelle was another one I didn't see. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which has been getting really, really good reviews. I'm not sure if it's even available to see. And uh, Strange Color of Your Body's Tears is another one I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And the ones that Mood said that I didn't see. Yeah, I actually watched that movie the other night. It's uh, from the same director that did Amir. And uh, it's it's really fucking artsy, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, right on my alley. It's yeah, it's, it's really it's like, artsy. It's like a giallo. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a it's a really weird one too. It's really odd and like just you. It's one of those films that you have to see to really believe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really hard to explain. It's one you can't re- really review properly. But um, did anybody here see Chilling Visions two at all? No, no, that was released on uh, the Chiller Channel, so technically yeah. it would fit our lists, but. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see it, and uh, another big one that I didn't see, I didn't even wasn't even sure if it was horror, was Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie's awesome. Under the Skin's yeah. an interesting film. So none yeah. of us seen Chilling Visions too then. No, I didn't see As Above, Five So Below. Dates of Fear. Oh yeah, good. Do yours. I didn't see As Above, So Below. Uh, Daddy's Great Little film. Girl. Uh, what else have I didn't see? Did you see Stereo Eyes? No, didn't see Stereo Eyes. I hmm. didn't get around to see Proxy, which is unfortunate. I have hmm. it, but I didn't get around to. It's a long one, so I didn't have time to do it. Uh, wait, Proxy? You didn't see? No. Nah. Oh. Hmm. The Dead Two. Did you see that one? No, I didn't see the Dead Two. Um, Tusk. Yeah, I saw Tusk. I... Willow Creek. Willow Creek Two. Oh no, the Bob. Yeah. Um, Bob, no, I ha- I film. just picked it up not too long ago. Oh, and Dead Snow too. That was another big one I didn't see. Yeah, I saw Dead Snow too. I picked up Willow Creek like when I was actually with my friend hunting like last Friday. So I picked up a week ago, or two weeks ago actually now. <clears throat> hmm. So I need to get around to watching it. He, my friend, texted me. He picked it up too, and he watched it. He he told me it was like. One of the better found footage films he'd seen. What, but I know Creek? Mood, yeah, I know Moods did it. It's like, so yeah. hit and miss. I've heard, I've heard people say like, "Wow, you know, like, like almost like Blair Witch good," and then I've heard people say like, "Shouldn't even have bothered." Good. There's like a whole fucking scene in that movie that's like just so reminiscent of Blair Witch too. Um, not too, but Blair Witch. Yeah, you know also Blair Witch. Uh, yeah. But also, yeah, and uh, you know, like there's elements of that film that I thought were decent, but wow, to say it's one of the better found footage films, I. I mean, I guess. I, I guess it all depends on what you've seen. Yeah. Man, yeah I think if you've only or... seen, like, Entity from Fangoria Fright Fest, I guess it would be <laughs> one <laughs> no, of the no, no, no. found footage films he, you've seen. He, he, oh, he has God. It's a pretty legit collection. It's pretty It's pretty close to mine. He probably has a thousand films or so. So he's he, – I, I respect his opinion. He has He has a lot of films. Well, I'm so. actually interested to still see that one. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. it, so we'll see. Um, any more that you have off the top of your head? Um, Baby Blue. Is that the one that has Baby. like a – is that what it's called, Moods? Baby Blues, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that one. 
uh, think that's it. Oh, actually, I, I think The Guest was, I mean, not considered like a total horror film, but... That movie's like, awesome. Like Did you get around film. to seeing Pieces of Talent? No, but everyone talks about that as being like... No, the best indie film. Yeah, it was funny because I was listening back to the because remember Mood said he reviewed it and I was like, yeah. what? When? I listened back to the review, and um, Moods is going through and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's this and, and you're like, it sounds fucking boring. <laughs> and Moods yeah. is like, oh, yeah, but everyone talks about it. He's like, oh really? Because it's one of the best films I've seen this year. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually watched Pieces of Talent again last night with uh, Dylan. I had to show him it. Dope. So yeah, yeah. I'm hearing good things, so I have to get around to it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. So I mean, ultimately, with the films that we've watched and haven't seen, you know, between the three of us, our lists are going to be quite different, which is going to be interesting. It's been uh, an interesting year. Um, I think that uh, you know, this year was like almost the complete opposite of last year. It was. It was, and it, it was really. Uh, well, I guess we could save that for when we talk about our thoughts on the year, right? True that, true that. I'll just leave it at that for now. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, 2015. Yeah. So what did you guys do for New Year's? Uh, I went up to my friend's cabin in, it's like mid-Wisconsin. It's like an hour past Madison. So I was up there, it's today, Friday, Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> oh, the party must have been that good. He's like, what day is it? <laughs> i don't even know when i went up or what day is it that's awesome yeah, no, that's fun. cool man fucking i did nothing i worked man it was really shitty i didn't even know i, I was like outside working and shit and then i looked at my my phone and i'm like oh it's 12 36 happy fucking new year oh man that sounds so, <laughs> it so depressing it was so lame i was like oh that's so fucking stupid and anyways it was shit and snow and it was cold and uh. i'm like oh this is fucking awful it was just a terrible night it was shitty but i mean to be honest, though, like the wife texted me and she was at a party and she's like, well, you know, you're not really missing anything. It's pretty fucking lame. And I'm like, you just saying that? She's like, no, it's actually really lame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know because I'm not there. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because it's just the life of the party. I can see it. But it, it was one of those weird things, though, because this year was very, very low key with everyone I knew. Like I have friends from like a lot of different types of groups and stuff and nobody was doing anything. Yeah, this but year. you like, like, oh, on New Year's? What's that? You mean on New Year's or just in general? Yeah, just, well, there was, like, no major parties. Like, there was parties, but, like, usually you always hear about, you know, a handful of really big parties that are going on. Nothing this year. It was fucking weird. Like, nobody wanted to bring in the 2015 year because, like I like I said before, I think it's because it was going to be very depressing to people. Yeah, because I was going to say, you had a pretty busy year. You did a lot of shit. You were, oh, you, yeah. you, like, went away, like four or five times yeah 2014 was a busy year but like i mean like i said bringing in 2015 people were ultimately going to be a little depressed you know like i said before because you know in 2015 we should have flying cars and, and yeah. hoverboards and you have to stuff. wear your pockets inside out you know and it, in 2015 don't the cubs win the world yep. series too against the florida marlins which don't even <laughs> exist anymore <laughs> So yeah, so everyone's hey, like, oh, the we're all series, out. nobody wants to fucking party. They're like, well, I guess I can wear my pockets inside out. How well, they awesome. better announce those Florida Marlins retiring pretty soon. Then. How awesome would it be if the Cubs win the World Series this year? That <laughs> would be what, like so amazing. That's exactly what I said to a buddy at work, and I was like, could you imagine if the Cubs actually won the World Series this year? That'd be fucked. <laughs> Probably blow everybody's mind. 107 years later, but hey, but Back to the Future Two predicted it. So yeah, ah, oh, fuck, but yeah. I'm, I'm, it's I'm gonna come out with Jaws that. 19. They have a lot to do. 
this year. <laughs> Jaws 19, yeah. <laughs> directed by the... No, I guess Bruno Matai's not even alive anymore, so he couldn't direct Jaws 19, but... Well, it is I mean, 2015. They can, Anything can They happen. can always put a Jaws film together in, you know, and put his name underneath. Isn't that what he did with Cruel Jaws? Just <laughs> 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 clips from all these films. And uh, then Scream Factory could announce it and then retract and, their announcement of it. Yep. <laughs> exactly, right? No, yeah, and then, and then you know, re-announce it and then put it in a double pack or something like that. And Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> you know how it goes. But yeah, JP, what'd you what'd you get up for to for New Year's? Uh, mine was actually really chill. I decided to take it easy this year because literally every year the past five years I've just done too much shit and everything went bad. <laughs> so I decided to just chill you gotta out. Lay off, you got to lay off the hard drugs, bro. Yeah, I went up to my cousin's house and just you know hung out with some family and stuff, and you know everybody was drinking, but it was it was a very chill. No drama, no problems, and we played a little bit of cards and stuff like that. It was fun. It was cool. It was cool. I came home, and uh, believe I just you know chilled out and went to sleep, and everything was good. I enjoyed it. Damn, all those people partying on New Year's and getting drunk and stuff. Fuck, I was. It was funny. I was on Facebook when I got home in the morning because I got home at like five in the morning, and I was kind of scrolling through, and I came across this guy's post, and it said. What is the only thing that people do on New Year's anymore is just drink and get drunk and post about it on Facebook. He's like, good yep. night, people. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to bed. I'm like, uh, since when do people just sit around and fucking drink tea and eat crumpets on New okay. Year's? Yeah, Facebook. like if you're going to pick a day for being mad at people getting drunk and posting on Facebook, New Year's yeah. probably isn't the appropriate day to pick. <laughs> yeah. Like the Super Bowl. Pick the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I, it just made me laugh because he was like so grumpy about it. I'm just like, well, it's it is New Year's, you know. It's like people yeah, saying I mean, happy, happy New Year. I'm shit faced, blah. You know, it's like, dude, what's up with all these damn kids knocking on my door looking for candy? <laughs> I'm like, damn, you, you're grumpy, man. You're like, what are you, 75? And this dude's like 36. I'm like, fuck, that <laughs> <laughs> grumpy motherfucker. But yeah, I thought that was pretty amusing. Ah, good times, good times. Alrighty, so yeah, our New Year's sounded pretty low key. It sounds yeah. like Jeremy had the funnest one. I know. You got to go to a cabin. Yeah, it was fun. Go away for a few days. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Alrighty, so yeah, continue along with episode thirty-eight. Um, JP, do we have any news this week? What if I told you guys that we have less news than last week? Well, we only had two pieces of news last week. Because I was the reason why I worded like you know kind of gave that tone is because I haven't heard of anything. Yeah. Like this whole month it seems like it just came to a screeching halt. You know, I think it's because the news slowed up too because they're like, whoa, wait a minute, no flying whoa. cars in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys know, uh, me and Jeremy and possibly Moods started that little um, article series where it's you know what happened in this day in horror in the in history. And as I'm doing research for it, I found that January is one of the driest months in horror because I have, you know, half of January mapped out with events that have happened, but they are very insignificant. And I'm looking at other months and I'm like, wow, that happened this month. Like January must just be traditionally a completely slow month for news, releases, Mm -hmm. theatrical releases, home video releases anything just everybody's just doing their top 10 list and that's about it (laughs) huh so yeah january is just not friendly to horror which makes sense you know um it it seems like all the bigs it seems like a lot of films get released in december and well it's because they're trying to you know get their films out before the end of the year and then you know most of the stuff comes out in december and then that's why 
January. Yeah, it's like dry. it's like January. If your film comes out in January, it's like leftovers, and nobody yeah. really cares about it. Sloppy right? seconds. Yeah. So I, I mean, it makes that, sense. I always found that you know the same in the music industry too. Like the first quarter of the year, like January, February, March are usually really dry for releases. Everyone tries to push out their stuff towards the end. It's of that year. Third the first three months that kills it. Yeah, and then the first you know first three months are usually really dead for releases, and then April kind of picks up, and then the rest of the year is kind of good. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes for multiple industries, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, first of all, we have a bit of sad news, I guess. Uh, this was Edward Herman. He was the lead vampire in The Lost Boys, spoiler alert. Um, you know, the, the love interest of the mother. He unfortunately passed away uh, over the past mm-hmm. couple days, yep. and... Um, he was 71, 71 uh, years old. So He was pretty old. Yeah, he, he was pretty old. But recently he's in The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, he was hey, in, at least his, least his last role was pretty baller. Fuck, he, he's he funny was, as hell. He was also in The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Got to work yeah. with Scorsese. So which is pretty... one of his last years, one of his last films. Mm-hmm. Working with he's... Scorsese in one of your last films is pretty baller. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so um, he was also in Oz, the TV series. Which, uh, That's right, he was likes. too. Yeah, Oz is dope. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's a little unfortunate, but people die. That's yep. what usually happens, or always happens. Always Damn it, happens. why do all people always have to die? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, rest in peace to the lead vampire from Lost Boys. He was a kick-ass lead uh, vampire. And... Next up, we have a release date. I love garlic. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, I, I love garlic. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just not that much. Just yeah. not that much. <laughs> yeah. So then we have Adam Green's Digging Up the Marrow. Now, this was announced for theatrical release. I'm pretty sure. It doesn't say specifically, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to be limited release. Oh, yeah. Um, if you guys want to head over to Ariescope.com and click on Adam Green's year-end blog, these are really popular. Everybody always um, like loves these things because he essentially just goes through and talks about the previous year and the future. He talks about the future of Holliston, talks about uh, digging up the marrow and how that came about, and you know finally talks about it because nobody knows what the, knew what the hell it was for like the longest time because he wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that uh, blog, which was a really, really good blog because a lot of things happened to Adam Green over this past year. His best friend, uh, one of his best friends, Dave Brocky, died from Guar, of course. Yep. He divorced his wife, who he was with for, since like before Hatchet, the first Hatchet. Um, just a huge, tragic, toughest year he's ever had, he says. And, um, you know, it was really kind of inspiring to hear how he's picking himself up and, you know, moving forward. But definitely check out Adam Green's blog. That's where he announced Digging Up the Marrow. Comes out February 20th of 2015, and it sounds fucking awesome. Nice. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Um, that's one of those Very films cool. that I'm looking forward to a lot. It's uh, it, it, it's like a um, f- like a pseudo-fucking-fake docu- docu- documentary type of It's like of Spinal film. Tap. I don't. I never seen it, but uh, never seen this is Spinal Tap. No. Oh man. Why does that surprise but, you? <laughs> but it goes to eleven. But that movie's a classic, man. <laughs> Still the best line in the movie, man. In my uh, opinion. 
You bailed Stonehenge. It's only 16 inches. <laughs> <laughs> JP, you got to see Spinal Tap, man. It's fucking good. It's All right. I'll put that on my... It's such a classic. Yeah, so digging up the marrow, it was essentially uh, sparked from an idea of when Adam Green uh, was reading some fan mail and this guy wrote in and said, no, 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 no. Victor Kelly's a real person. You just have some details wrong and was like really, really serious and either was really smart and like playing a joke or just crazy and serious. (laughs) Um, because it was like legit locations and pictures of swamps that like a swamp that he sent in and like all kind of like legit stuff. And Adam Green was like, had an idea of like, well, what if I went and talked to this guy? Like, what if I went and talked to him and like interviewed him and and made a film out of it? Then he was like, well, that might be a little crazy to do. So, um, then he met an artist who was drawing pictures of, uh, like interpretations of a fan's who said that monsters really exist and I can describe them to you. And they're these fucking crazy art drawings. Um, and that's when he decided to di- create a film based around this idea of some crazed type of fan who um, says monsters are real and I can prove it. So it's, it's, so it's kind of like in the vein of like the legend of Boggy Creek then? Where uh, the filmmakers, they go to interview these people that swear that, you know... The yeah, probably something there. like that. Because yeah. Adam Green's playing Adam Green, Joe Lynch is playing Joe Lynch, and mm-hmm. there's only, like, a few people that are actually playing characters in the movie. Everybody else is kind of legit. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of what it is, I guess. And I don't know, I think it's... Uh, that's what I like about Adam Green, though. It seems like he's always doing something different, like, from Frozen to Spiral to Hatchet, now to this. Um... It, it sounds like it could be a little interesting type of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah, it does sound fun, actually. I yeah. like shit like that. Yeah. yeah, so it's definitely coming out you know, soon, February 20th in theatrical, so hopefully video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray will follow soon after that. I know if you once it does come up for sale, if you buy it from Adam Green directly on com, you can get it signed um, for free. So... You can do that. Cool. Coolio. Uh, after that, our last piece of news this week is starry eyes. Is it starry eyes or starry eyes? I feel like it's starry. It's starry. Starry. Yeah. Starry eyes. Starry. Starry. I don't know. Starry eyes um, has been announced for DVD, Blu-ray, video on the man, February third, two thousand fifteen, I believe. So, uh, if you haven't seen it, which Moods hasn't, Jeremy hasn't either. Pick it up when it comes out. You won't be disappointed. Solid, solid watch this year. Awesome. Awesome stuff. It, that's really it for all the news? I guess that's not really that surprising now, is it? Yeah, it's not very yeah. much. That's <laughs> fucking December, man. Just, you know, we go from like, you know, five episodes ago, like an hour worth of news to... Yeah, nothing. Um, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I drug... That goes out. <laughs> you did, man. You're like reaching for things. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Adam Green. He seems like a great guy. You know? Yeah, I heard, you know? I heard fish is his favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> he, I really, he really likes chicken fingers, uh, hot mustard dip, chicken, <laughs> chicken fingers. Man, I haven't heard people call it chicken fingers in forever. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think anybody calls it that anymore. Moods. What the fuck you call them? Man? Chicken tenders <laughs> or chicken, chicken tenders? Oh my fucking look chicken we call them all three of those man on chicken fingers because yeah man they look like fingers i haven't heard that in a while yeah chicken tenders that just sounds way too distinguished 
politically correct bullshit. Chicken Fuck. nuggets. Chicken nuggets, yeah. Chicken shits. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for the news. Um, getting into mood swings and the uh, the new releases that are coming out this Tuesday, January 6th of 2015. 15? You said. I know, I'm, I'm, prob- I'm probably still going to write 2014 for the oh, next like, for three the months next, like, like I always do. Yeah, me too. Fuck, I'm so bad for that. And I don't even realize I do it sometimes too. <laughs> I'm like one of those people, but... Um, but yeah, first up for uh, the releases on Tuesday, we've got Screen Factory's release of Candyman 2. Yay. Mm. Now, there was actually a big debate. Yes, on, there was a on fight the on the Facebook page. page yeah. Well, there always is about Screen Factory news. Yeah, and I was like, okay, guys. Like, I understand to post about, like, the Jaws 4, well, Jaws 5, whatever it was called, Cruel Jaws, like, getting unannounced and, you know, the Nightbreed debacle and all that type of shit. Like, yeah, that makes sense, but... I don't see anything wrong with this release. It's never been on Blu-ray before. It's not a great film, but that's that's has nothing to do with it being released. They just need my, to get the sand out of their vagina. That's all I they think, have to do. I think my biggest problem with the release for Candyman 2 is that the fact that they're not releasing the other ones. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this standalone sequel that just looks awkward in your collection. You know, it's like... I mean, I really do like the Phantasm 2 release, but at the same time, it's in the same vein as this one. It's like... Where the fuck are the other films? You know, the completest. You want all these films on Blu-ray. I mean... Yeah, Phantasm 2 is universal. It, it, it's just a weird title to release. I mean, I understand where some people are coming from. I Honestly, when it got announced at... Uh, it was back in October, right? Yeah. This was one that got announced in October. I wasn't really the biggest fan. I did stress my opinions on it. I was like, really? Like, I would like to see, you know, Screen Factory just not release Candyman 2 until maybe they got the rights to getting Candyman 1 and 3. And Who maybe release as a set. Universal. Yeah. And they haven't even put it out on Blu-ray for fuck's sakes. Well, yeah, um, the thing the with Candyman is yeah, the, in the UK, rights I know. are screwed with the whole series. Like three different yeah. companies own each film. And I well, believe that, even it hasn't been on Blu-ray because of some rights issues. The yeah, first and that's, exa- and that's exactly what my point is. I was getting to that point. You know, all three of these films are in limbo and stuff like that. But it just seems like an awkward title because we may never see part three ever get released. I, I imagine Candyman will probably come to yeah. the rights will come to his senses and someone will release them and it, it will eventually get released. But who knows with part three? Because doesn't Artisan own yeah, part Ar- three? Yep. Well, Artisan's so, not a company anymore, so it's but, Lionsgate. I mean, but, who, Lionsgate. But it is. So Lionsgate, you know, all the have all these artists, but a lot of these artisan titles are not being released. So yeah. what are the chances, up with Scream Factory, man? What are the chances of Candyman three ever getting released? So my point well, is, is that we could have essentially just have this solo release, and it's like it's so awkward. It's fucking awkward. Yeah. So I, I actually was recently listening to that uh, interview with the head of Twilight Time, and yeah. he was talking about the reason that they limit their run is not because they're limiting their run everybody limits their run they're just telling you how much they're limiting it by and i'm like no that's bullshit guy (laughs) that is is bullshit but it is true yeah everybody limits how many they plan on making okay but you're limiting it ridiculously but he also did have an interesting point he said before christine and fright night was released originally they had never sold out one of their three thousand runs They've never sold out. So it was like it was like th- there was no issue there. But when Christine sold out in one in under a day, 
that's when they kind of realized like, oh, this is kind of like interesting. But that was also their first like big horror release too. They, that's just shows how hardcore these like horror fans are and nobody cares about your rom-com that you released from the 90s. The, the genre collectors, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he even talked about that a little bit. But um, another thing that I wanted to say was, okay, I actually was doing a little bit more research on like the deals with Scream Factory and apparently Scream Factory had a deal with Sony at one point. But so, which would have um, gave them a lot of the stuff that Twilight Times has. But in the deal, they Sony didn't want to have to clear special features with their lawyers and stuff, so they wanted them to release them bare bones. And Scream Factory backed out of the deal because they didn't want to uh, release films bare bones. This is all alleged. I have no actual proof, but th- this is the word on the internet anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes sense because yeah. even the Twilight Time guy was saying that a lot of these big companies who owns all these vaults of titles don't want you to create special features. They want it when you license the film to only release it bare bones. And that's why those early Twilight Time releases were bare bones. And then once they started building a relationship, they were able to make special features. So so why did these companies not want the the distributing companies to put features on the releases? Because then they have to clear all of the features that they put on. Like let's say you put an interview, an old interview like an archive interview with um Tony Todd. You have to clear to make sure that that's not copywritten or somebody owns it. Oh, so Sony would have to clear that before yeah, they licensed out. This, so yeah. oh, that would be part of the license agreement. So they just license out the film itself without the features. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's basically just less hassles and they're just being lazy fucks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that's, you know, credit to Scream Factory for not, they could have had tons more titles with certain of these companies if it's true, but they don't want to do that because that's some fucking bullshit, honestly. <laughs> you know, mm. fuck the fans. So, uh, so, but okay. So here's the scenario. So, you know, Twilight Times licenses, uh, you know, Christine out. They put it out bare bones. But why can't they um, go out and get new features? Because you don't have to license that out. Then, if they're getting new special features for it, well, you can get new features, new. but you still have to you still have to screen it. Let's say you're, like, like let's say. It's, you have something in there that's copyrighted with your new features. I know it's stupid to do, but Sony still has to make sure that they don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you go out and do like a brand new commentary with the director, they have to overlook this? Yeah, I guess, I guess that's what they're saying there. Because but, it's a, but it's a brand new feature though. Like, But Sony still owns the rights to the... To the film, but yeah. a brand new feature like a, a commentary. So the the director goes into the studio and records this commentary. How the fuck does Sony own any of that? This is a brand well, new thing. Oh, okay, I get what I get what yeah. you're saying. Okay, well, so what I'm saying, they, Twilight Times acquires they don't Christine. Own it. They want they, John Carpenter to come in for a brand new um, commentary on Christine. Sony obviously doesn't own the rights to whatever Carpenter's about to say. Yeah, you know, but but they own the licensing. Re- they license the film. Twilight Time yeah, yeah. doesn't own the film. They license it from Sony exactly. or whoever. So in the so contract, it says no special features. So you can't create new ones if they say no special. It's basically like they don't want to deal with it at all. But the Christine edition does have special features. Well, but, I mean, that's beside the point. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just that was using just an example, example of, of. But you stuff. know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, so I understand about the old, you know, I would say, they, you know, the, the features that were potentially there, of course. You know, to they get, they don't want to license those out because they got to clear them and stuff. But 
you know, it should be different with brand new features. You think that the distributing company could be should be able to go out and you know and I, figure out their own stuff because it's brand new features. I agree, but I feel like that they're just like instead of worrying about it like at all, they're just like no. We just don't even want to do that. And that's just shady stuff. But there's got to be there's definitely got to be ways around it. I mean, I mean, they're probably well, there is ways around it, but then they just won't license you the film. Mm -hmm. Right. That if they're like if they have in the contract, we don't want any special features. And you was like, well, what if I do that? And then they just won't license it to you. Um, now, Jeremy, are those new special features or were those the ones that were on the DVD? Uh, let's see. We got special features, isolated score track, audio commentary with filmmakers John Carpenter and Keith Gordon. Well, uh, I don't know if those were on the DVD. I'm just asking where they are. No, I don't know if someone has the DVD, but I don't know. I do, but I'm not going to grab it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think the whole special features thing is interesting. It's an interesting conversation. That would be an interesting thing to see. Because I think a lot of people don't know exactly what's going on and why these companies are releasing bare bones. And, you know, when you hear like a lot of people like, you know, when a company acquires a film or whatever, say, you know, say Scorpio or say, um, I don't know, say Screen Factory acquires something from Anchor Bay and then they put it out. It doesn't have the same features as the Anchor Bay one. And people are like, oh, what the fuck? They didn't transfer yeah, they, over. But they it's, it's totally a race. Blame Screen Factory when really it's yeah. like, well, if Anchor Bay doesn't want to give those to us because they own them, then we can't do anything. And sometimes they don't own them. Sometimes whatever new features they produce for them in the contract of whoever Anchor Bay originally licensed that film from now owns them so you're like mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's 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 so much stuff that goes into this that we just are that's why there is a lot of ignorant to that's why there's a lot of blu-ray releases out there that have way less special features than the dvd releases because mm -hmm. these companies acquire the rights they put out the blu-ray but you know they can't transfer over the the um the features simply yeah. because they can't clear them and i think a lot of people don't understand this and it's just it's just the business. But whose fault is that also that we don't understand it? Don't you think these companies were more open and explained to us like, look, guys, this is how it works. Don't you think? Well, I think, I think be... it's a good idea that they do explain themselves because a lot of people are like, well, fuck, man, the, you know, it's bullshit. And then they start hating on the company and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I think if they just come out forward and say, hey, guys, we actually can't put the special features on the Blu-ray because we can't clear them. It's you know, like the they're scared said, to say that stuff, though. Like I got yeah. Scream Factory to talk to me one time, you know, and they were like – Essentially saying like, yeah, the release isn't wasn't our fault. The screw up, it was Anchor Bay's, but they wouldn't say it. And I was like, I was like, you know that, <laughs> you, you know, know they fucked up. So they're so worried about slander or something like yeah. that. Uh -huh. These companies never want to name drop because they're so fucking scared of the system. You know, we're oh, they fucking said you. my name. We're gonna sue you for slander. It's like yeah. go fuck yourself, motherfucker. The, I just put your name in the conversation because it's fucking true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to say anything bad. It's just the way it is. You know. Yeah, or but whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't times where people uh, do have chances to get these special special features and just don't want to put the energy and resources into it either. Like, obviously, there are companies that are just shady with that stuff and just don't care to go out and try to get that. But yeah, I yeah. think also there's a lot of times where there's more going on, there's more cogs in the machine than we realize. Mm-hmm. So there must be there must be interesting, you know, licensing agreements and like, you know, you know, even with some of these companies that, you know, have released a film on DVD. Have you ever tried th th have you ever thought about contacting, like trying to contact some of these companies and see what's it like how the process works? But I I highly doubt they would talk to you. 
Well, I mean, they probably talk to us now because our podcast is so world famous now. They'd be like, oh, JP from the fucking 22 show. Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. we'll talk to you. Yeah, Yeah. right. Um, But no, there's been times where I've seen – I can't think of an example right now, but like say a company released a DVD with a bunch of features on it. And then you know, a few years down the road, they released the Blu-ray themselves and the features weren't on it. So explain that. I think that's lazy. Maybe they just lost the rights to they they hold the rights to the, so they acquire new special features they do them themselves and they only hold those features for so long or something. But my question is, if that is the case, which I find it really hard to believe, where do these special features go if they're releasing the Blu-ray years after without them on it? Like what's happening to these special features? They go into well. The also, vault. sometimes they I go, think it's they, just they the case of <laughs> of um not knowing. Like sometimes just, it's just not knowing what happened. Like what happened to those? Like who owns them? Do do we have to pay a fee to the guy who made them? Like does he own them? Like who? You never know, right? Yeah. Like um. Yeah, it's strange. Like a ro- um, like royalty to that guy, or uh, you never know. Like, and I think that there are cases of it being just lazy and ridiculous, like not caring. But I think a lot of times it has more to do with like the legality of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting uh, topic anyways. Yeah, right in the middle of DVD releases. <laughs> you know, I was actually just about to say, where the fuck were we? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got I got one DVD release. Anyways, people, that's Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh released by Screen Factory this Tuesday, 2015, January 6th. Wow, I really, that was all backwards and shit. Um, next release here, we got uh, The Guest, which isn't formally a horror film, as I've been told, but no. I guess it's like a, you know, cultish kind it's of awesome. genre film. It's a fair um, film. So yeah, this being released on Blu-ray, which I'm 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 excited because this is one that I wanted to check out. Oh, Adam it looks really interesting. Yeah, it's movie's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, so I, I'm really stoked about that. I might actually pick this up, which when it gets released, Highly like months down the road in Canada. Um, so for you Americans out there, which most of the listeners probably are American, um, Horns is coming to Blu-ray apparently this fucking tuesday which is odd because i swear it's been released already down there because i know it's been released up here um because i have a copy and i just cross-referenced into amazon and it was showing that it was being released on the 6th but then i found another one and said it was already been released so i don't know do you guys know anybody that has horns down there it's not released on blu-ray or dvd down here yet okay that's so strange because it's very strange that you know we get a release before you guys um, it's usually like it's 95% like we swat. The it's opposite. Like you guys got horns, we got tusk. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Oh. Still odd though. But anyways, horns is coming up. The Daniel Radcliffe movie, um, Juno Temple, looks hotter than shit in the film. She's awesome. Um, I liked it, man. I, I thought it was actually pretty good, to be yeah. honest. But, yeah, uh, I thought Daniel close. Radcliffe did a great job in the film. He's always good. He was good in Woman in yeah, Black, I don't, even I don't though that movie's like. I think I think average. people are too worried about him being like. Typecast as his Harry Potter thing. Yeah, I don't nah. think that he really to is. To be honest, man, you know, I'm a really big fan of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, I said it. Um, Me too. No, I but, like uh, but, you know, I think Daniel Radcliffe is, he got out of that mold really quick, man. Yeah. Like, I don't even look at, like, when I was watching Horns, I never thought of Harry Potter once. Me neither. It's so weird, man. Yeah. He just, he really does the role well, and he's, it's just, he's it's a cool good actor, see, man. It's cool to see him in a role where he can just, you know, kind of go in a, different place you know like in this one he's very pissed off and he's very foul his language and he's like fuck you and like it's awesome man you know he's having dirty sex with juno temple and stuff it's pretty awesome man sucking on boobies nice (laughs) it's good stuff man i I liked it it was a good film cool uh 
Next up, we got a Criterion release called The Sword of Doom. Uh, this is a Japanese flick. I don't really know anything about this one, but it's Criterion, so it's probably good. Yep. I'm going on a limb and say that. Um, and then we got a film called Finders Keepers. <laughs> Jamie Presley's in this film, Tobin Bell. Is this a goddamn full moon film? Oh, this no, this is Lionsgate. Me and Moods were talking about it before. This yeah, Lionsgate film. Uh, yeah, Jamie Presley, Presley, however you want to say her name. And Has a Tobin pretty Bell. shitty cover. Yeah, the cover's pretty generic looking. It's got like that kind of yeah. baby. Children of the Corn Sith thing yeah. going on there. Um, yeah, with the cracked out baby face. Yep. <laughs> Looks awful. Yeah. It does. It, it really does look bad. Um, and then uh, next up here, we got a film called The Houses October Built, which I did talk about on the top of the show. One that I really, really wanted to see. JP, you did mention that you heard mixed reviews on it, which was interesting. I heard one positive review, like top 10 review. And then I heard one, it's unoriginal and avoid it review. Mm. So who the hell knows? That's funny. Uh, got a couple more here. We got a film called Esprisimo. <laughs> it's a Spanish <laughs> film. I don't really know. How to, I'm sure I just butchered the shit out of that title. It's like Esprisimo. JP, it's, could you please really help out? It's a really fucking title. <laughs> yeah. You speak um, the language of Mexican. It's obviously, I think it's like an older yeah. older yeah. Spanish film. So um, that one looks actually kind of cool. And then we've got a film called Ninja Zombies. Of course. Oh, that sounds cool. You gotta go. So original. You can't have a fucking zombie film, you know. All these zombie films and not have a ninja zombie film. No, it's like I'm just Are waiting for that. Be like rollerblade zombies are going to be the next one. <laughs> ninja zombies, fuck, that makes me laugh. On rollerblades. That's pretty good shit. Um, I think that's pretty much what I got for releases. I don't know if you got any more, uh, JP, but uh, there was that one uh, that's like a four pack has I know. I know what you did last summer. When a stranger calls the remake, Hollow Man and Hostel. What a weird, weird, weird fucking assortment of films. Yeah, like, dude. I don't they don't even that. try to make them the same anymore. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. It's actually Mill Creek. Oh, Mill Creek. Oh, that's same shit. Yeah, that's not a very inviting four pack. I It'll mean, be two dollars and ninety six cents at Walmart. <laughs> Probably. So yeah, so that's gonna do it for the releases. Uh, for January 6th. Again, not too many. It's starting There's, to pick up next week. It is. Uh, the next few weeks are actually is more and more. So, And some pretty damn good ones too also. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for the new releases. Uh, I guess we could probably get into um, the 2014 year in review. What happened in the year 2014 in the horror? Way different than 2013. It, it, yeah, it was, and I think that's one of the things me and Moods were really kind of focusing on when we was chatting it up over the past couple of weeks is is going into this year, the beginning of the year, I felt like this was going to be a huge decline from last year, mm-hmm. and it really almost probably ended up being better in terms of like indie films and stuff. There were a lot of of good indie films this year. Um, th- just in the quantity, like there, the quantity was so much higher than last year. At yeah. least it feels like it, but there were just bigger films last year. You had your curse of Chucky come out. You had your evil dead remake. You had your Lords of Salem Rob zombie film. Like there American were just Mary. tons of big films. Yeah. Um, what, like, I, I think that this year really like kind of snuck up on us because it wasn't the, the second one from last year, half. Though. The yeah. what? 
the standout film from last year, it seemed to be Maniac. Yeah. You know, and I think that's also one major difference from this year to last year was, you know, I don't think there was, you know, that one standout film that, you know, kind of everybody have has on their list, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I was I was actually wondering if he was you going to say that because indie or mainstream way. Indie or mainstream. I mean, there's a lot of fucking solid films this year, but I think everyone's top ten lists are so different, and especially everyone's number one film too. I mean, I'm not saying everyone's number one film was Maniac last year, but a lot of people had it in their lists, and yeah. it was very prevalent in a lot of lists. But this year, from what I've seen from people's lists, man, they are fucking different, man. Yeah, everybody yeah, has different films like all over the place. It's actually really interesting. So pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and I I think that. Um, that was something that I really fe- I, I felt like didn't make this year complete, and that was there wasn't that one title like last year. The whole time, I, mm, I think there's one title, be my number one film of the year. I knew, I, like, just I just didn't see anything beating it this year. I was like, kind of wondering, like, okay, something could can move past my number one, or or maybe something did move past my number one, and now I have a new number one. Now but there last is, year that didn't happen for me. But there is that one film that everyone, most people, have on their number one, and that's the Battle Book. Yeah, I've I mean, but I, I don't like, feel like it has as much list, life though. as Maniac did. Like, I felt like Maniac was just was like, like everybody's like it was just so many people like had that as number one yeah but a lot of people have the battle book on number one i haven't seen as many as like yeah i haven't seen as many either i've seen it on a lot of lists i've seen it on you know as high as like number 10 on people's list too Uh which is interesting but i I didn't see a lot of maniac on number 10 it was always top three yeah it was it was really highly rated last year um but uh yeah i think you know essentially what you're getting into jp here is the difference between 2014 and 2015 for myself was very the noticeability of you know mainstream to indie films being last year there was a lot of like really um you know big theatrical good films yeah we were even talking about that and how many was there this year yeah we were talking about that a few weeks ago like we were looking count six yeah we were looking at the box office numbers and looking about how much how many films mainstream films were released and what their box office was and there was not that many i mean if you just look at last year between like insidious to the conjuring uh the evil dead the, those are just the the purge like those are four films right there that that i could see myself hey i'm thinking i'm gonna go see this uh te- i think texas chainsaw 3 even came out Te- texas yeah, chainsaw 3d even came out last year yeah um but this year, there's only maybe one film, maybe one or two that I would have went and seen. Yeah, me too. Well, like, d- dude, wasn't there? There was like under a dozen, like you know, major theatrical horror film releases this year, yeah. and most of them you were, know, that like were actually or something. Yeah, yeah that were actually, very notable just... for box office numbers and stuff. And it's like, holy shit! And most of those films actually were really not good. Yeah. So it was like a really poor year they for were mainstream. Much all not good. Yeah, it, it was a really bad year for theatrical. Like, it might be one the, of the worst in a while, right? I mean, oh yeah. especially yeah. coming off of last year. And that's why at the beginning of this year when you looked, like you remember how last year we did our looking forward to 2014 list of films. And we was looking at it and we're like, I don't know, guys. There's nothing on this list. Yeah, And that's because it was mostly indie films. And we talked about that before the show, how you don't really see those until the second half of the year. And that's yeah. why I felt like 
the first half of this year, I was like, this is a terrible year for horror. Second half, I'm like, dude, this is a great year for horror. Great year for indie horror. A lot of original ideas out there. I think I've seen more original films this year than I did last year. There was just yeah. so many oh, interesting yeah. ideas that haven't been done before. Yeah, I've talked to I've talked to some people and they're just like, man, this 2014 year was one of the worst years in horror history. And I'm no. like, I'm like, okay, yeah, for mainstream like theatrical releases and stuff, terrible, terrible year. Terrible. So if that's what you're mostly into, this was probably a really devastating year for yourself because. I mean, first of all, there was not a lot of films even to go see. And yeah. second of all, the films that you were able to see this year that for got shit. theatrical releases were pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. You know, like maybe two or three were actually decent. And um, so, I mean, if, you're, if your world is, you know, a little more mainstream and, you know, you don't focus on indie films, man, this was probably a really fucking shitty year. But for people like us, and I do try to seek out as many indie films as I can, this was a fucking phenomenal year for indie releases. A lot of really good stuff. And... Yeah, you know, this I was, was looking a at my solid list year, man. of films like, I've mean, seen. There's so many like seven point fives, eight or higher, like on my yeah, list. Dude, you know, you know, it's pretty interesting when you know I watched seventy five movies this year that came out in two thousand fourteen, and I was having a really hard time picking out like my five sh- like bona fide shit films. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm like there was a lot of films that I wouldn't consider shitty. They weren't great, but they were decent you know and they were watchable and they were okay you know like higher than sixes or sevens and stuff like those are good films but these ones were like not fucking twos and shit you know what i'm saying yeah well honestly my top five worst films i have like 5.5s in there oh yeah me too yeah so crazy such a weird year like i watched a lot of solid films like even ones i didn't really care about too much like you know they weren't awful they were watchable you know, now, did so. you, how many films do you think you watched last year at the time we did this show? It wasn't uh, nowhere near 70, was it? From 2000, I guess from 2013? 13, yeah. I thought I remembered you even saying that, like, you you didn't, you didn't, like, do, like, watch a bunch before we, because we didn't, we only started, this was, that was only the fifth episode when we did it. Yeah, I, I watched, you know, I, throughout the year I was here and there, but it, I wasn't checking out a whole lot of 2014 year, uh, Solely because we didn't start doing the cast until later, and I wasn't really fully preparing, you know, yeah. on 2004. I was focused, like, I spent a lot of time watching older films, like, you know, I always have. Yeah. But, you know, I made a point this year since, you know, I know that there's a year end show, so I'm going to make a point pretty much all year of trying to check out what I can, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I had the whole year to prepare for it. Last year was a little different. Like I said, I, you know, the first eight or nine months, I didn't really know that we were going to be doing this. So the last couple months of the year yeah i tried to get in some films but yeah i probably didn't even watch it half as many as i did this year yeah i watched way more this year and i didn't watch that many this year but next year next year i'm gonna kill it i got mm-hmm. new tactics <laughs> you're preparing <laughs> i mean yeah. to be honest I, i'm i'm excited yeah i'm excited for next year i'm actually this last year and this year has made me more optimistic for horror than i have been in in a while. I mean, do you guys remember coming off last year? We're like best year in horror since like 2003. And like this year is right up there with that. So that is awesome, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and looking ahead at next year, which we'll do later in the show, there's some very optimistic films in that in that list. And I'm like really excited. Like yeah, I think the, like horror the, is about to get another boom. Like you know those booms that, that horror gets throughout the years? Like I think we're in the early stages of another horror boom. But they're mm-hmm. all indie films, though. That's the thing. For That's exciting. Yeah. 
Um, it's still exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some theatrical ones too, for sure. Yeah, but not um, too many though. But not there's too many. a good I mean, bit. There's more than honestly, it was this year. Oh yeah, like, for sure. Like the Green Inferno, like that's just coming straight out, isn't it? Sometime. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully the movie actually comes out I have one day. I've not heard anything about it. Really. Do you know what happened with that film? Uh, yeah, I mean, to a point, I guess. I don't really know the, the full extension of the story, but... I, I think what happened was it was going to have a theatrical release, and um, the company, one of the production companies, like, literally just backed out, so Eli Roth tried to buy it off of them so he could release it direct to DVD and then get all the prof- proceeds. Um, but, like, <laughs> then it was, like, a contract dispute, and I think that's why it's been in limbo. I'd be very curious to see how long fucking it takes semantics. For it, how long it takes for it to get released? Yeah, that's. I would. I would be interested. I would be surprised if we don't see it till 2016. Nah, it, it'll come out next year. I, I think it'll be out by the summertime. I think they'll summertime. squash this. Some, some will happen with it, but mm-hmm. that's a good summer release. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll see though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, how are you feeling about the the world of horror? Like, are you excited? Do you think that we're about to hit another boom? I think so, man. I think so. I think it's the it's more like uprising to indie films, though, too. Like yeah. indie just seems to be where everyone seems to be turning their attention be- to because it's the inter- like a, like I've told people it's because of the internet and people yeah. are able to talk about their films and show it to other people than just in this. This community well, of conventions being, oh, you should check out my film. Here's a copy. Now we're able to see people on YouTube talking about their films and people on Facebook talking about their films. Like, if it wasn't for Facebook, we wouldn't know about Dustin Mills unless we went to conventions and talked to him and, you know, see yeah, his films. Yeah, that, that's definitely a huge help, but that's been around for quite a while as well. I think one yeah, of the big yeah. game changes here. One of the big, big game changers here is before when you released your film, if it wasn't theatrical and it went direct to video and it didn't get in a Walmart, your film was pretty much dead, right? I mean, you, yep. you now with VOD, like it does really change it. Even though we don't like digital and we like buying these films, when you release something VOD first, like how many films did you watch VOD this year? I've watched more than I ever have in my entire life because that it was an easier way to see them. Uh, because the DVD was taking so long to come out. It was a little bit cheaper. I'm still going to collect and be a collector, but I will start watching newer stuff on VOD, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, because they have a second life there. They have – and Netflix as well. Like it's not like you either get your theatrical or you uh, get your DVD in Walmart. Now you have another option, which is VOD. And and that's where I thought that I started noticing better cover art again because – it seems like a lot of these cover arts are, are, are better this year than the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. And I think VOD is like really helping out some of these indie films get noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, one of the interesting thing about, you know, the indie film, you know, craze and rising um, is the fact that like, you know, as fans, you know, and directors and whatnot, and, and the people that are involved with these films, we're kind of close knit now. You know what I'm saying? Like we're we're constantly like we talk each other all the time, and yeah. And I think I think it's you know the internet has allowed is the, the fans most powerful. Yeah, the, form yeah, of the internet is has allowed the fan to become part of the film too. You know, a lot of people you know, a lot of people really don't like the uh, crowdfunding, um, the oh. crowdfunding and stuff like that. They think it's you know people begging for money and stuff. But honestly, I don't really mind it at all. 
I mean, I'm if that's what it takes did. to get gutter balls two made, I feel like I'm part of that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I put in money to do that, and I, I'm not I doing that just to get the DVD. Yeah. I want the fucking movie to get made. I'm yeah, being sincere about it. You know, I don't mind putting in thirty bucks or forty bucks or whatever it is, because it's going to help. You know, Ryan Nicholson make that film, and I want and that you movie know to what? come out. And I think that that bond between the fans and, and the filmmakers and stuff is kind of it's kind of built there. And it really kind of gets you stoked for it and you check out other indie projects and, you know, it kind of gets you involved in the community and it's it's really selling itself. Can you imagine how much that me- must mean to Ryan oh, yeah. Nicholson or somebody of his caliber Especially to have Wells, people man. want you to make a movie, to have people pay for mm-hmm. you to make something, to, for you to follow your dreams, for you to keep moving along in your career that that like i am all for the crowdfunding thing like i do not see a problem with it all i feel like it's oversaturated and that can be a problem but as long as we keep it regulated and we really like scope out the projects that are worthwhile i feel like this is the future of of how films are going to be being made and if you have somebody like ryan nicholson who establishes a name establishes a, a, a product that he delivers every time he fund one of his films, I think people will keep funding them. And he d- mm-hmm. never will have to go out and beg producers and lose creative control. And he could have all the creative control he wants and get uh, investors through his his fans and keep rolling on. And I think a lot of directors are going to go down that path in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. said that. Go ahead. I mean, I've said that. Look at Dustin Mills. I think he was like the most appreciative person in the world that – her name is Torment Two and Three got funded. Mm-hmm. Like that must have just that must have been just so amazing to him that he was able to raise you know ten thousand dollars to make those two yeah. films. Well, that that was the thing. The whole thing, the Kickstarter program started with you know let's raise some money to do part two, and he's mm-hmm. like, well, if we meet this goal, you know, it just by chance, you know, he's like, you know, if we meet this, we can make part three, and like blew that out of the water too. Yeah. So. I'm glad. Like I even I I put it on that one too, and I'm I'm happy. I'm so happy that these films are actually going to get made because it just it, it brings a smile to my face. I think it's awesome. I yeah. feel like there needs to be like somebody needs to produce, throw up a crowdfunding thing for like an an anthology with these super indie guys, like these guys that like because there's indie like you know the 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 Babadook and stuff, and then there's indie indie, which yeah, is yeah. like Brian Nicholson and and. Uh, Dustin Mills and and those guys who made pieces of talent and stuff like that. Somebody needs to get an anthology together with those guys. What? I mean, they, like you know, kind of like the guys from uh, the High Eight. You know, mm-hmm. Tim Ritter and Brad Sykes and you know all those yeah. guys and stuff. Like they just came together and that's straight up fucking indie too, man. You know, they filmed that shit on film or on uh, you know fucking video basically. Um, but yeah, that would be cool. Like you know, get Ryan Nicholson and. Yeah, that would be it. Would be a good idea because they're they're all different than the shot on video guys and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I know what you're saying. That, I, I think, think that would be would fucking gnarly. Too. Oh yeah, I mean Ryan Nicholson. He's been part of anthologies before. Yeah. Well, um, shit. If you get an anthology crowdfunded for them, I can't see why they would not do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally, man. But yeah, I don't know, man. I I think that's just the way it's going, and I think it's just a huge uprise. And I get excited, you know, about indie films and stuff, and. Yeah, I mean, it was. It didn't really hurt my feelings that there wasn't a lot of you know mainstream films, uh, theatrical releases this year. But at the same time, you want them still, though. You, you still, still, you still do want them, you know. And that's the thing. And like, I just got so upset, like with the quality of films that were making it to the theaters. I was like, you know, that movie Ouija or whatever. It was like yeah. PG thirteen. Yeah. I'm just like, this is what's coming to theaters. It's like, fuck. 
You know, like it, last year with The Conjuring, like it wasn't my favorite film, um, but it all made our list. And there was tell me there just wasn't something um, great feeling about the, like the whole world talking about that film. Like it, it was, I I let I do enjoy that part of of the genre too. Is when when something goes above and beyond. It's a genre film and and really gets the whole world talking. It kind of really shakes the world. And we see those from time to time. We didn't have one of those this year. No. Um, which it was supposed to be Annabelle, I guess, right? I mean, it was like kind of marketed that way, but there's no way. <laughs> I mean, like your Blair Witches and your first time Halloween, like the the Exorcist, like all these these big mainstream films that just go above and beyond. Uh, we didn't have one of those this year. I did miss it because those are really important to the genre to keep moving because a lot of people a lot of kids that's going to be their first horror film they ever see you know what i mean so uh you know the next the next uh eli roth or ryan nicholson or whoever the next director might see the conjuring first that might mm-hmm. be their first film so you do need those those are important for the uh you know the world of horror to keep moving and uh hopefully we have a few more of those next year but i was very satisfied with this year in my closing statements. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. 2014, not a bad year. I gotta no, say good. it was not a good too year. Shabby. Yeah, not too shabby. Nothing really to complain about, except for, you know, the lack of, um, <laughs> fucking the theatrical release, especially for me too. I mean, okay. We talked about the, basically the limited amount of films that actually made it into theaters this year. Well, think about this up here. I think I only seen maybe three or four come through the cinema and I seen Annabelle in theaters. Um, we'll talk about that one later again. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like, I, man, just I like going to the cinema, man, and like not having anything to watch for myself is just—it's fucking depressing, dude. It really is. It's depressing. So I don't know, but uh, yeah, because like, what do we have? Let's see. For 2014, mainstream wise, we had uh, As Above, So Below, Purge Anarchy, Oculus, Annabelle, uh, the Marked Ones. Wait, did As Above, So Below go, like, actual theatrical? Yeah, I saw it in theater. I didn't actually see it, but I know that was in theaters. I didn't even know that. I never even seen it in there. It must must have been kind of a limited one, Yeah, it was universal. No, it was was wide. Huh. How many screens? Mm, I'll have to look, but give me a second. But As Above, So Below, The Purge Anarchy, Oculus, Annabelle, The Marked Ones, Deliver Us From Evil, uh, The Quiet Ones, Devil Do... Dracula Untold. It's like right at the end of that list there, all those like names and titles just started running. And down. that's about it. Yeah, see now that that is a really, really not impressive list of theatrical I'm not, films. I'm not seeing anything else that I mm-hmm. Frankenstein. That's about it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um you know, in two thousand fourteen, I mean, you know, besides the mainstream you know, theatrical releases and indie releases and stuff. Um, you know, media releases. It was a good year for media releases. Um, a lot of companies still going strong. A lot of companies coming, okay, coming here. Out, getting bigger get, and getting stuff. Their and ground, getting here we go. For an the, awesome 2015. This mm-hmm. is the top 10 box office mainstream horror films for 2014. Number one, Annabelle. It made 84 million. Ouija is number two. It made 50 million. Paranormal Activity, the marked ones made 32 million 
Deliver Us from Evil, 31 million. Oculus, 27 million. Devil's Due, 15 million. The Quiet Ones, 8 million. The Pyramid, 2 million. Tusk, 1.9 million. And the remaining, 1.2 million. Yeah, see, those last couple were definitely limited releases. Yeah, but number eight horror film box office only made 2.6 million dollars that's sad the pyramid yeah that that wasn't a that was a limited release yeah but that's still fucking stupid that the eighth horror film that was released in 2014 only made 2.7 million dollars well it's it's ridiculous that there was only like seven actual theatrical released films (laughs) yeah that's stupid (laughs) it's pretty bad yeah, uh, I need to look for as above, so below. Suck. But yeah, so media releases in 2014. I th- I think a lot of companies, you know, are, are going real strong right now. I don't see, you know, media disappearing anytime soon. You know, a lot of these companies are pumping out really, really good shit and finding, you know, a lot of films and then you know there was like quite a few films released this year that never had releases before, which is always a good sign that yeah, there's still a market definitely. to find these films, clean them up, and release them. You know, with Synapse releasing fucking Curtains, you know, Curtains finally getting a fucking Blu-ray release, which was fantastic. And um, so many other companies, man. Okay, uh, As Above, So Below was in 2,650 theaters. That's pretty limited, isn't it? 2,700? No, that's a lot. 27, I thought, like, oh, I thought you said 600. I thought like, oh. the, I thought like the, like a wide release film was like 4,000 or something. Nah. Galaxy of the Guardians was in 4,088. That's a pretty huge film. 2650 is a lot. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Yeah. Wasn't around hmm. here. Yeah. So, yeah. Media releases. You guys got any opinions on those? Yeah, year? I mean, I thought this year was a pretty solid year. Of course, Scream Factory did their thing for the first uh, part of the year. The second half, like, kind of declined. You oh, know, yeah. I, I really do think people were undervaluing the, the good shit that they released this year. I mean, that Nightbreed release mm-hmm. that that's a huge feat in releasing something that's never been released because those that's a release of 2010s but they also up. but they also managed to you know put out the impossible you know i mean it was a co-release but they still managed to get that halloween box set out yeah and, which know. is impressive you know and um I, I like honestly i haven't even begun to look through the special features on there but there's so many new features you got to give them props for that um, who, they had a lot of cool cool the, you know the vincent price set volume two that's another good good release um they picked up a lot of cool titles as well that i'm looking forward to in 2015 um synapse is is someone who like i'm really looking forward to their releases coming up yeah uh, Suspiria, man uh, super excited for that really there there are a lot of uh good releases this year they I, and i you know you're starting to see more um companies getting involved in like in the retro media too like like vinegar syndromes coming up and uh there was uh, another company that just kind of put out a couple like called epics is starting to put out more stuff i know they've been doing like dvds and stuff but they're getting into blu-ray now um which I, I'm, I'm happy with uh and i think 2015 is going to be a killer year i think i think there's going to be a lot of cool unearthings and and stuff like that Oh hell yeah, man! So many companies that are putting out, you know, retro stuff, and uh, that's the best, man. That's what yeah. I get super excited about. You know, I was actually just, uh, I was just before the top of the show, I was telling Jeremy that Mondo Macabro is releasing the fan on Blu-ray 
And I was like, that's fucking awesome. That doesn't even have a DVD release. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's the type of shit that gets, you know, like, my fucking, Death that tickles Bad. my pickle, man. Like that, you know? Deathbed was a great uh, release by Called Epics because um, it's, a, it's a film that was never even on VHS, I think. Like yeah. that, that mm. how often do you find that? And um, I love those ones that haven't been on DVD. Like those are my favorite, favorite releases. They haven't even been on DVD, and it gets a Blu-ray. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. You get, Ghost Town Man that, needs to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of films that that need to happen, um, and uh, I think that with um, I think that like I've been see- noticing like Code Red has kind of been a lot of their uh, old releases are starting to get re-released by different companies. Which is a good thing. I I probably read about three or four complaints about Code Red this week alone on Facebook pages about people not getting their orders and stuff like that. And I was yeah. like, I told you that months ago. They're yeah, shitty, man. That sounds about right, man. They're a shitty company. I'll I'll be the first well, one to say. Didn't you guys say it's run by like one guy? Yeah, and he's a fucking douchebag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Like, okay, well, that remember when I said, did you ever think about contacting? I'm sure he somehow is, like, just the guy that contacts these companies and, like, creates licensing deals. It's probably just him. Yeah, well, he should at least have good customer service. Yeah. <laughs> he called Moods a liar. Yeah. Wow. He just hates on Canadians, period. Yeah, yeah. I never got but, my order. But, yeah, you know, man... I mean, you know, Code Red's a company that annoys the shit out of me, man, because, yeah, the customer service is terrible. Um, transfers aren't even that best, but they always fucking release good cult, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. films I, I and stuff. They always put they're on good things. Hard, they're not as hard to get as we think they are, and that's why he's able to do that. I just think yeah, these maybe. other companies just don't see value in these in these weird titles sometimes, which they should, but they don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, that could be right, too. Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, the the interesting thing is that you know the guy that runs Code Red, Bill, um, his brother own, runs Scorpion, and yeah. you know that company's fucking just Amazing. a lot better. <laughs> you know, it's done a lot better. You, you get your shit. You know, they do good transfers. They release good cult stuff, and I don't know, man. But they're another company that I just absolutely fucking love they seem to be putting out some stuff that doesn't have releases and you know they always announce things you're just like fuck yeah you know yeah i've actually seen that they've released a couple things that code red once originally had yeah taking it away yeah and i mean that's good though you know at least probably gonna do it a little more justice i mean fuck you know the first round of blu-rays that code red released were just oh my god like the redeemer I heard was just the worst transfer in the world. I never even picked that one up, but I heard like it was worse than the DVD transfer. <laughs> it's just like, how is that even possible? You know, but it's very simple. You just pressing code and and overpriced. See, Code Red's one of those companies that gives kind of these companies a bad name. They're overpricing for what you're getting, you know, and shit like that. But how much are their Blu-rays? Like twenty-five. <laughs> They're usually like twenty-five to thirty, depending on what the film is. Fuck that. I know it's crazy. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, and that's the thing with Scorpion. You know, their Blu-rays are completely affordable. I mean, the ones that are limited are a little more expensive. But at the same time, the transfers are really good. I've never had an issue with any of the transfers and stuff. So really awesome stuff. But yeah, I don't know, man. 2014. What else can we say about 2014? I think I think the big takeaway from this is we were all 
pleasantly surprised and completely satisfied. There was just a few things that could have made the year, um, you know, a best a little of, bit better. Yeah, but yeah, there was a lot of interesting conversation pieces this year with code or with with uh, 2014. Um, you know, things that were happening, especially with Scream, uh, Scream Factory was always a big talk, um, yeah. especially among our group of friends. But I just I think one of the biggest things this year, man, <laughs> that always got me smiling and laughing was the whole Nightbreed, the Nightbreed fiasco, which was just fucking mind blowing, man. Yeah. You know, that whole mess up is is a pretty major one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it just kind of seemed to get like the major hate ball rolling. You know what I'm saying? It seemed like after yeah. that happened, everyone well, was just I like think, I, jumping I on that hate train. That and just it hate started before that with the initial announce of the limited edition Nightbreed. I think that's when it completely started was when I like because people – it was the first time I'd ever seen someone say something about Scream Factory that was like, um, you know, connected to shadiness or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because it was the price that like got everyone pissed off. Yeah, I, I don't even. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I think. I mean, a lot of people said, you know, they think if they had a, you know, priced it down even what was know, the forty price or fifty, eighty bucks. I think it was seventy nine. And you're pay- and people were out there paying thirty dollars plus shipping. For uh, Fright Night Diamond Edition or whatever the fuck it's called, mm. that's already scalped for ninety on eBay. But I was watching a YouTuber the other day, which was actually kind of funny, and he brought up a, a, a pretty interesting and valid point. Which, I mean, it has validity to it a little bit, I guess. But it kind of made me laugh though, because uh, you know he was like, "Well, you know, I, I never got a chance to pick up." Or he actually was one of the YouTubers that got fucked out of his uh, out of his Nightbreed. Yeah, yeah, he ordered that one and ended up not getting it. And end up getting the um, the single director's cut edition, but he's like, "Fuck whatever it happens, you know, there's nothing I can do about it, whatever." But he goes, "The interesting thing is, you know, that thing was eighty bucks. The director's cut was, you know, twenty two or whatever the fuck it was, just for that version." And he goes, "You know, I just picked up uh, Lord of Illusions, and that in that edition, you know, it was twenty two bucks for that edition, collector's edition, and it comes with the theatrical yep. and the director's cut on two discs, and I paid twenty two bucks <laughs> instead of eighty. <laughs> Yeah. It kind of got me thinking. I was like, well, you I mean the packaging obviously is a little different than Nightbreed said, but the the, the content is there. Yep. You know, that one still has both versions of the film and it's in one set. And I was like, oh, it's pretty yeah. funny, actually. The, the big difference between that is that the theatrical version was owned by someone who regularly doesn't deal with Scream Factory. So they had to do like a a different type of deal. $60, though? Could be. Mm. For just Nightbreed this for the licensing oh, fee. Oh, yeah. for the theatrical version. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's because right. who owns that? Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner Brothers. Okay, yeah, and, Warner and Brothers. Has Scream Factory right regularly doesn't uh, do business with Warner Brothers, so they probably had to play pay extra than they normally would with the company that owns. Well, they the they made a specific point. They, yeah, they made a specific point of getting Clyde Barker involved here, right? To to go in and do this other cut for you know Nightbreed and yeah. also for. Uh, Lord of Illusions. That's like a new cut too that he came in and did for the release and stuff, which is interesting. Yeah. So yeah. But I that just the the price, him talking about the prices and stuff and the qual or you know what you're getting and it fucking made me laugh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, I I 100% agree. I, I never thought about that either. though. Yeah, That's it is why kind of I didn't funny. buy it. But I think that. I think that it should be – I don't see a problem with it because it is your choice. Like mm. if you want – it's an, it's a premium yeah. quote-unquote product 
for a premium price. If you oh, don't want sure, that, sure. I mean, you know, you did you, like your video explained it really well. I mean, the the, the biggest problem i had i didn't really you know was the price was a little steep i mean let's face yeah, it yeah it was incredibly steep you know so especially I mean, that for was someone really like much. me who's never gonna pay that nope mm. or me yeah i, I wouldn't mean, even pay 22 you i know, mean you know what's crazy when i really think about it like if i compare the the nightbreed screen factory set to the possession mondo release from this year man dude you know the the possession release blows the nightbreed set away yeah and they were basically the same price like the possession honestly dude it's the best release i have in my entire collection it's the yeah. nicest thing i have in my entire collection it's fucking beautiful man they, they it's so much effort into this all the extra shit that they put into it the the everything about it is just mind-blowing mm-hmm. and you know my point is is that it was relatively around the same price uh, i'm so, gonna argue that scream factory really rebounded with the pricing on the halloween set though because that set what the, you're getting all okay. those movies transfers and it was only a hundred and eight dollars. I mm. think that's an, like anybody it's else who you would right see now on Amazon. Anybody but else I, who you would see release that set it would at least be two hundred. But the thing is though, I think you have a hard you would have a hard time overpricing for with that set because you know every, most of us collectors that bought that box set already own every one of the blu-rays but and they're very readily available and they're cheap too i know i understand you got the packaging with the brand new fancy black cases the new special features and stuff i don't but think I mean, that's if you, what if you ch- i think it's really? the fact that it's halloween and they're and those fans are hardcore we talked about that in our show i i think so they lowered the price the, for, for the hardcore fans no they lowered it because i think they got such a big blowback from the nightbreed set when they announced that I don't know, man. I think it's because the Halloween films are so readily available. I think that's what it is. I, I don't but, think you could over. But, I think if you were charging 150 for it, even collectors will be like, "Well, dude, I already have all the films, anyways." Like, dude, I own every one of them on Blu-ray already, and I bought the fucking set. Yeah. You know, if it was 150, 160 bucks, I probably well, you know, just the fact that I would have bought it. It's a little different, but if it was released by say just Anchor Bay or whatever, you know, you know how collectors are, mm-hmm. fucking OCD bullshit. Um, I probably wouldn't have bought it for 150, 160 bucks. I mean, I actually know for a fact I wouldn't have. Um, I probably because I, because I would have held out and I would have been like, you know what, they're gonna release. Halloween six, the producer's cut, eventually solo by itself. Yeah. I can hold I can wait. And that's really the only thing in there that I really did care about. Yeah, me too. Um it's cool to have the whole set and stuff, which I'm glad that you know the price wasn't extreme and ridiculous, but I think it has a lot to do with all those films being available and they're cheap. Yeah, but if you look at the same thing with the uh um like like okay, let's look at the thirty fifth anniversary Blu ray that came out. Halloween was already out. Like they, but that thing sold like crazy. Everybody just well, buys Halloween. It's just they do. I don't know why they do it. It's at silly. At the same I time, don't. though, well, I think it's also because, I mean, obviously, you know, it was a, you know, they did it right though. That you know, they did it with a digipack, which wasn't ultimately was the best pack. It was yeah, shitty. exactly. But it was more about the fact that the transfer was, was a new transfer and it was yeah. good. Yeah, it was because good. Anchor Bay's original, well, their, I think their second release, I think actually that one was the same release as the box set one, but the transfer on that wasn't really that great. No, and I think the, the selling point for the 35th anniversary was a little bit of the new features, the Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, you know, documentary thing. And, but the new transfer is that what everyone was really about. You know, I don't think it would have sold very well. I mean, Obviously, some people would have bought it, but I think less people would have bought it if it was the same transfer for mm-hmm. sure. 
Yeah. So, but I mean, the new transfer on that Halloween is really good. Yeah. <laughs> I just know how crazy Halloween fans are, and I I honestly feel like they could have released it for a high price, and it still would have done really well because. I just feel – I feel like those fans will just buy anything because I've seen them do it time and time again. Every edition, every fucking edition that comes out, dude, they buy. Dude, I know – we talked about this once on the podcast about like who are the craziest fans. You know, the, So if Friday the 13th fans, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And didn't we all say like Halloween fans are literally They're the craziest insane, fans? Yeah. They're crazy. Dude. They like, get tattoos of Jamie Lee Halloween. Curtis's signature on their leg. <laughs> And then they and then they rush down to the nearest tattoo parlor and get that shit tattooed. Yeah, dude, they do all that shit. They 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 like spend two hundred dollars on masks, like how Fuck. like Michael Myers mask. I've never met crazier fans dude, than the Halloween fans. I know, man. There's oh, man, we've all seen it, but there's some YouTubers out there that just have oh, the yeah, most every insane, edition. ridiculous collections of Halloween. But Halloween is one of the most released franchises out there i mean because I mean, everybody my, buys it that and evil dead yeah and yeah exactly evil dead holy fuck those films man i have a million releases but um you know it's just like my favorite franchise of course is nightmare on elm street and that's got to be one of the least oh that one's just stomped releases. on man there's, there's two like, like the, real releases there's mm-hmm. the box set type releases even the snapper cases that came out individually yeah. and yeah. then there's that fucking blu-ray set that's like kind of bad <laughs> that's not, like pretty it, much it. Actually, there's four it's packs. Actually pathetic. It's actually pathetic. I hate when people are like they come over and they're like, "What's this?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's the that's the Nightmare on Elm Street box set. It's it's garbage." <laughs> I fucking it's just I hate that so much. That those films have and, never been showed the proper treatment, and, and that's actually, why if Scream Factory could ever get a hold of those, I know that the special features would be off the hook. Yeah, I mean, I just want to see a, like a really nice fucking oh, Freddy bust. Dish. I don't know, man. <laughs> just give me something good to buy. But actually. The, Oddly enough, that brings me to my next point. Um, 2014, you know, obviously 30 years after the release of Nightmare on Elm Street, which came out in 1984, um, I was really, really fucking depressed and pissed off that there wasn't a decent release for Nightmare on Elm Street, like a 30th anniversary release for it. I don't know if you guys ever thought of this, but I thought about this. I thought about this about two or three months ago i forgot to actually bring it up because i i know that you're a big fan of the franchise jp and um i forgot to mention it but i was like why aren't they doing a 30th anniversary or for something they do all these anniversary releases they did one for fucking silent night deadly night they did one for fright night what the fuck motherfuckers seriously i mean i love silent night deadly night go listen to the podcast yeah it's warner brothers man but seriously why the fuck does nightmare on elm street seem to get shit on Warner for Brothers. awesome releases is it because of warner brothers or it's just nobody wants to take a chance it's fucking it, freddy man there's warner brothers doesn't warner really brothers. license their stuff out and if they're not, and if they don't feel like they, if they don't want to do it then that's it just we get yep. fucked my way like, or the you, guys highway. Agree, you guys do agree with me though right like it should have got something oh, yeah. like, oh my <laughs> god dude well look, I, honestly they've they've treated they had that one infinifilm edition a while back that was pretty solid uh, for the original film, the original film has always gotten love. Yeah, it for has the most a really, part. it has a really, really nice laser disc. The sequels have never got love. Like, no, when's the last no. time you've seen an uh, besides Elm Street Legacy? Like, when did you see like uh, an in-depth look at Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four? Like, where <laughs> you have like Rick's character talking and like you know the girl that got crushed in the box and like it, like I want to know like the production like. 
like of this film. So I'm thank God, thank yeah, mother- yeah. I, I, I want to see new interviews with King Elm K. Street man. Legacy. Elm <laughs> Street Legacy killed it. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, that is the one awesome thing. You know, it, it's still my favorite documentary. I love that documentary, dude. It's so it's good. It's a ten out of ten. Oh yeah, it really is, man. The, the information that's spit out in that four hours is really phenomenal. They cover each film and they really do cover the films and it, it's fantastic. It's really the best thing about the franchise, um, you know, that's been released, you know, to give it some, you know, honest credit, you know, uh-huh. give it a fucking good, like a good box set, like this little fucking slimline, you know, four disc thing that they did with doubling up the, the films and shit. I know I sound like a whiny little bitch. Or, you no, know, no, you and, don't. And I'm shit. Down but that, the reason why I, I, I get a little passionate about uh, that franchise because you know it's my favorite one, and it just and it's doesn't my have favorite one. So you know, and you know me with double disc, two movies. Yeah, on one dude. Disc, you know, but it's it's just like man, talk about throwing this major phenomenal fucking character underneath the bus. Yeah. You know, throw them underneath the, the bus in See, part two right there. This is the thing. You have companies out there like Scream Factory, like Synapse, like Blue Underground who really take the time and put in put in the work to get the special features. That's why these companies need to license these films, these these it, these specialist companies that specialize in creating content like like Warner Brothers isn't going to do it. Like they're not going to do it. I think the problem is with companies, you know, that do re- like really good justice to these films, company like Synapse and stuff, they probably can't afford to, you know, to license out films like Nightmare on Elm Street. Warner Brothers is like, "Well, we want fucking 10 million for part 1. <clears throat> part 2 is not the greatest, so we'll sell it to you for 2." It's not even that. They just won't <laughs> No, and do then part 3 will license out for another 7. Like they they know that they just won't do it usually. It has not it, like like yeah. I mean, honestly. No, I'm just fucking around. But you know what I mean. It would make more sense for a company like Scream Factory or Synapse to license out um, Nightmare on Elm Street, do all the work, and and sell and and let Warner Brothers have all the the royalties because Mm -hmm. like it would be worth doing that because then you have so many new people pointed towards your direction that it's Mm -hmm. like pretty much advertising. You're paying for advertising at that point. But that's the thing. They they know how valuable a title like that is, so they don't they don't license it out. But somebody, 2015 is going to be the year of Freddy's Nightmares. Well, it must be the year of Freddy's Nightmares. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, that's it, man. I'm going to fucking, you know, after the show, I'm going to look up 1985 releases. There better be some 30th anniversary releases, man, from 85. Yeah, <laughs> boy. You know, I mean, is the, um, actually, no, that Fright Night is the 30th anniversary one, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. it's a, yeah, because that's eighty five. Yeah, um, speaking of that Fright Night release, it just a little off topic. But Jeremy, you said it's already gone. It's already sold out. Uh, it's sold out and it's getting scalped for ninety bucks. It's sold already up to ninety days. bucks. So you know, once again, fuck you, Twilight Times. They started out uh, three per person, and then they yeah. noticed um, they about a day after they did that, they started to go, oh shit, this is not a good idea, and they you changed know, I, it to one. I fucking you see. Okay, when I noticed. It was. It said one per customer. I didn't know they had it up to three, but they did it again. They fucking sold to fucking resellers, man. Yeah, yeah. And the guy did touch on so it sold out, and and us fans, no one got a chance to fucking buy it, and now they're hundred bucks on fucking eBay. Fuck you, Twilight Times. Why did you ever think this was a good idea? It should have been one from the get go. Yeah. Well, he basically said that you know. Somebody might need to buy a copy for their, you know, cousin who's at work during the time they go on sale or whatever. It was some bullshit, really. I mean, they know what they know what happens. Um, you know, one thing that really annoyed me. It's all me about that he selling said, the product to them. He man. said 
he said, uh, like, oh, people complain about our price point at thirty nine ninety five, but or twenty twenty nine ninety five, whatever the price point is. And he's like, he's like, well, guess what? Everybody, you know as well as I know, everybody when they put their suggested retail price out, it's always twenty nine ninety five. The only difference is we tell you what it really is right when we sell it. And I'm like, that is not a That's good bullshit. answer. That's not like, th- th- how is that any better? Oh, what how a is that any better? How is that any better that you instead of um, telling us it's going to be this much and then lowering it to like half that, you're just <laughs> keeping it at the the ridiculous price that nobody's gonna that wants yeah. to pay. <laughs> a bunch of dicks, man. Fuck. Yeah, and he's yeah. British too, so he really sounds cocky and. Cocky. Oh, they didn't uh, fucking go. Oh shit! After two days and go. Oh fuck, man! They're selling real quick. You know, they're selling out. You know, fuck that. You know, they put out 5,000 copies. They want that shit to sell in two days. They don't give a shit who fucking buys it. So it was their thing. Oh, we'll make it look like, oh, we shouldn't have put it at three, you know. So oh, no, that we're going to have to make. No, no, they, they stand by the thing with three. I think they were just trying to slow it down so other people could get uh, – because he really stood by like, no, no, three is an appropriate amount of copies that you're allowed to buy. We're going to keep that. But I think what they did was when they seen it started selling out like really quickly, they was like, oh, well, maybe we can cut it halfway through so that more people can get a chance to get it. Yeah, but like now people are just going to go to Amazon Germany and buy the German release. It's like it's not any – Well, one day it will get released by an actual good company and then I'll <laughs> Christine's getting a German release too. There's just like yeah. – these films are coming out in Germany. So I think – I think that – We've pretty much covered 2014 in terms of our excitement level and our hatred for Twilight Time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One more thing: no 30th anniversary of Children of the Corn. <laughs> really? You guys don't have to. You guys don't have to answer that. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> no, Twilight Time trivia here. I just, the I just reason they're see... called Twilight Time is because they thought that it was only going to last a Twilight like one year. <laughs> well, there you go. That yep. actually makes sense. Yeah, but uh, 2014, yeah, that's a wrap right there. Yeah. We are now into 2015. It's a blast from the past now. Let's start talking about old shit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So, yeah, into the best and the worst of 2014. Of course, in our opinions, and these lists are based on what we have seen. So, and I do want to give a disclaimer like I usually do in my videos because so many of you people out there get super fucking butthurt, like bleeding butthurt (laughs) over fucking top 10 lists and stuff. These lists are not bonafide written in stone, the top 10 lists of 2014. These are personal lists that we have made and this is our choices, okay? Yeah. So if your favorite film is not on these lists... And your favorite film maybe might even appear on our top five worst list. It's just our opinion. These are our personal lists. These are – we're not writing for fucking Rolling Stone magazine where they don't give these disclaimers. These are in fact the top ten films of 2014. No, these are our personal films. I just want to get that straight. Yeah. Um, I've just been getting so much flack. I've been doing a series called Top Ten Tuesdays and people are like, where's this? Where's that? Oh, I totally agree with your number one. You totally agree that I love the thing the most? Really? <laughs> How can you say uh, that to me? I get that. I get. I get so frustrated. I, I, th- when I think there's like, room for conversation, though. Like I feel like if if no somebody wants it's to come choices. at me and be like, "Well, I, I think that you really didn't recognize the Den as a top ten film of the year 
and you know it would have been on my list like why isn't it on your list and i'll be like well i felt like the den was this this and this like i think there's room for conversation without being a dick about it but i mean there's it's usually not like that it's like hey man you know (laughs) i agree i agree with your number one i think that is i'm like okay so you agree that i like the thing the most thank you that's awesome and well, it's like, what oh, they're you know, where's Evil Dead 2? I'm like, oh, seriously, dude, I love that film. It's, but I, it's always like, where's this film? Where's that film? I'm yeah. like, dude, there's 10 spots. I'm like, I didn't say I didn't like that film. It's just, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to be passive aggressive here. It's just like, it is what it is. Fuck. Yeah. Um, but but you know what I'm saying? You know, these lists, man, I just, everybody has their list. And I, I love watch, looking at people's lists. I never comment to go, oh, you know, where the fuck is this? Where the fuck is that? You know, um, it is what it is. Again, not being passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Now, when, when I I actually do comment sometimes because if I if I see that somebody doesn't yeah, have but, a film but, that but I felt you're was kind really of an asshole. Strong, I know, <laughs> but I was like, if I f- see that you don't have a film that I felt was really strong, I'd be like, well, did you see this film? And when they say yeah, and I'm be like, well, why didn't that make your list? I'm not being a dick. I'm just curious to know like why a film that I felt was really really strong. I just take their word for it. I mean, if they're if they're if they've seen the film and it's not on their top ten list, I just assume they didn't like it as much as the other ten. Yeah, and and that's good enough for me. But I want to know why. I want to because then maybe it'll open up my eyes to something I might not have considered. mm, You know what I mean? The only time I really kind of question things is when people you know have say like on their top five worst list or something and they have a film in there that you really enjoyed you're just like oh you know like what didn't you like i mean i think that's more of a conversation piece like what didn't you like about the film you know yeah. like you put it in your top five worst films of the year and i'm like wow dude i really enjoy the film like what well, didn't you like I, I think that conversation is a little more relevant it's like instead of what's like you're missing this from your top 10 it's like dude honestly you know when i make my video list i'm gonna have a top 30 list <laughs> i fucking well, have to man <laughs> another, another thing is the way i see it is like if if you're missing a film that i feel is really strong and like if not commenting on it when i want to hear why is pretty much the same to me as saying like uh i don't like that film because it's bad and it's like mm-hmm. okay but why yeah. why is it bad <laughs> and i you know you know mike from the group page he does that shit all the time he'll be like he'll be like that he'll be like Pumpkinhead sucks or something i'll be like why and he'll be like <laughs> because sucks <laughs> yeah but i mean that's valid to question if someone's just like being kind of yeah, you know, yeah. blatant about something or like man that movie fucking sucks and you're like okay why and then they're like because, well, because it sucks <laughs> it's like dude come on man yeah anyways texas chainsaw before, massacre before <laughs> 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 wow, that I actually spit all over my laptop. Though. That yeah. was awesome. That actually caught me off guard. Um, so yeah. Anyways, getting you know back into what we're here for. Uh, the top five. We're going to start here with the top five. Our personal top five worst films that we've seen in top fourteen in top fourteen in two thousand fourteen, and then we're going to get into our top ten list. So we're going to start out with the worst and then move into the best. So we're going to progress. Ooh, look at that rhyme. Oh yeah. Yeah. We in the times, right? Two thousand fifteen. Rapid moods. Yeah, um, so top five worst films of 2014. Jeremy, do you want to start us off? Sure. Okay, at my number five spot, I have a film that a lot of people really, really liked, and I did not like it, and that's Afflicted. Uh, Number four, (laughs) are you laughing? Fuck, man, you know what's so weird about that, dude? I watched that film two days ago. Yeah? I was at work and, you know, on the overnight shift, and I actually watched that because I forgot that it was from 2014. Did you like it? I did. Man, what the fuck? Is it called Affliction or Afflicted? Afflicted. Afflicted. Am I the only one that didn't like the movie? Yeah, 
you know what is I think the reason why I like the movie is because I actually didn't know anything going into it. I just yeah. watched it and then it kind of took this crazy turn in the middle of the film and I was like, oh, shit, that's different. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, number four, ABC's A Death 2. Oh, wow. Sure. So his his ABC's A Death 1 made his top 10. ABC's A Death made his worst. That is a huge, <laughs> huge shift. That sucks, ABC's A Death. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, JP. Uh, <laughs> number three, VHS Viral. Talked about that on the show. Number two, Leprechaun Origins. And number one, Bongo Killer Clown. <laughs> Just oh, you like, watched that? Oh my god, it's so fucking bad. It Great. is terrible. Absolutely terrible. It's up there with Clown Hunt last year. It wow. fucking sucks. Well, I can only I've only seen one of your top five, so the other four I haven't seen, so I can't comment. Damn. <laughs> Am I going next? Yeah. You go ahead. Yay. Okay, so um little disclaimer before this list. These this doesn't necessarily mean that these films are bad because they're just the five worst that I've seen, right? Yeah. So that that means that some of them couldn't be bad. Some could be, some might not be bad. So number five, the squad, which I wouldn't consider bad. It's just not good. Um, it's okay. Uh, number four, Day of the Mummy, also very average. It's not necessarily bad. It's just not good. Number three, Mr. Jones. Now we're getting to the bad territory. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jones was not a good watch. Me and Moods covered that way back on the – I think that was last season, right? Uh, like episode 21 or something. It was. I think it was the second to last one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then number two, uh, VHS Viral. What a – piece of shit movie man God, this is so a case where irritating. i had vhs 2 on my top 10 last year and i had vhs 1 awesome. on my top 5 the year before and now vhs viral makes my top 5 but it's my top 5 worst what a terrible thing fucked up the trilogy ruined my life for that you got number two on my top five worst <laughs> wow dude films. you sound so buttered like, i am dude you know how much life. i love those first two films <laughs> and i i was even kind of like adamant to believe I, like i didn't believe that people were that it was as bad as it was like i was gonna go in i was gonna be like people were fucking over talking shit on this film because i heard about vhs2 when it came out and i was really like disappointed and then my number one this is definitely the worst film i've I seen this year i still liked certain things about it but it's a bad movie it's self-awarely bad uh but it's still just not a good movie and it's mutantis oh dude i totally forgot about yeah, that. I forgot I about put that. The, I didn't even put that on my watch list. Fuck, forgot I forgot about, about that. that one. Um, yeah. Okay. So my top five worst films that I seen in 2014. Uh, number five, Mr. Jones. Um, yeah, it's just not good. It's not good. Uh, number four, Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. I oh, you watched it? I watched it with you. Yeah, I forgot about that. Dude, that movie was terrible, man. Yeah, it's pretty fucking terrible. It was bad. Um, number three was Hazmat. Uh, I remember remember us joking about this film, and yeah. then my stupid dumbass went out and bought it and watched the thing. This stupid gas mask bullshit. Yeah, Hazmat was garbage. It was a really, really fucking cliched shit slasher. Uh, number two, speaking of really bad shit cliched slashers, uh, Death Do Us Part. I ripped yeah. this one a new fucking asshole on the podcast. It's yeah. fucking horrible. Piece of shit Anchor Bay release. Go fucking figure. Go fuck yourself, too. Death Do Us Part is garbage. And my number one most hated, I wouldn't say it's the worst film on this list. Drum roll, please. Uh, by 
um, you know, a technical standpoint is definitely not the worst one. It's probably the best one on this film. Uh-huh. From a technical standpoint, this is my most hated is. film. This is my most hated film of the year, and that's Annabelle. Woo. Fuck you. It is such garbage. I hated the movie. And I tore this one a new asshole on the on the uh, podcast, too. I, you know, like like I said, from a technical standpoint. It's, yeah, I like how you threw that in there because. But it is the worst film or it's the mo- my most hated film of the year. I really hated this movie. Yeah. That's something somebody would have pointed out. They would have been like, you put Annabelle below this film when it has a technical standpoint about. So it's good that you threw that in there. Oh, no, no. It, it's definitely out of those five films. It is by far the best film, you know best made film but yeah. uh no worse but, doesn't like, necessarily the, mean like in terms of how well good worse is. is an adjective you know that just describes i mean we could throw anything in there you know it's like my top five most hated films of the year you know i mean i could have a list yeah. uh, it just one on my me- top five list and you had in your top 10 i just hated the film so yeah but yeah those are my top five um yeah and actually our lists were quite different it's pretty interesting only one crossover i think right mr jones yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you guys had viral and me and you had Jones. So I'm like the middle guy. <laughs> but here. then again, it would have been interesting if Jeremy was on that show. Yeah, if I would have it on there. If you would have it on there. <laughs> interesting. So, yeah, so that's uh, the top five, our personal choices for top five worst films of 2014. Already, drum roll. <laughs> yeah, that was the fucking worst drum roll ever. Yeah. It was horrible. The fuck? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we can get a soundboard. Oh, God, we got to do that, man. Oh, totally. Just pre-program, like, sound effects and just play yeah. them in the mic. I'm going to look into just that. old school shit. Old school shit, yeah. Um, you can actually, actually, I think there's there's a program you can put on your computer. Yeah. And you can program it, and then you just use your keys to put the sound effects, or hit the sound effects. This is cool. But so, yeah, into our top 10 favorite horror flicks of 2014. And we are going to go around the table on this one. So we are going to start at number 10. We're going to start with Jeremy, onto JP, then myself, and then continue around until we hit number one. And, yeah, that's how we're going to roll with this one. So number 10 on Jeremy's list. All right. My number 10 on my list is a film I actually saw last September in 2013, actually. But it got a release in 2014, and that's the documentary Adjuster Tracking. This film is so fun. It is an extremely uh, intriguing look into the underground VHS collecting community. It's not like Rewind This, which is more about, um, you know, more of a mainstream type of a VHS collecting. And Adjust Your Tracking is more of a underground horror type of perspective on the uh, collecting of VHS that has exploded over the last mm, three or four years where people who grew up uh, watching these films got the money to start collecting them and the market exploded, um, especially, you know, 2013, 2014, where just, you know, yeah. If I had a big house with a lot of room, I would totally collect um, VHS films that aren't on DVD, like hit up the pawn shops man. and the Goodwills and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they're too expensive if you look for them online yes, to buy. But, but, but if you go out is, in the wild, you the can find a is, lot of them. Mm, I don't think so. Not maybe in a big city like Chicago. But not but nobody's even in a looking big city for, like Chicago. Nobody's looking for VHS around here, dude. I see cool shit all the time. 
Oh, that's so that's so disheartening. If I see VHS in the wild, like to find VHS where I am, and especially something that I would actually pick up, is so rare. Boots, you were with me when we were hunting. It's just common shit. It's like good luck finding anything that's actually independent because Chicago is definitely not an independent hub. Because you live closer to the East Coast, where independent VHS was huge, huge, huge. That's yeah. where there was you a learned ton that. of mom and pop shops around here. There's probably st- all the. All the mom and pop shops VHSs are still probably floating around this area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You just you got learned... to dig for them, man. They're there. They're there. Yeah, but you know, your tra- I'm sorry, JP. Oh no, I'm sorry for cutting you off. But th- that is one of the documentaries that I want to grab for my series because I've heard nothing but good things about it. it yeah, it's even really... talked about it recently too. To it's me. a really great film. Definitely check it out if you get the chance. Yeah, I like definitely the... check it. Definitely check out the special features on it too, man. Did you do you have the DVD? Jeremy? No, I saw it like uh, a screening with Dan, and they brought it here. And okay, yeah. Um, the the special features. There's about seven hours special features, and there's like extended interviews from all those interviews and stuff. I and, love the uh, guy in the ball pit just like chilling, talking about. It. <laughs> yeah, that guy's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, I like that. I like the fact that they actually found Jay uh, from K and J Horror. You know the guy mm-hmm. with the massive video collection. Yeah, I've actually watched his VHS videos for years on YouTube, mm-hmm. and when I saw him on there, I was like, he's actually on the back, and that's the one of the very first times I ever seen what he looked like. I was like, oh, that's cool, man. But it just it felt so close to me. I was like, they they interviewing people that I have actually like watched on YouTube and and they were they interviewed uh, Lewis, you know, from Asker Video, and he said mm-hmm. he had fifteen thousand VHSs. I'm like, holy fuck, dude, that's a lot. <laughs> that's crazy, man. He said it's his whole garage. I'm like, that's fucked up. Yeah, but anyway, like the point video is, stores in their basement and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, that that guy actually he's the guy that put out the Bible Belt slasher film. Oh really? From Brain Damage. That guy's the director of that film. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, there's tons of special features, extended interviews, deleted scenes, short films, um, behind the scenes stuff. It's really awesome, dude. What a great release. Yeah, you gotta I, support I, Dan, man. Yeah, I just picked this up because, you know, it was actually really expensive. More than I would like to pay for a DVD, but it was worth it though. I'll watch this again. So Yeah, yeah um I think it's about what, like fifteen dollars for the two disc here in the states yeah Yeah, i actually paid a little more for mine so i was like but the thing is i've been after this for so long and it wasn't going down Mm -hmm. it wasn't going down i was like fuck this man i really wanted to watch it and it finally broke i got a bonus from work so i actually didn't technically pay for it (laughs) did you did you watch rewind this yeah i have it's it's better than rewind this by a lot yeah it's funny because i've actually heard people say that they liked rewind this better than this one but you know honestly i thought this was a blast it was great yeah but uh, yeah, yep. that's yeah, that, that's that's really awesome. Did you throw a rating on that? Uh, yeah, I'll give it an eight and a right. half out of ten. Eight point five out of ten. You know, last year you actually had a documentary on your list, yep. and I totally forget to like even consider documentaries, um, which is totally silly of me. But uh, you said you saw that one in a screening. Oh uh, yeah, last September. Do, do uh, they do a good VHS shit fest uh, toward the film around, and they were here. Like last summer, and I saw it then, so like a year and a half ago. Do, do they have a lot of like press screenings around you? It wasn't like a press screening. It's yeah, just but like, I'm just asking. Um, what do you mean, like films, like uh, like, like how you see them in commercials and stuff, like early, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, like like yeah, kind of like where press would go to see the film to do reviews. Um, before it's like uh, you know, widely released. Well, I get, I get. Um, emails all the time from school saying, "Oh, well, there's going to be a 
early screening of this with the director and things like that. Like, like I saw the guest, like, you know, I saw the guest four and a half months ago. Yeah, you can probably get some, like, press credentials to go to certain screenings, I bet. Oh, yeah, I saw Boyhood, like, a month and a half before it got released. And see, I, I get the opportunity to see a whole bunch of stuff if I want to. You you know how they have you sign their, like, goddamn yeah, braggers. No, I just pay a stuff. shit ton of money at school, and they give you the chance to. Like when you seen Paranormal Activity, they they had a yeah. disclosure. This, yeah, you couldn't you know talk about saying. it until it got released. Yeah, so yeah. Um, same thing with a, the Purge. A lot of times when you have those press credentials, is they allow you to write your review a couple days early before it's released or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. But anyway, so I guess uh, my turn for my number ten film of. 2014 Ooh, i had a real hard time with number 10 because i felt like all three of the films that i had listed it needed to bank my list but i'm just gonna go with the one and it's a film that both me and moods had as um i don't know if they were pick of the weeks or not, but uh it is uh pieces of talent uh that film of course jeremy still hasn't seen but it was just one of those sleeper indie hits where even though moods talked about it it kind of still slipped my mind and when they announced that they were allowing it to be watched for free on their uh, internet VOD system, I checked it out and I was really just blown away. Um, it just had a very um, like uh, art feel to it. Like it felt really technical, uh, technically awesome. I think you know having to do with film, a, a character who was a filmmaker definitely uh, played into that um just very interesting characters that you normally don't see on a level of this 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 level in the um very well acted very well told and i really really like the ending uh just solid solid all around great great movie yeah for a film that was you know budget I, 75,000 is what it cost to make that film um it looks like a multi, it looks like a million dollar film yeah, in my opinion, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a big fan of the film, but it really does look like a big budget film. It looks amazing. The, the cinematography was great. The cinematography is outstanding. I think David Long, David Long's script is just outstanding. Uh, he did such a good job with that, and his acting in the film was fucking phenomenal. Man, he's so good. Um, Christy Ray was absolutely beautiful and so believable. Her character was awesome. I, I think everything about Piece of the Talent is fantastic. Yeah, and they um, the, like the level of like charisma that the uh, lead, I guess, villain had was just like stuff that you love to see. Like you just want to watch that guy. Like you're wondering why he isn't uh, that character hasn't been in seven films now. You know, just in a year. Like, and I, mm-hmm. I know that they're trying to get the sequel made, um, which I well, really hope happens. Well, theoretically, he, you know, that character's in two films because. Uh, pieces of talent is based on um the uh, the short story the short film um that was done i think a couple years prior to starting this one because i think this one took a couple years to film or whatever but it's called the david long story right so they did this short and then joe stoffer saw the short and he basically said you know what do you think about making a full-length film <laughs> you know and he's like, if you write it, I'll direct it. So yeah. David Long wrote this fucking full-length film. Joel Stoffer directed the film, and then we got Pieces of the Talent. Fucking amazing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I give that one an 8 out of 10. Nice. I give all that credit to uh, to uh, um, 
Thomas, 13th Wolfman, with a sit-down. I watched his interview with Joe Stoffer. It was fucking awesome. You know, it's pretty cool, too. I have yet to be able to check one of those out, those uh, interview things. Yeah, they post them on the page, and I'm glad that he does, too, man, because it was interesting. That's what that page is for. It's not just for our show. Yeah. Yeah, and I really – I really – learned a lot about the, the the film man i thought it was fantastic that joe stoffer actually did the score and stuff and he's like recording this album and you know he's a one-man band he's playing every instrument and doing everything himself and directing this film and doing i was like holy fuck dude <laughs> like you got a lot on your plate man so yeah was, but he there's doesn't a lot. really he didn't have to uh live with a deadline that's the thing so he could have well, that's Even why though it, it took little... four years yeah to do but i mean the thing is but he did everything himself though yeah that's the oh. fact. Like that guy's super fucking talented, man. Yeah, crazy talented. So, yeah, mad props to great, great number ten, JP. Thank you, thank uh, you. What What did you give that? I gave it an eight out of ten. <clears throat> okay. Do you remember what you rated it? Wasn't it around the same? I think I gave it eight and a half or nine. I can't remember. Okay. Now, Jeremy, yeah. that's one you got to check out. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get the DVD. Okay, so. For my number 10 film, uh, this probably doesn't come as much as, uh, you know, a big surprise to a lot of people since I'm such a huge fan of his films. Uh, but this one really stuck out to me. It fucking blew my socks off. Dustin Mills. Yep. Yeah. This is from Dustin Mills. <laughs> and my number 10 film is Kill That Bitch. And this is one of four, fil- three or four films that he released this year. He's always a busy guy. Uh, this one right here, I actually showed my buddy Dylan last night. And it's interesting. I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, the film kind of ends and then it gets into the ending after the credits and stuff. And it kind of keeps going. And it just he he lit. I saw him look over at me and his jaw opened. <laughs> so when you get a reaction to somebody like that, you're like that. That's awesome. I you, ever wonder, you ever wonder yeah. how many end credit scenes you missed? Because you shut the film off early. Uh, I never do that. I never do it. Actually, I always do it because it might have something there. <laughs> I'm fucking anal, dude. Yeah, I need to start doing that. Actually, I, I I always forget about it. I wonder if anyone's ever done that with this film. Because if you actually shut it off right when the credits hit, you would actually be missing a lot of the film. You know, it, it's pretty interesting. But anyways, kill that bitch, man. Fucking fantastic story. Uh, great flick, man. Um, I'm not. I don't know. Are you, do you know what I rated this one? I'm sure I talked about this on the cast. I had to have talked to, talked it, about it, but I can find out your rating. But if you wanted to throw another one out, it is definitely on there. But uh, yeah, I, like I give this. Up. I don't know what I gave it, but if I were to rate it now after multiple viewings, I would give it like an eight and a half out of ten. You I'm gave it start. a nine last time. Nine on episode fourteen. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Eight and a half and nine. <laughs> so. So which one you got? Um, well, I guess we're going to go with nine. <laughs> I, can't, I can't pull ratings here, man. Uh, no, but yeah, this is this is one to see, man. I, I think this one, oh, such a fucking fantastic film, man. Support Dustin, but, you know, I feel like I'm biased sometimes because I just, you know, I love all the stuff. But this one is just fantastic. Loved it. But I'll never forget Dylan's reaction, man. <laughs> His mouth open, dude. That was amazing. So good. So kill that bitch. Check that shit out. Awesome. Number 10. Okie dokie. My next? You are. All right. Mm. Number nine on my list is a film that I talked about, I don't know, like six, seven weeks ago. Uh, and that's titled Cheap Thrills. Now, I talked about this film uh, during my slate of films that I watch where people do stupid shit for money. And uh, this is definitely the best one out of the bunch that came out in 2014. 
And um, this is interesting. It's a good film. I recommend it. Draft House did a really great job with the release, as they always do. And check it out. I gave it seven and a half out of ten. It's not as much as adjust your tracking, but um, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Check it out. What, what was I the enjoyed- title? I totally missed that. Cheap so Thrills. Oh, Cheap, cheap thrills. thrills. Yeah, I've What's seen that up? one pop up on people's list this year. I didn't get to see it. It's a fucking fun film. Yeah, man. man. Sarah Paxton is really good. Everyone's really good in that movie. What's what's the dude's name again? I always forget Pat his Healy. name. Pat Healy. Pat Healy. Yeah. He's you know, from Chicago. You know what I like about Pat Healy, man, is that guy plays in so many different types of genre films. Yeah. You know, like comedy films. Yeah. Horror, like he's always in different types of films, but he always seems to pull it off well. Yeah, he's from here. He's a good character actor. Yeah, he's a really good character actor, actually. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed him, man. And I just love the fact that it was like him with all the money. He's just like, yeah, at the I end, fucking love that. What he does at the end is fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, I was really, really fucking entertained yeah, watching I love, that film. Yeah. Good shit. It's fun. Yeah, so. JP? All right, so my number nine film is a IFC Midnight release, and this one is titled At the Devil's Door. I recently talked about this one a little bit. Uh, it's, it's one of those films where when it starts, you, you might not be into it that much because it's called At the Devil's Door for one, so you're feeling like possession type shit. And you're kind of, if you're not into that, you might not, you might fall out of this one, but it gets better. It gets really good, actually. Um, the character, it, it kind of has one of those stories where it's kind of unconventional, where you might be with this character for a little bit, and then you're with this character. And then by the end of it, you're kind of doing a whole different thing. Uh, and I really appreciated that about the film. Um, the ending I feel like is either going to make it or break it for a lot of people. I actually enjoyed the ending and it's kind of about a girl who, uh, well, it's, that's the hard thing because at one point it's about a girl who, uh, meets a boy and she likes him a lot and he takes her to his weird uncle who says, Hey, um, you want to sell your soul to the devil? I'll give you $500. And of course she's like, okay, $500. And then you follow two sisters, and then you follow one sister, and then it's like, whoa, what the hell's going on? A um, lot of shit to do with like the devil, but it's it's not done in your typical possession style, um, which I really really enjoyed because those films are fucking a dime a dozen. Uh, overall, very 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 solid watch. There's a lot of uh, good likable characters in here. Some good, um, you know, uh, filmmaking in general. Uh, some creepy moments, and uh, I give it a eight out of ten. Cool, yeah, it's one I haven't seen, so sounds interesting. Gotta say, it definitely is. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, my number nine film. Uh, this was one I talked about on the podcast. I don't know, a few months back, and it was probably in this. I was going to say in the summertime. I, I doubt it was the summertime. I'd be lying, right? Um, so a couple months back, um, and that is, uh, daddy's little girl. Yeah. I need to check this out. Yeah. That's one I missed. I've been trying to track it down for cheap, but yeah, this movie really stuck with me, man. It, you know, it's got a pretty simple premise about a guy that, you know, his daughter goes missing at his wife's house. They're separated. He drops her off for the weekend. You know, she, fucking, she goes missing. Uh, they find the body the next day raped and murdered and stuff. And so of course, like any father would do he goes on on a rampage and tries to find out who the fuck did this and he does find out 
kidnaps this person and basically starts to torture and stuff. But there's a little more to it than that. It's, it's not it's, like seven days or any of those. Yeah, I mean, it, essentially kind of, you know, but there's a little more to it. It's, you know, um, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, it's just really well done. And there's so much emotion in it. And it's just, it's fucking brutal, dude. Like, I mean, you put yourself into this guy's shoes. I mean, I honestly really believe in that, vin- you know, vengeance. Yeah, and that, you know, like vigilanteism. I guess vigilante justice. Vigilante justice. Yeah, that's a better term. Um, you know, I for an, like, I mean, seriously, dude, like you fucking raping someone, raping kill someone's daughter. Like, I give all props to that person that wants to go out and do what the fuck they wanted to that person. You know, it's just. Get it done, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no problem with that. I mean, it's a fucking kid, dude. You know, and this type of topic really hits with me, but it's a fantastic film. It's shot really well and it's nasty, man. The fucking revenge or the, the torture, whatever you want to call it, is brutal. It's some of the most brutal shit I've ever seen on screen. Like what he does to this dude. Like, oh my God, man. I, you know, I'll leave it at that. You know, for anybody out there that's seen this film, you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check it out, man. Daddy's Little Girl. It's it's one of those films that sticks with you, and I really like films like this. There's actually a lot of the films that are on my list really stick with me. They're very memorable in the fact that uh, what happens in them and stuff. So yeah, yeah, Daddy's Little Girl. Check yeah, it not out. too many copies pop up for auction, so I'm just waiting. Yeah, waiting for that one. Who released Honestly, that do- film? Breaking. Uh, Breaking Glass Pictures. This was a film that was really hard to get, and I actually ended up paying a lot for it because I just – it was one of those ones that – I don't know. What what can you find it for? It's about 18 to 20. Exactly. That's exactly what I paid for it. Yeah. yeah. And I figured, you know, if I don't grab it, I really wanted to see it. It was recommended by Danny. When Danny highly, highly recommends something, I, I always go out of my way to check it out. And uh, it didn't disappoint, man. It was fucking amazing. So yeah, yeah. What was the rating Jeremy? on that? Uh, I I don't remember what I rated it. I'll check. There is a rating on there. I now I feel gave bad. it nine out of ten on episode twenty five. I was just gonna say it's probably nine out of ten. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. All right. My next. Yep. Yeah. All right. Number eight. I have Dead Snow two. Now, this film is fun. I saw this back in October uh, during my annual 24-hour horror marathon that I go to. And this movie, while it's not amazingly done production-wise, it's just a fun and goofy film. And it's just over-the-top, and it's funny as hell. And some of the deaths that happen throughout the film, it's just really, really funny. Now, I don't really enjoy the nerdy group of zombie hunters i think that's definitely the weakest part of the film and it could have usually been a better film without that group of three nerdy stupid ass characters but, but it is it, but it is relevant in the film though it is relevant it. but they're just eh, characters i really don't care about them and i don't really care about what happens to them and i just think that they're just there to be there they really don't I don't I, w- I don't care what happens to them. I think that's the best thing to say about it. But it's just a fun film with over the top gore and kills and it's, it's fun when he pulls out his attest and fucking like tugs it. It's just hilarious. So um, check out Dead Snow Two. It's just goofy. One of the better 
sequels that actually came out this year. Not too many came out, but uh, I gave it an eight and a half out of ten. I'm surprised that you liked it that much because you're not, you're not like a huge zombie fan. No, I and, actually you know, and being like a, and being like a zomcom too. Yeah, um, I hate zombies, but this one's fun. It's it's such a it's such a huge subgenre of horror film to like not like I always find that fascinating about you that you're not a big zombie fan. Yeah, and, and, the, and, the, and the reason why I find it fascinating is because um, I've pointed this out before, and that like three of my f- top four favorite horror films of all time are zombie films, mm-hmm. just by chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just find that interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you do respect, or oh, you know, yeah, it's not mean, like even, if, like... even if you don't like the films, I'm probably, you probably respect like Dawn of the Dead and Return to the Living Dawn Dead, of the Dead. And, I love and Day of the Dead. See, those yeah. are three of my top four favorite films of all time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I understand. Films. Like, I just, you... I just think I grew up in a generation where zombie films are complete and utter shit, and well, you grew you... up in a generation where zombie films were fucking awesome. You know I what's mean, weird is that's true, like but that, yeah. it feels like I still grew up in the generation where zombie films were awesome with like – because I seen all those films, Return of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead when I was young. So it still feels like I was part of that. Um, but you know why though, JP, is because in the 90s, they didn't really make a lot of horror films, especially zombie <laughs> I films. I know. So, so I think so that you, is a big you, thing, right? You diverted your attention back to the 80s when all the films were I good. I think that is true. I really think that that is true because I look at like all my favorite films from when I was a kid, you know, from like 93 to you know 99 and they're all fucking 80s films with, in, with yeah, the yeah. inclusion of scream and the blair witch project <laughs> yeah. i mean that's the thing like if you weren't watching a lot of horror films back in those days like I, i'm assuming jeremy probably didn't watch a lot no, of i didn't those. i didn't get into like i said i was a mainstream person until mm-hmm. i started collecting five or six years ago and yeah it's and then then i got into the independent stuff so yeah, I so, really didn't grow up. So it actually does make a lot more sense because when you got into collecting and started getting more independent and, you know, kind of noticing these type of films and stuff, it was about the time when zombie films were being completely oversaturated. Yeah, and kind of a, just ruined everything. And kind of annoying, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I try to disconnect myself from, like, the saturation and stuff and try to, you know, pick <clears> out these good ones and stuff. But, man, zombie films are – it is, man. There's so there's more bad ones than there is good ones. But yeah. So I understand. Yeah. It's definitely true, and I, I, my thing is I'm just not seeing a serious take on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like the battery so much because it was exactly a very original take. You want to hear something fucking interesting? Um, I know probably neither one of you guys watched the review, but uh, Christmas um, uh, theme week on body bags. I reviewed a film called Silent Night Zombie Night. Now I had this film in my collection for a long time and never watched it. And to my amazement, the movie was not a fucking zomcom. It was really? a serious zombie film. And like in my review, I'm like, okay, first of all, this movie's not a zomcom. And like every comment that I got was like, it's not a zomcom. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> exactly like it. Exactly. Well, that was, that was like a- this is partially the reason why I put it off because I'm not like honestly, dude, zomcoms are they're a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. There's some of them work, some of them don't, and more don't than they do for myself. Yeah. Like and I was expecting this movie to be pretty shitty, but this one actually was like more of a drama. Yeah, isn't that like was Bonnie a, and Clyde and uh, Hansel and Gretel get baked are more yeah, serious totally. films than comedies. Hansel and Gretel get baked is a great example of a film that's actually like not a comedy. It's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one was surprising. It was like a love triangle kind of thing going on with these two cops and you know obviously the zombie apocalypse and stuff. And I'm like, holy fuck, this is like not a comedy. This is crazy. 
Yeah. And it was kind of misleading. You look at the cover and you just think, holy shit, you know, this is going to be a stupid fucking Christmas zombie film. Just kind of using the title to sell it, you know, from Silent Night, Deadly Night kind of thing. But caught me off guard. I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not like a great film, but it was nice to see a film that wasn't a Zomcom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So that was the point. Nice. But uh, yeah. All right. So I guess that's me. My number eight film this year is Housebound. Uh, we believe we just talked about this last episode, uh, so I'm not going to go oh, into it. Oh, it did too make much. your top ten. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, Housebound's great. And you know what? Um, somebody pointed out that I rated it a 7.5 out of 10, and they thought that was a little bit low. Um, and I would actually agree. Like, I, I do think that it was just you know I literally watched it uh, right before the podcast, and I didn't have time to really let it sink in. But after our conversation that we had and stuff, I'm gonna bump my rating up to an eight, so another half point. Uh, it's it's a fucking solid, solid dark comedy, and that's something that you shouldn't take lightly for one because they just don't do dark comedy like they used to, uh, and it's. It, it, the, the amount of surprises in the film uh, is one of the things that really uh, helped the film and make it work. Uh, the lead is very awesome. Um, you have a lot of uh, cool situations that she gets in. Uh, the whole narrative is is just something that you're not expecting, right? I mean you're expecting a straight-up haunted house film, and you don't get that at all. I, lo- I really loved Housebound. Housebound's a lot of fun. And, it's, and it, one thing that I noticed that – uh, is gonna help this film stick around for a long time is it has rewatch it definitely has rewatch this is a film you might go to every couple years and recheck out um, because it's it's a blast it really is a blast uh, you know it's actually one of the only films recently that I watched and then rewatched it right after yeah. back to back I actually loved it that much I was like wow that movie is really amazing but you you know you said you were talking about the fact of like you know it being a dark comedy and, and done well. I think honestly, a lot has to do with where it's from. New you know, Zealand it's not Australia. It's an Australian flick, so the comedy, like you know, with every country, like we have our different comedies. Like if you, you know, like from the UK, there's different comedy over there and stuff, like American comedy, yeah. and you got like European, and you got like all these places. I think maybe that's why it works. You know, it's from a different area, so you know their comedy is different. Maybe it doesn't work as well to Australians. I don't know. But yeah. I think it works so well for us. Yeah, it definitely translates very well, and it does. And yeah. I, I think a lot of times I don't get British humor. I don't. I don't get it as like it's meant to be gotten. But I think I totally like this nailed it for me. Like you know, you fucking know me, and you know that I have a rough time with horror comedies in this era, and. This mm-hmm. one works on yeah. every single level. It is a fantastic. Uh, I don't really, attempt. I don't really like using the word comedy with this film because I think using putting the word dark in front of there explains it a lot more. Because you know, like when my, you know, we seen the comedy part of this when it was first coming out. Yeah, it had us worried, and I was like, "Fuck, man!" But this movie is dark. Yeah, it's a dark comedy, and I think that needs to be kind of emphasized. You know, because of what's going on in the film and stuff. I, I think it's just, it's great. It, I think it's a perfect example of it, how and why dark comedies can work. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely it's an eight out of 10. If you haven't seen it, see it. Uh, it does a fantastic job in comedy and it definitely deserves my eighth spot on my top 10. Nice. Nice. Good choice. Uh, number eight for myself here is a, 
IFC release. Of course, in Canada, we do not get them under the IFC label. We get them under Mongrel. I don't know why I have to explain that every time. <laughs> I just find it funny that our distribution is so different. But um, this is a flick that uh, um, was actually recommended by Danny again, oddly enough. I uh, reviewed this on Body Bags and had me intrigued, had to check it out. And it actually really, really blew my socks off. And that is The Den. Yeah. This movie right here, I just loved the way it was done all around. I thought it was fan-fucking-tastic. The ending stuck with me for days, and that's solely why this movie is on my list. Because anything that sticks with me for days after, and I kind of think about it, really obviously worked. You know, it wasn't forgettable, which is good. And it has rewatchability to it, too. You know, I watched it again, and I was like, it's really fucking good the second time, too. I'm like, this is good. You know, and uh, I know me and JP, we had a little bit of a debate about this one and stuff about, you know, the ending, like, I mean, the pre kind of ending and stuff. He he believed that it wasn't a little, you know, it wasn't as believable as I kind of made thought it was and stuff like that. Um, but I just uh, it was mainly just I had an issue with the scope of things. I just kind of wish they would have toned it down a bit. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's completely um relevant to the person watching it of what they feel it would be so i mean yeah that, that that's really not too relevant re- relevant what i feel like it compared to your rating or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know man i'm sticking by it though i just I, I love this film man i think it's you know it's such a simple premise low budget but it, it fucking works um i don't know what i gave this film before you uh, gave it a, I believe, I believe you gave it an eight point five, eight and eight and a half out of eight and a half. Yeah, yeah. I might even have to change that. I because I watched it again and I, I still had that same kind of reaction to it. And I think I'm going to go with a nine on this one now. Changing ratings is that interesting? Yeah, but I love the den though. I think it's fantastic. And man, IFC is putting out some fucking good movies. I was man. actually meant to mention that in the um. When we was talking about the the uh, home the media for this year, um, and I think I've see I've been killing it this year. Like yeah. they especially done with a the fantastic job they, with the films they've grabbed. Especially yeah. with the amount of stuff that they put out, they managed to put out a lot of good quality stuff. But you know, being a company like IFC and we're you know we love our independent films. It's just it's like a perfect company, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really good shit. They're independent. It's awesome. So I was actually going to grab Cam to Cam uh, yesterday, and uh, yeah, the price wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. I've like, actually oh, I don't not know. heard too many good. I'm not going to pay fourteen one. bucks for it. I was like, fuck. But the cover was sucking me in quite literally. <laughs> that ass is so beautiful. I was like, damn, I got to grab this, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm a sucker for butts, dude. I, I'm an ass guy. So. You know, you know what's really weird? I watched the Den the day it came out. Uh, on vi- on DVD, I was staying at the hotel uh, because my fire my house caught on fire and stuff, and I grabbed it from Walmart and I watched it at, at the hotel, and I was actually I really really liked it, but I was surprised that so many other people liked it because of the style of film it is with mm-hmm. the almost like found footage type of uh, point of view style filmmaking that it really surprised me to see the amount of love that it's got this year and like i hope the director gets some more work man because uh it's well deserved that had to be a bitch to make oh yeah yeah and i i don't know if we ever touched so like I, maybe we did touch on it but like the editing in the film 
I thought the editing is really, really yeah. well done. Yeah, the yeah, editing oh, yeah. was. It actually like. I don't know, man. There's something about it. Like the second time I watched it, it was like trying to pay attention to like more technical aspects because a film like that really kind of is it really does. It could suffer from bad technical issues, right? Oh, for sure. It lives oh, yeah. and dies by the way that that's edited. Exactly. And the editing is a, a huge part of the film. And I was like literally watching it. I was like, the editing is fucking fantastic in this yeah, film. Yeah. So and it really sells it. And I, everything about it just. If you've never seen The Den, people out there listening, check it out. It's yeah, fucking it's, great. It's awesome. Another great independent film. Awesome stuff. Yep. Jeremy. Jeremy. All right. My number seven film is a film that I talked about earlier that gets a lot of hype on the people's list this year. And I saw this back in October, and that's The Bad Book. Now, I didn't talk about this on the show. So, um,. Like I said, I don't believe that this is, like, the best film of the year or even the scariest film ever, like the director of The Exorcist said it is. <laughs> Get out of here with that. He said it, man. I'm it not was... saying that he didn't say it. I'm just saying that he's yeah. wrong. <laughs> that that was just a, that's just a saying. <laughs> I'm saying he's wrong also. Yeah. And um, like I said, I, I do not believe it's the best film of the year. Um, not even close because it's obviously my number seven film. But for... It being the lady's first film that she's directed, I got to give her credit of doing something different with the film. It's definitely an interesting film and it's definitely really well done for being a first film that this limitless woman has directed. Um, I don't know what much to say about it. I don't want to spoil it or anything like that. It's definitely a film everyone has to see to have their own opinion about it, but I don't believe it's the best film of the year like everyone has been saying it is. Yeah. So... Eight out of ten. Yeah, the ba- Babadook was. It's about a relationship between a mother and son at its yeah. core, and it really works. Like that yeah. is what it is, and that really works. And it's slightly disturbing, slightly annoying. Sli- There's so many different emotions that you get from that relationship that that's where the film excels. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it it, I, it is what it is. It's fucking. It's one that you can't talk about too much. You don't want to give shit away, but it's it's definitely a, a highlight of the year. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one I can't say shit about because, unfortunately, <laughs> if I'm in uh, the foreign land of Canada, we can't even VOD that shit. So go What did you rate Canada. it, Jeremy? Uh, eight out of ten. <laughs> All right. Nice. Now, cool. back to me. And... What are we, number seven here? Number seven. Number seven. My number seven film this year is probably the most mainstream film on my list, uh, and that is Oculus. Uh, Oculus was a big surprise for me uh, because it it looked like it was just about a haunted mirror, but it was much more than that. Um, The mythology they created for the mirror, I was really impressed with. I'm a sucker for mythology. it, 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 It is probably the best kind of... Um, story development for me is set up a believable, establish a credible mythology around the film, and I'm I'm in, I'm in because it gets me thinking, it gets me um, interested in what's happening. Uh, the lead was great. Uh, I loved how it was kind of this, the editing. This is another. If we had a category for editing, this would uh, this would be up there with the den because the way that they uh, splice what's happening in the flashback scenes and what's happening in the present day scenes together and make it almost sort of this psychoactive uh, trip 
where you're not sure what's going on, it's very hallucinogenic, works extremely well for me. And it's something that I really haven't seen a whole lot of and would like to see more of in, in films, just a, a different style of, of combining those two elements, especially since it was relevant to what was happening in the story. All very, very good. I actually came in a little low on this one when I reviewed it the first time as my pick of the week, and I kind of talked myself into a higher rating. Um, and one thing that I loved about this film was the ending. The ending fucking totally saved this one for me. Like, cause I was thinking like, oh yeah, this is, this is solid, solid. But then the ending, I was like, I was like, that's, that's great. That's how you do it. Um, Oculus is definitely one of the best mainstream. It is the best mainstream film of the year. In my opinion, uh, I give it an eight out of 10. <laughs> well, that's a major spoiler alert right there. <laughs> what? Awards. Awards. Um, yeah, I oh, liked shit. Oculus. <laughs> I liked Oculus. Uh, maybe not as much as you. I, I am going to rewatch it, though. I watched it. It was the fourth film that I watched in like a long string of films one night. So I was a little more tired. Um, but uh, I need to I need to rewatch it. I really did enjoy it, though. I do agree about the ending. I really liked the ending. And I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one that you might not want to watch when you're tired. <laughs> the only the only thing is, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not no, I'm not going to get into this debate. To be honest, man, I I thought it was a little predictable, though. I'm not going to lie. I actually mm. saw coming something coming, and I I totally called it. I don't know if that's just a just a a product of watching a lot of films. I don't know. Even though this one did really did have kind of an original premise to it. You know, I still seen. Fuck, I, I, I don't know. I just don't want to say anything. But yeah, uh, that's something I would have to actually I, talk to you about. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk to you about it saying. after. But, uh, but yeah, I did kind of see it coming. But um, yeah, anyways, good film though. So, all right. So for my number seven pick here is another IFC title. IFC knocking it out the fucking ballpark in 2014, in my opinion. Uh, this is one that uh, I believe that me and JP have reviewed on the cast already and that is proxy uh really interesting flick starts out with a fucking bang halfway through you get another little interesting bang, bang right there and then it ends all odd it's it's a really cool film man you know for a film that um runs close to two hours actually it's just over two hours long um i really don't notice the time length on the did, did you know did it feel long to you no, it didn't. And one of the things about Proxy um, that I talked about in my review and I believe you talked about in your review is just that it, it's so unconventional and hard to talk about. So good mm-hmm. luck. Exactly. Proxy is a perfect example of a film that you can briefly talk about. You can't give a lot of info and intel about the film because you ruin shit. It's one of those films that you just need to go out and watch. Yeah. You know, it's a perfect example just – just fucking buy it. Just fucking buy it, like Tom would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really enjoyed it, man. It, it's a really oddball film, but it really stuck out to me again this year. You know, it's one of those films that, you know, ag- again, like all the other films on my list, you know, it, it stuck with me for days. And, man, the opening scene in this film, still, I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, and but, I, uh, I I thought the same thing with that, that scene. I, I really was just like... Okay, we're we're starting off this bitch crazy, <clears throat> but so, something about babies and birth and pregnancy in horror just 
gets under my skin. So Proxy was like right up my alley. Yeah, Dream stuff. Homes. Dream Home Pregnant Kill is brutal. Oh, yeah. That one's fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah, that one's nasty. Um, <laughs> but this one, but this one's like on the same type of level. It's very brutal to watch, and it's just how it's going down, and you're just like, oh, God. Some great you know, acting, she's... good characters, great cinematography. It's interesting because I watched uh, a, a review just recently, and they said, you know, the acting was not great in the film at all. And, you know, it kind of felt like they were watching like a um, – uh, like a like a TV film. Mm. Did you ever get the impression you're watching like a like a kind of like a shitty TV film, like a Lifetime type deal? Like a Lifetime, exactly. I think that's more yeah. about the subject matter, um, where you have like the lying that's going on and the hus- distraught husband, and like I, I think that's more about what that like tone was. But no, mm. I never got this sense. You know, this one was one of those films where after I watched it, I wasn't quite sure how to process it so i initially came in way lower than what i actually feel this film is upon rewatch i've actually watched this twice yeah you came in at an eight on this one i came in at a seven on this one that's right that's right and then didn't you, you i changed it to at an eight a, that's right that's right yeah yeah, so I originally gave this one a nine and a half out of ten, and I'm sticking by it. I, I think it's a, I think it's a great fucking movie, man. Everyone needs to see it. So, I mean, like I said, there's certain people out there who didn't feel the same way, but that's cool. You know, whatever. It worked for me. But yeah, proxy at number seven. So, Jeremy. Oh, we're at number six already. Yep. All right, number six. I have a film titled Found. Now I talked about this one again. Also a few weeks ago on the cast and um it's a really really interesting film it's a film definitely made for fans of horror if you know uh independent horror and you you're a fan of horror you're gonna get a lot more out of this film than somebody who might just buy this at walmart and pop it in and watch it if you know all these films that are referenced or are hung up on posters on the wall and things like that i think you're gonna have a different experience of this one than somebody who just like I said walks into it but this film's really good um like I said some of the acting is eh but that's to be expected for a low budget independent film like this is but I'm really happy that Macabre picked this one up um I know that Moods picked this up at Cinema Wasteland uh back in April because it got a, a independent release before um Macabre picked it up and released it, but I'm happy that they did because it's definitely a film that should be seen by everyone, and um, it's really, really good. Check it out. Yeah, this. I think it's like a. Yeah, I th- sorry. Go ahead. I was about to say this. This one's like a really nostalgic watch. Like all of us, <laughs> yeah, and was... anybody who listens to us will feel the same way when watching this one. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I it in. The references and, and posters on the walls and the VHS tapes and like all that stuff is so awesome. But it's not all indie either. Like there's a poster of the stand, which is like yeah, one of yeah. the most watched things ever. Um, you know, and then like the Hellraiser reference, like where he's like, yeah, well, if you like Hellraiser, you know, you'll like Nightbreed, bunch of creepy monsters running around in a graveyard. Like that's the type of shit that I would be asking someone older than me as a kid. Like, hey, can I watch your Hellraiser copy? Um, <laughs> you know it. I really, really enjoyed that. And after that, you'll say it's overrated. 
Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just gonna ignore that. So it's also one of those um, films that come off like really original. Like this guy obviously is a fan of horror films, and he leaves that that stamp on this film, which is exactly how I would be if I made a film. Um, so I really, really appreciate that. Super indie, which you know, this is how exactly how you do an indie film. Like, and that's that's what I. This is what I stress so much to the people who make me Tantus and stuff like that. <laughs> no, I'm just just busting balls again. I think a film like Found is like you know it's almost like a love letter to the horror fan. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of references. It's 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 a horror film made by a horror fan. You know, you can tell. Like I said, you know, he he doesn't just you know try to expose you know indie you know stuff you know there's posters of the taint on the wall like you yeah. said there was you know the stand and stuff so he's very well rounded but he's a fan you know you can tell mm-hmm. and it, it, the content is there and like you know i can forgive the acting because it's an intriguing film mm-hmm. and yeah. what do you expect man you're not you're not expecting a class you know acting in these type of films it's very forgivable and it's something that i can overlook i i will mention in reviews you know the acting is not the greatest but you know it's forgivable yeah, you know, and I think it's a perfect example of exactly it's still in the realm of believability. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My, my biggest, yeah, the brother is good. My yeah. biggest issue with the entire film is, and it has to do with the acting. It's the narration over it because it's just not—he's not good enough to narrate it. That kid, and you know that that sucks and stuff. But I feel like. Uh, he just wasn't a strong enough voice. It's hard getting child enough. actors, man. It's hard to it's get hard. anybody to narrate, first of all, but um, and sound good and right doing it. But I felt like this one, ex- like, uh, uh, really didn't work for me in, with the narration. I think that it should have been narrated because it feels like that type of film. But I just feel like the kid just couldn't couldn't mm-hmm. ha- couldn't do it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it never really bugged me to be honest, but. Um, yeah. But I, I like the uh, obvious, um, like like secret, like oh man, the, the, like this this header movie or whatever, whatever it was called, yeah. um, skinless, right? Headless, 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 headless. Yeah, and like it, it's it's like that that when you're a kid, that rumor, like oh yeah, my my boy got this like real real fucked up movie, like this, like nobody has a copy of it. This isn't even like release type shit, and it's like I, I like the, how they threw that in there. And you're right, this guy's a fan of horror films but i I don't necessarily think it was a hundred percent like conscious like oh i'm gonna pay homage to all this shit right now like i just feel like he was Mm. telling a story and i don't know man it was more i kind of disagree with that a little bit especially with the uh you know the the video store scene you know he threw that in there as you know horror this is it's like a nostalgia thing right for us you know any type of scene in a horror in in a you know in a video store and stuff i mean that's he's calling it out right there you know, uh, but i feel like it, it was it was um it was part of the narrative though like it, it didn't feel like it was just in there to um give a shout but out again, to the us whole, but the whole but the whole thing is you know it's a i don't know i, I mean i see where you're coming from and but. like like the posters and stuff like i don't mm. think he went out and was like oh yeah i'm gonna get this po-. like this is probably his personal collection of vhs tapes and par- posters and stuff and that's just an independent level it's like well i have it's smart filmmaking i have resources to posters i have resources to vhs tapes uh what if i made a story centered around this killer uh who's cutting people's heads off but let, let's say we follow 
little brother who's obsessed with horror films. Let's utilize my resources. Like that's what it felt like more to me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the full length headless film. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the short is the short is fucking sweet, man. Yeah, I haven't watched headless it. Yet. Uh, it's good, man. But they're actually making that into a full length film. It's gonna be fucking great. I think it's a great short. Um, that that box cover was real, really uh, similar to um, the skinless box cover that yep. is on the that was released recently. That's what mm-hmm. I thought too. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same. It just looks. Yeah, it looks the same. Yeah, that's why I said skinless when we said what the title of the movie was. All right, so Ew. that goes to me. My number six pick is. Proxy, which we just talked about, so I'm really not going to say much more about it. Uh, it, you know, did a fantastic job on, uh, you know, the the birth stuff, it, it, the narrative changes, the acting, all that good stuff, man. I mean, it, it really is like an indie gem here. This is this is a highlight of the year for me because because the originality really kind of shines through on this one. It just feels very fresh and um, kind of uncomfortable at times. Uh, Pro- Proxy is definitely a cool, cool movie. I like the poster to it too. Uh, eight out of ten. Still an eight out of ten, eh? Wow. Still an eight out of ten. Cool. All right. So number six for myself here is a film that uh, that we covered in a main review. I believe it was. Fuck, was it the first one yep. back? Yep. If you're talking about the sacrament, it was. Yep. Yeah, so this, of course, is directed by Ty West, and it is the sacrament. Now, this movie was re- like a really big surprise for me this year because I didn't really know what to expect from it because I, you know, I didn't really look too much into it before we did it. And then I realized when I was watching the film what the story was, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is actually based on like a real thing. Um, but I think Ty West pulled it off really well and it worked. You know, there's a lot of, you know, emotion here that, you know, this the the scenes towards the end with uh you know the suicide and all this type of stuff and just the way the, the image that he depicts in the films it's it fucking hits you hard man you're like damn that's brutal mm-hmm. but um i like the way this movie was structured and the way it was shot and stuff the characters were good great acting but uh i honestly truly believe this is one of ty west's best made films mm-hmm. you know i think he did such a good job with this man um you know, you guys want to hear more, you can check out the, the full-length review on episode 23, I believe. Yeah, it's the first episode back. So episode 23. We did a full-length review, so all three of us are involved in that. And uh, But uh, I don't know, man. I, this one, awesome. I watched it again. Uh, I believe I watched it about a month, month and a half ago, I believe, again. And it was still good. It was great. So, again, one of the main reasons why it's making my list because, you know, it stuck around with me. Great flick, man. What's, Number five. Um, what's the rating on that? Man, I'm trying to remember what I fucking originally gave that one. <laughs> nine out of ten. We all gave it nine out of ten. Is nine out of ten. Yes, I'm probably gonna say exactly. Still nine out of ten. Yeah. The fuck. Honestly, the the one part in the film that just kills me though, man, is the fucking infant, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh god. So brutal, but uh, yeah, the sacrament, really good film. I, man, this is—it's got to be one of the most. Well, I mean, I, I maybe not the most, but one of the most divided. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people hate films. 
yeah, I've heard people say they straight up did not like the film yeah. at all. Yeah. And I've heard other people, you know, we all gave it nine, which is so bizarre. I, I think that's it. one of the very first films that we ever gave the same rating for. All three of us is really I've, odd. I've heard people hated it too. Yeah, and then other people have come in. It's pretty average, you know, not Ty West's best, you know, and and stuff like that. But I'm like, you know, it is what it is. It's one. It's definitely one of those films that just has a mixed reaction or mixed reviews, and it's one you got to see for yourself, really. I think mm-hmm. so. out, of, out of the films that I've seen, I definitely consider it Ty West's best film. I mean, I've seen all of his movies. I think technically it's actually really well made. Um, you know, at least at least the ending in this one didn't fully disappoint me. I think that's the biggest problem with uh, Ty West films, and a lot of people would probably vouch for that too, is that Ty West doesn't really know how to close out a film properly. Um, you know, House of the, House of the Devil. Like, I mean, the ending, the very, very ending to me is kind of, we've talked about this before, it's a little off-putting to me. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of problems with the innkeeper, some of the characters, some of the, you know, the storylines that are going on, and that one doesn't really matter. The ending's kind of whatever. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I actually personally like Ty West as a director. I think his slow burn style is fine with me. I'm a patient person when it comes to films, so I don't really have a problem with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that has multiple mixed opinions about it. So, Yeah. Nine out of ten, still sticking with it. All right, Jeremy. Number five, the Top Sacrament. Top five, baby. Number five, Sacrament. Nice. I'm Top five. Just wow. said it. Just said it. So. Well, it's been so long since we since we talked about it. So you want to? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> just joking. It's a slow burner. You know, the beginning is pretty slow, and then it starts to pick up. And then you get to the climax of the film, and it's what the fuck. And um, it's not my favorite Ty West film, but I still have to keep with House of the Devil on that one. But it's still a really, really well done and interesting film. I know, you know, the most people's main complaints is that Ty West ripped off that time, whatever, the Kool Aid shit. It's not a and, rip off, it's just a telling of the story. Yeah, yeah I mean, people it's can actually a real story. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if people can't accept like that, he's telling a real story and real facts and stuff. It's like, I mean, obviously, some, I mean, there's fictionalized stuff in there, but you know, the, that's with anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You're always gonna have fictionalized stuff, you know. But the point is, the film is accurate to what really happened. I mean, mm-hmm. to a point, right? The yeah. story's there. So it's good. Definitely top five material. Definitely five, top five material. All right. Cool. So coming in at number five on my list is The Babadook. Uh, This film, like Jeremy, I didn't feel like it was the best film of the year. It's a very strong film. All these films are very strong films. Um, The relationship angle was told so well that acting by that little damn kid might be some of the best kid acting I've ever seen. Yeah, it's It's just it's He's annoying. He's like just – I, a little brat sometimes, but he's lovable sometimes. You f- genuinely feel terrible for him sometimes. Like the amount of emotions you get from from these two characters, I felt was like extremely strong when it comes when, when it comes to the Babadook. Um, it was spooky too. There was some creepy moments in it. Uh, fantastic film. Jeremy said that the girl. Uh, this is our first feature film or whatever. Um, I actually didn't know that. I didn't know it was yeah. directed by a woman, but. You know, um, pretty solid job for your first film. I mean, 
but you know, even without that, without even knowing that, you know, I would, it would still say it's strong, even if I didn't know it was their first film. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, Babadook, uh, we talked about it multiple times. I give it an eight out of 10. Alrighty. So for my number five is another film, of course, that we talked about. I've talked about this one many times, recommended it to many people this year. Um, Pretty much everybody that I've recommended it to that's seen it can vouch for it. Released by Snaps Films, and it is Worm. Oh, yeah. What a cool-ass film. Yep. Um, I, I mean, me and Jeremy have both talked about this one on the cast, so you guys can go back and check out the full-length reviews and stuff. But uh, very, very interesting film about you know people that are – I guess kind of in the future where they live in a world where they can't dream. And uh, basically what happens is they need these uh, fantasites and what these fantasites are, they're like little worms that they put in their ears to help them to give them the the ability to dream and stuff like that. So, and it doesn't really turn out too well when society deems them unhealthy for people, they ban them. And then you know what happens when a banned product you know, is around. It goes fucking ape shit. People start going crazy and stuff. And it, it, it's just a, it's a really interesting flick. It's dark, um, just full of like odd twists and turns and tones and stuff. I know we touched on this. Like, you know, come the end of the film, it kind of gets like super serious. And it's just an, it's a really interesting film. Another one that really stuck with me. I love the originality of this film. It was just fantastic. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It was just fucking loved everything about this one. I didn't really know what to expect because, you know, the synopsis just sounds so out there and it probably could go either way. Uh, but for myself, I just, I loved every minute of it. I thought it was fantastic. Great odd characters. And I love that. Yeah. I love the oddness of the characters too, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of the main character. And, you know, it's just, it, it makes sense. He's trying to fit in and he just falls victim to these fantasites and, you know, and, the reality of what he's living in and stuff. So uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of things to say about this. Jeremy wrote a paper on it and stuff, or a review on it. Really well done. Um, but definitely check out Worm. It's just phenomenal. Uh, once again, I don't remember what I gave this. I'm probably like a nine, nine and a half or something like that. I would say. Um, Mister <laughs> so. Prepared is completely unprepared. Let it be noted. <laughs> Well, I mean, fuck, man. I think I gave this one a nine. I'm pretty sure I gave it a nine, actually. You gave it a nine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to stick with it on a nine out of ten. Um, I, you know, I mean, there's not really a lot wrong with it. You know, it's it's by no means like a perfect, perfect, perfect film, but uh, um, it really works for me. It's memorable, and that's what counts. Rewatchability. Have you watched this one again, Jeremy? No, nah, not yet. No, you haven't? Fuck, man. It's I've awesome. still not even seen it. I actually forgot that this was um... – uh, under the 2014 list, yeah, because mm. I, you know, it, it was it has like a 2013 production, so it kind of slipped under my radar, and I forgot to get to it in time. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. This movie had no type of release or anything until it got this. So by Synapse, and they do such a great job. It's actually kind of cool because the DVD comes with the original short. Yeah, and the short is funny. <laughs> like the guys are like the same characters, but they look different. It's really funny. I loved it. But yeah, Worm, 9 out of 10, number 5. five. Yep. Jeremy. All right. Number 4 is a film that we both, all, both Moods and JP talked about, and that is titled The Den. Now, this movie, 
is awesome. Like I said, the editing is fucking fantastic. And the way that they were able to piece together this film the way it is, you never see anything shot in our just a normal with a normal camera. Everything is through the perspective of a computer screen. It's just really, really interesting. I mean, the last shot of the film is the only shot that you see with like a regular traditional narrative filming style. But everything besides that is all shot, you know, through a computer or webcam and things like that. And it works. I mean, they're able to tell the story through, you know, the simple, basic filming style, even though it's extremely complex. But it it would seem like it would be basic, but it's definitely, definitely not. And it's just an awesome, awesome film. And IFC, um, like like you guys know, that's my that's my go to company in 2014. Definitely uh, IFC's best year of releases. Um, so yeah, check out the Den. I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, that film really suffered from having like a terrible, uh, you know, advertising campaign because nobody even knew about it until it hit D- DVD, right? And yeah. word of mouth was its only advertising that I've seen. Yeah, I didn't even know about the film until Danny reviewed it on Body Bags. I was like, The Den? Yeah. <laughs> okay, what is this, a like, cooking show? <laughs> I, was well, like, I, I thought it was going to be about like some like like killer animals or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the den is a killer bear film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Or a lion. Exactly, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. So these next four, in my opinion, are definitely the strongest films this year. Uh, th- th- that you've they, seen. That I've seen. That I've seen. True that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, these these films are just like these ones were the ones that actually like blew me away a little bit. <clears throat> so number four. This one is Starry Eyes. And this is one of those films, God much damn. like Proxy, where I had to sit on it for a little bit. I really didn't understand what I had just seen. So when I did my review initially, and I was trying to be a little bit quiet because I wanted to save my like big thoughts and opinions for the end show, which I've been battling all like year with this type of stuff, where like it's like you don't know if you want to talk about it on the cast because you know, then we won't have nothing to say about it when we do it at the year end show if it makes our list. But Starry Eyes is one of the most interesting stories I've seen in a, in a while because it's about a, a, a struggling actress in like the 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 underworld of you know struggling actresses out in California, and I think they really nailed like that whole scene where it's like. real competitive and um you know the stuff that they have to do like the stuff that you hear about but you don't really think's going on like you know sexual favors for like that like it Mm -hmm. it kind of touches on all that it's really the underside of of acting and it's a scary look at, at um what somebody will go through to to follow their dreams um and it's kind of about like an illuminati type of uh organization at the top that's kind of running things and it get, i wasn't quite sure where it was going or like what it wanted to do and i'm not sure the film knew itself but there there's there's a point in the film where it just gets like worse and worse for our main character and, and it's just it it really is a solid solid narrative like the the look at what we're seeing that i've never seen a film be based on that before you know the the underside of of acting the the bad part of acting the bad part of following your dreams like like sometimes it's better to let them go and um 
I just felt like they nailed that whole thing that I'm unfamiliar with that, 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 uh, you know, vibe that these people, how these people treat each other, the, the parties that they go to, all these struggling filmmakers and actors out in Hollywood, out in LA. Um, it was a definite really cool look at all that stuff. And I, I can't say much about it because I really will start spoiling things. Uh, but starry eyes is definitely, um, a highlight watch of the year it's an 8.5 out of 10 my initial uh rating was an an 8 but it's definitely an 8.5 i could probably even go higher but i want to watch it again because you're not um, it's one of those films you might not get everything with the first watch i'm definitely picking up that blu-ray uh when it comes out on february 3rd cool just rubbing it right my face (laughs) i knew you haven't seen that shit so i'm gonna talk for 10 minutes about it (laughs) Good stuff, man. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds awesome. All right, so uh, number four on my list is uh, is a film that I've noticed that I don't have a rating on our website for, uh, which is odd because I swear I talked about this one, but maybe I didn't. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but uh, yeah, we just actually talked about this one, uh, and that is Found. Mm, nice. Um, did I not talk about this one before? You know. never did. Cause I never did. Remember we That's... was going to – when we – one week we had to cancel something because you didn't have a film. I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you what's at my Walmart. And you're like, oh, yeah, I found. I actually just watched that one. So we were supposed to talk about it. Then we didn't talk about it because we ended up – your film ended up coming in time. I think it might have been The Squad or something. Oh, okay. And I never did it on Quick Cuts <laughs> or anything? Interesting. Okay. Um yeah, but uh, Found, what can I say, man? We just had a discussion about Found. Uh, it's fucking fantastic. I love this film. I love the ending so much. It's bleak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. And it works. And um, I think it's just all around a fantastic film. I really think that Macabre probably could have done a better job with this cover art. Even though this it's is very relevant. misleading, uh-huh. it, it's relevant to the film, but it is misleading at the same it's, time. Because like, when you when you first look at this, if you don't notice him holding a head in the corner, you're like, "Oh, what is that post apocalyptic film about?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, um, I I really do prefer the indie release cover art. It's way better. It's darker. It looks awesome. But this is a good release because it comes with the shorts and stuff. So you you got to pick this up. You got to pick this up. But uh, uh, found, I fucking loved love this movie it's really really good um i know we touched on the acting which i didn't really have a problem with i i mean i know it's not the greatest but i think the what was going on in the film was intriguing enough that i was could really kind of separate separate myself from the uh you know the c minus acting so but found um i give that film a nine out of ten i think it's fantastic really not a whole lot to say about it so Nice, nice. Top three. Jeremy? Top three. All right. So my number three film of the year goes to a film titled Crawl or Die. Now, this is a film that's interesting (laughs) to even be on anyone's top ten list because initially by looking at the cover, you would think the film would be a huge pile of shit. And I think even by the title, that would steer people away but what's inside of the film is actually quite interesting. And like the Den, it's filmed in a extremely interesting way. And I wish the film had more special features 
because I would have loved to see how they filmed this, what cameras they used, how they shot it and things like that. Because the film is so claustrophobic and shot in a way that we are following this this woman as she crawls through these pipes and the camera's placed right next to her or in front of her throughout the entire film. And it's extremely, extremely interesting. Now, needless to say, is the plot the most original and fascinating thing that I've seen this year? No. But the way that it is shot and the originality of that boosted it up to the top three of the year and past everything else. And the acting is is quite good from the main female lead. So if you want something different and interesting, check out Crawl or Die. It's quite good. The interesting thing, man, this movie shot so brilliantly that you actually kind of forget about how simple the actual storyline is to the film. Yeah. It, you kind of forget about it, but it, it's it's not even a bad thing because it's it's about her just trying to get the fuck out of this thing. Yeah. You know, and it, fuck, man, what a claustrophobia fucking experience that is. Oh, man. But yeah, I totally agree with you on the fact. I wish there was more special features. I'd love to see a behind the scenes or the making of that film. Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty wild. And that movie only costs $5,000 to make. You have to yeah, remember. That's insane. It really is insane. And, you know, the lead, she's so fucking amazing in yeah, the movie. Yeah, she's amazing. She, she does such a great job. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can thank me on that one. Because, you know yeah. me, my stupid ass always takes chances on stupid fucking looking films. And it turned out to be a gem. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was one I passed up that many one. times. I think, I think the price point kind of got me. Because it was one of those titles at Walmart that was like $12 instead of 10 on DVD. And I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you should exactly. pick it up. It's good. It is. It's definitely worth a pickup, man. It's a fucking great film. So, Jeremy, are you sticking with your rating on that one that you gave previously on the show? Yeah. Okay, so that's an 8.5 for Crawl or Die from Jeremy. Okay, so um, my turn, I guess. We're top three, baby. And uh, this one is one that I actually just saw the other day. And I was... Pretty impressed, I will say. You know, top three. It is as above, so below. Wow. This was one that I have heard some solid things about, but was kind of not wanting to buy into the hype, so I was waiting for it. Twenty-four fucking dollars at Walmart? You kidding me? On Blu-ray? So I read it. Um, this one follows a group of treasure hunters as they journey into the catacombs that are beneath Paris. Uh, as they're down there, um, you think you're getting a survival horror, but you're not. You're kind of getting a fuck-with-your-mind type horror. And uh, I felt like – I felt, for one, I felt unlike the movie – the mummy that I watched recently that had to do with tombs and stuff like that looked, the sets looked completely, uh, whack day of the mummy or whatever it was called. The, like, I felt like I was down in these fucking scary catacomb things under Paris. Uh, great set pieces. Um, actual genuinely scary moments, creepy, creepy stuff. Uh, I really liked the story and um, the idea behind um, people's uh, pasts coming out in in you know visual form, uh, getting messed with down in the uh, you know 
supposed and and it starts right away like you, like once they're down there it's just like uh oh that's not normal that shouldn't be happening um i was just kind of blown away with with the you know feel of this one the the big the giant fill and i did, i thought this was kind of an indie release but apparently it wasn't no. um this one didn't play around me i know that but um yeah it, it, you know i don't want to give away too much about it it's a great watch it's uh it's one of my most fun watches this year probably man the end the ending to that movie was trippy as fuck man oh yeah yeah i was having like a hard time i was like adjusting myself on the couch while i was watching (laughs) i was like okay uh what i'm like doing this and that i'm like if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about but yeah and i love the fact that they're playing on those fears and stuff Mm -hmm. and the acting everything about this movie was really really well executed i didn't really know a whole lot going into it i knew that i just needed to see it before the year was done and wow, man, I really, really enjoyed that movie, man. That's great. Yeah, it, fucking Blu-ray price. What yeah, the hell, I know, dude? Right? Seriously, um, I can't. I, I'm not paying twenty five, twenty six bucks for Blu-ray. Fuck but that. Seven ninety five, family video. The the way that they kind of, um, you, you know, like you said at the end, they also mess with that a little bit too, where everything's like in rev- like like the opposite after a certain thing happens in the film, and you're always kind of wondering like what's going on. Um, <clears throat> the only like negative I have is is maybe that uh, the lead character was a bit too awesome, right? I mean, a bit too like she's really young, she's really smart, she has all these damn can read like seventeen different languages and stuff. It's like it's like I think I think that's a little crazy, and she didn't look well. Bad. <laughs> well, the thing is though, man. I mean, she's actually not that young. Like, but you got to remember where she comes from. Her dad was, you know, a big explorer. He was all yeah. into this type of stuff. But she grew up into that, and it's kind of expected of her character to really follow in her foot in her dad's yeah. footsteps. I mean, yeah knowing like five or six different languages or whatever the fuck it was, it's a little extreme, but I think that her character was developed enough from the backstory of her father yeah, and stuff. Too. Right. Like, I mean, really that she was supposed to be that person. Yeah. But, you know, and, and you can tell she's very passionate about it and she's willing to do whatever it takes to yeah. figure out what the fuck, you know? So well, also kind of what I'm getting at too, though, is when there's like a riddle or something, she's just like, well, I know how to solve this easily. You know, it's just like, uh, like that's the type of stuff I'm getting at where like, maybe she's just too good at what, at what she's doing. Well, there there was that whole fucking Goonies moment in that film right there. This is total like, Goonies vibe. <laughs> total Goonies thing. I was like, wow. I, I like looked over at the wife and I was like, wow, they just kind of ripped it off from the Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, man. And she's not like one to remember things from films and, you know, you know, yeah. interpret things and stuff. She's like, yeah, totally. That is the Goonies. The, there's like, one Fuck. there's one moment in the film where uh, they they're in an underground like catacomb thing and there's these fucking crazy cult people like praying in another room and it's like oh yeah they're they're that's something and they just kept walking i was like that was fucking creepy i know and there then, was a couple moments like that yeah yeah and then they see a piano down there it's like guys hold up do you realize you, the, a giant piano is down here <laughs> yeah. well i think one of the characters does say like how did that fit down here yeah oh <laughs> no they're aware of here. it but it's like it's like kind of like well maybe like they build it down here you know this is just like <laughs> until they he starts playing the piano there then they start getting a little weirded out um yeah overall uh i love this movie I, I truly did i was into it the whole time and the claustrophobic feel i'm a sucker for that stuff i love that claustrophobic feel and uh as above so below 8.5 out of 10 great watch 
nice. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, you know, having that film right after Jeremy's Crawler Die because you just said you're a fan of claustrophobic films. Yep. Crawler Die. Check it out, man. Yep. Yes, enjoy. Let's do it. So I have to I have to put a little note in here. I noticed that the the website is not updated right now because there is some films that we've rated recently that are not on here. Anything that happened last week <laughs> won't be on there. Yeah, yeah. Um so for my number 3 is a film that's been talked about uh from Australia and that is Housebound. This movie fucking I I watched it and I was like, "Oh my god, I love that film." I watched it right again. I talked about that earlier, you know, in the cast and stuff and absolutely love this movie. I loved everything about it, man. You know, the simplicity of the story was just, you know, it is what it is, man. It was, it's not that complex or anything, but the characters sell this film so much. Everybody from the main lead to the mom, who's fantastic in the film, the fucking, the, um, uh, the psychologist or whatever <laughs> he is, man, he's good too. But the security dude sells this film for me, man, because he's like kind of goofy, but at the same time, he's like serious. <laughs> and I fucking love that about this film, man. Really great, you know, uh, dark comedy executed perfectly. Um, <laughs> one thing about this film that made me laugh so hard was the, the fucking, the bracelet. <laughs> hey, JP. So yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, definitely. The fucking bracelet, man, at the end. Oh, my God. That, that part made me laugh so hard. But, yeah, I don't know, man. What else to say about the film? I just – I fell in love with it, man. I think it works so perfectly. Everything was just executed awesome. Um, and the lead, man. Holy shit, dude. Like, you know, at first you can't tell if you want to hate her or not. You know, she seems all tough and stuff. But she's, like, very likable in an odd way. And I think that's what the appeal is to the film. Like, the characters are odd, but they're so appealing but yeah, one of my favorite things about this movie is gotta be the uh, the security guy. I mean, his performance is so friggin' believable. Absolutely love it. Um, He's hilarious when he, he, pulls he cracks out his me. recorder thing. Man, I died. I know, man, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many like the scenes outside, and like, oh, fuck, it just everything about this film just cracked me up, man. It was it was great, but like in a good way. You know, I wasn't just like, oh, that was so fucking silly, and you're laughing at the silliness. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it worked up to something that was really cool in the end, and and the payoff was there. And I like the psychologist; his character was fucking ridiculous and and stuff. But yeah, this one, another great film from Australia. You know, they they always seem to put out a lot of good stuff, and I've reviewed a lot of Aussie. Feels films like there's the at least one banger a year. Yeah, yeah. kind it kind of seems like that, man. They always seem to. They're kind of an underrated country for films. I think you know people always talk about you know. Obviously, American films get probably talked about the most, but you know, you got like Italian films and French films and films from the UK, like all these type of things. But Australian films, man, stick out. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, like your Wolf Creek, your Loved Ones. Uh, those are some modern ones, but then you go back, you got your Patricks and stuff. Oh yeah, man. Uh, I mean, mo- more recently, you know, I did an Aussie theme week on my channel sometime last year. I think it was a long time ago, but um, I did the Tunnel. The tunnel. Oh, that would be so amazing. I tried to focus on a lot of films that were, you know, I mean, it was funny because there was, I actually had Australians even commenting on my video going, I've never heard of these, any of these films, which was good. That was kind of my intention, except for the tunnel. I knew the tunnel people knew about, but I really wanted to review it. That's a great example of how found footage films should be done. Yep. You know, you know, it was a really fun week and, you know, there's a lot of good films, but Housebound, sticking by it, nine out of 10, love this film. 
um, you know, I've watched it actually three times now. I watched it twice back to back, and then I watched it again. And I fucking love it. It's great, awesome flick. Cool, cool, cool. Jeremy, number two. Yes, getting down to the nitty gritty. All right, my second favorite film from the year 2014 is a film that Moods talked about a little while ago, and is a film that I have quite a fondness towards. And that is Worm. Um, I've talked about this film quite frequently since I watched it uh, back, I don't know, it was like six weeks ago, six, seven, eight weeks ago. I wrote a review over on the podcast, but this film is just really, Web really... Page. What? Web page. Not a website? <laughs> yeah. said he wrote Fucking... a review over it on the what podcast? On the podcast? Oh, on the website. It just sounded funny. Chicken finger boy. But, uh... Tenders my cock. <laughs> this film's just really, really original and really just a fun film that came out this year. And uh, the backstory of the film is really interesting. I was really happy that they were able to f- flush their film out to a longer, full length feature and that they were able to get it distributed and released. Um, even if they didn't get the chance to get it distributed by Synapse, I still think the film would have found its way into the independent circuit at conventions and things like that, and it would have picked up steam and eventually would have got released, but Synapse, being the awesome company that they are, picked it up and released the film. So, if you guys want to know my full opinion on Worm, go read my review over on the website, and um, it's just a really amazing film. Check it out. I'll stand by my 9.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. So Worm gets a nine and a half out of ten from Jeremy. Um, I've noticed uh, we've changed a few of our ratings. Jeremy's stuck pretty solid on his. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, moving on, my number two is Late Phases, which is, in my opinion, the best werewolf film in a long, long time. Were actually came out this year too, which was also a really solid uh, werewolf film. But this one right here, man, it follows a retired uh, Vietnam veteran who is blind. He's sent to a retirement home. Uh, he has a seeing eye dog. Unfortunately, there's some werewolves there eating the old people, and he's blind. He's fucking blind, and he has to figure out a way not to get killed by these werewolves while trying to find out who the werewolf is in the town. Uh, he goes to church and stuff. Um, he's he's very cynical, very cocky, kind of very just, um, you know, very vet veteran like, uh, like where he doesn't take no shit. He's just an old guy who's like you know, been through a lot of shit. So he, he, he deserves to be how he is. Like he deserves to have that attitude. Um, and that's where the strong point in this film comes from is just the character that you're following. Uh, you feel sympathetic for him. You feel like, uh, you, you know, uh, nervous for him. You feel a lot of things. Um, you laugh with him. Just, just a great likable character. Um, even though he's kind of an ass, uh, but, but he's, you know, a good person at heart. Um, and the werewolves, practical effects, man, throughout, uh, good transformations, a lot of good camera techniques to kind of hide, uh, the transformations and the, um, you know, the gore stuff, uh, just, I, I, I really did love this film a hundred percent, you know, 
number two of the year for me. This is definitely the second best film that I've seen this year. Uh, kind of almost as good as my number one, maybe even as good. Uh, late Phases, everybody needs to check this out. Had poor marketing, uh, so a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, it is coming out on DVD soon, I believe, but right now it's still in the VOD type thing. Um, it's one that everybody should check out. Nine out of ten. Nice. Nice. All right, number two for me is a film that I managed to watch about six or seven times in one week. <laughs> I know what it's I, coming. I, I know this premiered in 2013, just independent or on the, you know, um, in when, did, what, when did you see it, Jeremy? Uh, December last year. December, no, yeah, no, so, yeah, December 2013. Yeah. Anyways, it came out. Um, this was actually like the very, I think it was the first 2014 release, media release that I even bought that year last year and um of course that is return to nukem high directed by lloyd kaufman <laughs> dang son number two oh huh? man oh god i i actually watch this again because i i tried to make a point of watching all my films that were in my potential top 10 again yeah. i watched this the other night again i was still pissing myself loving this fucking movie man i hadn't watched it in a few months and uh I must have watched this film at least 10 times this year. <laughs> it's pretty fucking phenomenal how many times I watch this. And every time when it ends, I'm just like, give me part two. <laughs> oh, it kills me every time I see that two be continued thing. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, man. I think this is a great um, reboot to the series. It's it's theoretically kind of like a remake of the first one, but it's not. They, they reference the first one. It's It's really like a part four. Is what it is to the to the franchise and stuff. And I really like the way they did it. Uh, it's got hot chicks, great gore, just fun jokes, like just ridiculousness. This is what Troma is all about. Oh, yeah. You know, is Return to Newcomb High. It, it, Lloyd Kaufman knocked this one out of the fucking park, man. He really did such a great job with this. I mean, the whole fucking the two leads in this film are lesbians, and they're super hot, and they like have lesbian <laughs> sex and stuff. It's just like, how do you not want to see this shit, man? It's great. I absolutely love the Cretans are fucking fantastic. You know, the Glee Club that gets all fucked up from the the toxic tacos. <laughs> I fucking love this movie, man. Um, you know, I think I gave this movie an 8 out of 10 before. I am definitely, definitely upgrading that to a 9. I love this movie so much. I think it's fantastic. And you can't beat the green case that it comes in. Yeah, yeah that shit's dope. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm actually but it makes sense, though, too, because... like this one. Honestly, dude, I I don't know, man. I think I I would hope you would. I mean, it's it's lighthearted, it's silly, but it's fun. I love you know, it's fun. It, it, so it does actually have production value to it. You know, it, they did a pretty good job with the effects and stuff. Do you remember it, Jeremy? Um, it's funny. It's goofy. It is, man. But like, there's so much fuck. I mean, there obviously is some jokes, but there's this one foreshadowed joke that every I like I said, I've seen this movie like ten times, and it fucking makes me laugh every time. It's so stupid. <laughs> Well, it's so funny. Let me ask you this: but, Is it at all like Poltergeist? Because that—that's probably my favorite trauma film. I've always enjoyed it's, that it, one. It's exactly like Poltergeist, except for without the you know the singing and stuff. It's not a music. <laughs> but uh, you know, but um, yeah, you know, it's Lloyd Kaufman, and it's great, dude. It's so much fucking fun, man. So much fun. Um, can't recommend it enough. But I am upgrading at eight and a half or eight to a nine. Return to Newcomb High. Give me volume two now. Awesome. Come on, awesome. Lloyd. Fuck. Yeah. Jeremy, you're number one. All right. Any guesses? Any guesses, boys? 
No, actually. Actually, I don't know. I actually don't know. Actually, it's four. I'll, I'll give you a hit. It's foreign. Um, has it been mentioned? No. Oh shit! I don't know. I don't know, dude. It's from South Korean, and it's titled "Flu." Now, this nobody talks about this fucking movie. <laughs> and... Is it from 2014? Yeah. You picked it up in April, man. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. This I watched this film all the way back in March, so it shows you how much time it has sunk in since it came out. And I talked about it on the podcast way, way, way back. Um, this film is a fucking awesome. Awesome, awesome, large. It's pretty a large budget film for pretty large South Korean film, and um, it's basically about a shipping container that um, is sent from I think from China to South Korea, and um, when they open it, it's full of people who have this flu virus. It's like a bird flu type of a virus. And one of the guys escapes the containers and spreads his flu virus all over South Korea and everybody starts to get it and they don't know what's happening and people are getting sick. And like I said, I like films where people get sick and they die and they don't come back like in, like Contagion films like that. Uh, like I said, this film's really, really high budget. It has a shit ton of extras and uh, you could definitely tell it has quite a high production value. But... The acting and the storyline and the way it's executed is just extremely, extremely well done. And um, it definitely helped. It's quite long. It's about two hours and 20 minutes or so. And it holds your attention throughout the entire film. And um, it's just really, it's just a really, really, really well done narrative. And um, more people should check it out. Like I said, it has a pretty generic cover with the gas mask guy that we see in a million other covers. But. I hope that doesn't uh, take you away from checking out the film. Uh, I know, as you guys know, my number one pick is usually extremely different from Moods and JP because I picked Stitches last year and I got shat on that, and I'm still getting shat on it a year later. But I don't think this one I'm going to get shit on as much because I think we all have different picks. I think because nobody's seen it. And so no one's gonna be able to tell you that it. It's a I bad know Moots has it. He has it. Yeah, I just haven't gotten around it. it. I yeah, just, I yeah, guess I gotta see that, it now. I mean, it's number one. It's yeah. one of those films that I just kept putting off and off, and I actually completely forgot about it, man. You know, I, I buy way too much stuff, as you can see in the background. <laughs> we talked about that, but yeah, I yeah, I really should pop it in. I should yep. pop it in. Check it out. It's really good. I'll I'll stick with my nine and a half. Awesome, sweet, awesome. That's one that sounds very interesting to me. So I'm definitely going to pick that up. <clears throat> so my number one this year um, might come as a surprise to you guys. But Can't be any more surprising than flu. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it might not. It shouldn't be more surprising <laughs> than flu. But uh, this year there was no clear-cut number one. I feel like my top three could have uh, all been switched around. Um, because, of course, according to everybody else. Because I – Number one in your opinion, man. Come on. Well, yeah, obviously it's my opinion. I'm the one that's saying it. Exactly. 
but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like that there was that the, there was no film that I seen that that really uh, stood out as as much as Maniac did last year. Is in terms of like, I didn't feel like anything could touch Maniac after I seen it. That wasn't the case this year. So my number one is uh, still a f- film that I feel really really strong about, and I really did love. It's came up twice on the list tonight, and it's The Sacrament from Ty West. Uh, definitely Damn. the best film that I've seen this year. Uh, I think a surprising. lot of people are kind of forgetting about it because due to recency bias, which is easy to happen. But we were really high on this film. We just nothing but love fest. We were just loving all over it, just spewing love all over Ty West. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, it was it was it was so entertaining for me. I was in it. I was stuck in there. Um, I, there was so many like moments where it was like, oh shit, that tonal shift right when they see that little girl uh, just kills it for me. I-, I loved The Sacrament, and it's definitely the best film I've seen this year. Um, but I do feel like Late Phases or As Above, So Below could could have possibly took that spot. Um, I didn't feel like it was uh, as big and popular as um, Maniac was last year. But The Sacrament, hands down. My favorite film of the year, guys. My number one. Okay, I got a question for you. What's up? Nine out of ten. Okay, I got a question. So when we started these top ten lists, you said that there was three films tied at top ten or on your in, in your number ten spot. What were the other two films? The Den and Blue Ruin. But I, I was a little uh, hesitant to put Blue Ruin on there because um, I didn't want it, – it's not really a horror film. And uh, Found was close there as well. Wait, I'm going to try and guess yours, Moods. What haven't you not talked about? You haven't talked about The Sacrament. Yeah, he has. It was on his list. Oh, it was really? Number, number six. Oh. Yeah. Uh, shows you how much of an attention span I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is interesting. No idea. This is quite interesting because we'll talk about this in a second here. But my number one pick of the year, my favorite film um, by far uh, is a film that fucking literally blew my socks off like I popped it in and the credits came up and my socks hit my TV. It was fucked up. It was really weird. But uh, it's a black fawn. It's a no. black fawn move. Mm. No, uh, this is really, really independent, man. And it is pieces of talent. Man. And no, I, why I say that's really fucked up is because JP had this one at number ten. I've got it at number one. His number one was my number six. So it just goes to show, you know, how different our lists really are. But they're um, all still top ten worthy. Like, like we've still included both of those in the ten best films that we've seen this year. In all, you know, it didn't, it didn't seem to surprise you, JP. Did you have an idea that it was I knew pieces it was of pieces talent. of talent? It's right up I your fucking... alley. It's that super indie, like super amazing thing that that you really just got to show props to. Feels yeah, perfectly dude, natural. I... You know, I had my buddy Dylan over last night, and I was like, man, we got to watch this movie. And he was just like, fuck, that movie is so good. And I told him, I was like, you know, 75000 make that film. And he goes, holy fuck, man. He's like, it looks like a million-dollar film. I'm like, yeah, it really does. But, you know, like I said, we talked about this film a few times. Uh, I, it's the performances. It's the star- It's everything about this film is brilliant. The cinematography is excellent. Um Christy Ray, I just want to eat up, man. I, I absolutely love her in this film. I think she's so fucking good. So good. I just, the way she delivers every line, she just seems so real. You know, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene where David Long and uh, 
you know, Christy Ray's character, they meet up underneath the tree and they're talking and she gives him back his camera mm-hmm. and stuff. I love that fucking scene in the film because it's, it's, it's kind of, it's supposed to be kind of awkward because they don't really know each other that well. Yeah. And there's something about the bond that they're creating right there. And it's weird because, you know, you know that David Long's character is fucking psychotic and she's really so naive to the fact that, but who really wouldn't be though? You know, he seems like he's a legitimate dude. He's a little odd, but he seems like he could be legitimate and stuff. And I love that scene because, you know, the way he smiles at her and the way, they have this great connection. And it's just it really kind of sells the film for me. And I don't know, man. Joe Stoffer, he really does a great job filming this. I, I think the editing is fantastic. The end is fucking I love the end. Yeah. It's so fucking it's mm-hmm. so amazing. It's got one of the best endings ever. Uh, and that was it's, it's really one, one of those films that you really just feel like isn't finished. Like you just feel like you need more. Like you want to see more of what of that world and what's going on. Exactly. You know, and uh oh god, you just totally want to see fucking more. And and it gives you that idea. <laughs> um But uh oh dude, like I mean just even even the like the film that is shown you know, at that point, I don't want to really give anything away, but uh, like I thought that was even really cool and well done. The way that I need was to check this kind of, movie out, damn it! Oh, it's totally movies. up your alley. It, it's really kind of like artsy as well, um, yeah. and I don't say that in like a derogatory way. Like it's no, just, no, 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 it's, it's art. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things about this movie that I really love. My I think my favorite parts of the movie are the the, the parts where they're bonding. I know yeah. it sounds really no, kind no, of no, 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 no. I'm, bit, I'm but with like, you. With, I'm with that. Like that's what I enjoyed most about the films. The film. Um, I just felt like the, there was this like natural, um, almost like tender, but uh, just very mellow uh, bonding mm. experiences between the characters, especially when they smoke that joint, um, mm. where it's just like it's soft and it's just natural, and it's just like. Um, it, it, it's om- I, I, it's hard to find the words to actually describe it. It's it's that interesting because there's so many different things that are going on there. Um, I'm I mean I'm with you though. Like I, I I have no like I can see this film being in my top three. Like it's very possible that that could. Ha- I've only seen it that one time. Um, mm-hmm. I know you've seen it a couple times by now. I feel like you part- start picking out more things the more you see it. And I'm I'm guessing that your rating has even changed. Yeah. Um, you know, what, it, like one of the coolest scenes in this film, you know, besides the one I talked about earlier, was is the scene where they're you know at the bowling alley. And the reason why I love that movie or that that scene so much is because you know I used to bowl like every day of the week because I was a bowling geek. Mm-hmm. And uh, but too. again, they're bonding, and it's like so awkward because you know this guy is what he is. And, yeah. Like, she's Instead just of so doing naive. a reveal style. Um, you're kind of yeah. just you're there. You're with it from the beginning. You know what's going on. So it has this um, like level of tension that it. Uh, mm. It's like the Alfred Hitchcock thing, right? You know, like exactly. show the bomb under the table type thing. Uh, exactly. So that that works really well, and it's it's very well paced. It's at a slow pace, but it never feels boring at all. It's it's no, but it, it is boring. It like it what's happening is boring stuff. Like they're not doing anything, but for some reason it's still incredibly interesting and exciting. <laughs> mm. It's because the characters are so likable. You know, you actually like even like David Long. You know that he's 
not a good character, you know, yeah. but you know, you still like him because he has this, he has this fucking, this Kodak smile, you know, and there's something odd about him that you actually kind of do like, and you're like, okay. Um, I don't know, man. It's one of those films that I just, it really, really stuck with me. The first time I watched it, it was just, I was floored. I, I really liked the, you know, the soundtrack, the editing was fantastic, but the, the cinematography in the film for me was so fucking beautiful. It might even be one of the best looking yeah, indie films you know what, I've man? ever seen. Uh, like, I've never seen an indie film that was so fucking beautiful and so brutal at the same time and like with amazing characters and oh god and you feel you feel christy ray's pain in the film you know uh with her mom and stuff and like yeah yeah i think one of the best scenes was when um uh he gets that like young kid to come like help him with shit and it just starts getting really uncomfortable yeah yeah and that kind of like was our introduction to like his madness um but you know, I'm almost like feeling like, like, like I feel like this should have been higher on my list now because as I'm looking back I, and like talking about like all the things that worked so well, it, it's kind of opening my eyes to stuff that I forgot about a little bit, and uh, it's it's definitely one I want to revisit when I get the DVD, and uh, I'm sure that it, it has potential to even uh move up on my list for sure because uh it, it, it especially like it, it's just something different and you know what i'll actually compare this film to starry eyes i think you'll get like the same level of enjoyment um out of starry eyes but on a bigger budget scale it's a similar type yeah that's that's good that's good but uh yeah i mean pieces of talent what can i say man um it's a beautiful piece of cinema and this is what i love about what we do you know is finding films like this <laughs> exactly. and talking about them this is exactly what i live for man is like well, these indie films and i really wish more people had seen this film this year because i've seen so many top 10 lists i was on the internet doing research i was looking at everything i possibly could i never seen this movie come up once really i've and seen it, it come up a brought, lot actually um maybe i was looking at the wrong spots but yeah no, actually that's not that's not true i did see it come up on a list one time yeah um i mean it might come up more on you know videos and stuff that I'll watch and stuff, but uh, yeah, it was just you know what's kind of also awesome about doing this show is the idea that um, we are helping people find out about these because I know that there was a few cases on the Facebook group where people have watched this film specifically because me and you had talked about it on the show. You first, then me with a follow up review, and. Um, that that's just so special to me like I, I love the idea that that um we're part of like keeping horror moving a little bit like not just us all of the people who do this type of stuff um sharing exactly. posts and 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 taught and being passionate about uh the the film that they had just seen it, it's like it's a super indie film that you know came out of nowhere i loved it you got to check it out i'm telling you man it's it's a sleeper hit of the year like stuff like that like it just makes all this so worth it Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my original rating on the film was eight. uh you know a little underwhelming you know when i look at it eight out of ten um it's so interesting how things can change so drastically mm-hmm. you know it's like I've, I've watched the film since i don't know when i did the film on here obviously it was in the last four months uh but it's it's amazing how my rating changes because I I I absolutely am in love with this film and I think it's going to go up to a nine and a half and it, it's really crazy 
to go up that much, but it's one of those films to me that I'm just like, why aren't I not giving in a perfect 10? I don't really understand. But like, I have this fear of 10s for some reason. It's weird. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. <laughs> I do, man. I you very have a 10 rarely, anxiety? I very rarely give a film a 10. Um, it, it's yeah, you so didn't even fucking... give the battery a 10. Me and Jeremy both did. Yeah, I know. It, it's so weird. Uh, but yeah, for everybody out there, piece of the talent, you know, just go out and fucking buy it, man. You know, they got a campaign right now to make the sequel need to put towards that um i mean you don't need to but you should because it's going to be awesome i bet and yeah that is going to do it i think the what was the only film that was on all three of our lists it was the sacrament i think it was a sacrament yeah, yeah it was a film that all that we did in a main review yeah that's interesting because me and you had pieces of talent we shared a I think a couple other ones me and jeremy shared a few you and jeremy shared a few um, but the only one that made and there, all and there was a bunch of films. I think there was a couple that were just on one of our, like just on our own list too. Yeah, yeah. Like just Return to Newcomb High was the only one. You was the only one. Daddy's little girl. Um, I I guy. only I had phase, uh, fate fate late phases as above so below, uh, and at the devil's door, and Oculus. <laughs> Yeah, and I had, Starry yeah. Eyes. <laughs> Return, Daddy's Little Girl, Kill That Bitch. Um, I think that was it, actually. So fi- five out of my ten was exclusive to my list. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Not like last year. No, not at all. Cool. Cool stuff. All right, so that is going to do it for our top ten 2014 horror films yeah Yeah. and now we're gonna get into the awards the awards so we got about uh i think there's 16 categories here yeah and uh yeah um (laughs) it's award time and these were basically kind of uh from last year i think i think there's a couple new categories i mean so how many did we have last year? Like thirteen or something? Twelve yeah. or thirteen? So we added yeah. a couple more from last year, but these are kind of all over the place, not really in any distinctive order and whatnot. So, um, but we're going to start off the award part of the show with uh, our most disappointing film of the year. So, uh, Jeremy, what is your most disappointing film of the year? What did I talk about earlier? Afflicted, man. After hearing so much hype about this film, it's funny. Really? I never even heard of that film. <laughs> Being Man. one of the better found footage films out there, sat down, checked it out, and did not understand what was so hyped about it. Ah, it's just I was just bored. I mean, maybe maybe you, maybe it suffered from over hypeness for you or something like that because mm. I don't remember the film being that over i remember people mentioning it and stuff and like danny said it was like the best found footage film ever i was like no okay so that yes, was like yeah. in my mind when i was watching it yeah. i don't know maybe i need to rewatch it again but i just didn't see what everybody saw in it but you have to admit though the, the way they did the found footage really did work though you know it was specifically meant to be you know documenting their trip and stuff and then what happens i, I actually really like the structure of it maybe I don't know. Maybe you don't like it, but uh, yeah. I um, don't know. 
I like the twist in it though, man. It, like what it turns into. I think it was actually pretty fun. It, it kind of turns superhero-ish a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. You know, it was it was like holy fuck, what the hell is this, man? I was fucking blown away when I was watching it. I mean, I didn't you know think it was like overly that great, but I didn't think it was terrible at all. But, I don't think it was terrible. I just don't think it was good. I was disappointed. Yeah. Okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's perfectly valid, JP. Uh, my dose most. We, you can tell we've been talking for a long time. <laughs> My words are starting to jumble together. My most disappointing should come as no surprise. This film absolutely devastated me. It de- devastated me, man. I, I love the series so much, and I was just so damn, as Moods would say, butthurt about this film. And that is VHS Viral. Terrible movie. Avoid it. It's so sad. Why did you do this to me? Why? Why did you do this? Dude, you were clenching your teeth there. <laughs> Damn. Okay. What <laughs> Fuck you, yours? Magnet. God. What was yours, Mads? Oh God, that's so funny. Uh, my most disappointing film of the year for myself, man. I know you got you might be a little surprised by this, but it's Godzilla. I was really, really looking forward to the Godzilla film, and I was so <laughs> disappointed in it, man. It was. I mean, yeah, because honestly, I was, sucks. I'm disappointed. I was pretty not, disappointed with hearing everybody say that they didn't like uh, it because I was looking sucks. forward to it. So I, I feel you there, yeah, dude. Like I love Godzilla films, and I was like, oh my god, you know, like visually it looks pretty damn good, but yeah. overall the movie is super disappointing. It's boring in parts, and like it drags, and you're just like, it's kind of predictable. I was like, fuck this movie. Godzilla's man. in about two seconds. Yeah, and I really, really really wanted to love this movie man and i just couldn't and i was so and that's why i'm it's the most disappointing film for the year for me nice yeah so next category is biggest surprise so you're a film that you had no expectations for or even low expectations or low expectations or whatever maybe no expectations and it was just a surprise jeremy crawl or die man yeah yeah that's a great choice yeah that's a great choice Yep. All right. Mine is actually a big film uh, because I absolutely had no no expectations for this at all. Like I, I, th- I had low expectations. So I guess I did have expectations. I just didn't care about it at all. Um, the first one sucked. I hated it. Kind of. It was okay. Uh, and that is the Purge Anarchy. Like who was expecting that to actually be pretty fun, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Purge Anarchy is my biggest surprise. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, my biggest surprise of the year was a film that I really dreaded on being making, uh, being made. Um, you know, I, I've stressed a lot that uh, I'm not really the hugest fan of the original. Um, I do like the original film, but and this is not a fucking remake. And that is the town that dreaded sundown. Um, it was a big surprise to me because I I, I was going into it going, yeah, this is going to be Ryan's whatever. first film back. Yeah, I was like, whatever, man. Fuck, whatever. But, you know, it was cool, man, because I like the way they did the film. They tied in the first one. You know, it's it's definitely a sequel. It's a sequel to the original one. And uh, it was well done. I really enjoyed the film. It had a really cool vibe to it and just surprised me because I was expecting to not care for it whatsoever. And um, I was like, fuck it, man. I'll VOD this. Pay the five bucks or whatever the fuck it is up here. And uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So... Biggest surprise of the year for me. Awesome. Uh, next up, best gore. Best gore film of the year for you, Jeremy. What is that? That's Snow 2. 
it yeah, is it is goofy gore, but it's good gore, and it's this over the top, dead alive type of goofy type of gore. But it's just fun, and it's it's awesome. Highly recommend Dead Snow too. All right, my uh, the film that I'm gonna give the uh, best score to is actually. Um, it, it's an indie film that I just thought like really kind of work, uh, you know, succeeded based on the gore, and that's uh, almost human. Really? Wow! Nice, nice. I enjoyed that film. That was yeah. good. IFC representing in the motherfucking house, right? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> All right, man. My best gore film of the year um, isn't really like the most overly gory film, but it has some crazy awesome gore in it, and that's Ryan Nicholson's Caller. Uh, there, there's one scene in this film that I've never seen anything like it before, and it really does stick out to me. But, you know, I talked about Caller last week, so if you want to hear more, check it out. But Ryan Nicholson's Caller, he's always known for his gore, right? Come on. Yeah. You know? I didn't yeah, really see too many it. gory films this year. Yeah, the gore films were not that excessive. To be honest, I actually forgot about uh, Cabin's Fever Zero. Oh, yeah. That movie's actually quite gory, too, man. There's some pretty fucking interesting parts in that one but uh uh yeah i don't know man i think you're right though like there was not a lot of like super super gory films i think a lot of horror films this year relied on story and other elements rather than guts i don't know (laughs) uh next up best sequel best sequel jeremy what was your favorite sequel this year uh my favorite sequel oh you guys are gonna be surprised on this one it's actually Paranormal Activity the Marked Ones. Nice. It's actually the best film in the entire series, I have to say. This makes me even more excited to do Damn, a Paranormal Damn, you watched show. that already? He yeah. Remember, he watched I... it way back. He he saw it at a screening. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Before it was even released. Room. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's actually the best Paranormal Activity in the series. And the ending is extremely, extremely clever and actually really, really interesting. So... I'm excited to talk about the ending of that film when we get to the franchise show for that one. But yeah, yeah. I'm actually the, the like build up to this franchise show because we kept pushing it back and pushing it back. It's like unbearable almost. And you guys got to remember. I think the further we push it back, there's going to be like 19 of them. And you yeah. guys got to remember, I <laughs> hate Paranormal Activity, so that's a pretty yeah. bold statement for me to say that was the best sequel this year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, nice. uh, JP, best sequel. My, my best sequel is a film that was way better than the original, so I think it's I think it like is the best sequel that I've seen since it was so far ahead of the original. It's the Purge Anarchy. Um, Wolf mm-hmm. Creek Two was also pretty good, but the first Wolf Creek is definitely stronger. Mm. You know, it's interesting, man. In a year that was full of fucking uh, sequels, man, there was a lot of sequels that came out this year. It kind of reminds me of like the later '80s with all the franchise sequels and stuff. I think there was more yeah. last year, though. You think so, man? Man, I I have like at least a dozen written down right now, like sequels. It's crazy. There was lots of sequels, man. Um, <laughs> but my favorite sequel of the year, of course, ironically, G, uh, JP just had to say it, and that is Wolf Creek Two. Loved it. Loved. Did you like Wolf it better Creek than 2. the first one? I did. You know I what did. the best I, I will scene go on ever scene. was. The best scene ever, ever, ever. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. The the best scene in Wolf Creek 2 to me was that long-ass scene where they're playing, like, the trivia game. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's fucking good. Honestly, yeah, I don't know, man. I just found, you know, um, his character. Is it Jeff Jarrett? Jarrett? Nick Taylor. 
McTaylor, that's it. Okay. Fuck with them. Where the what fuck are you going with Jared? that one? <laughs> Fucking Jared? I was, I, was, I was thinking, fuck it. Maybe it's his real name. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking WWF back in the Jeff Jarrett. Double J. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I love the fucking I love him in this film, man. It's just he takes it abroad, and you know he's just fucking everywhere. He doesn't give a fuck. The only thing, one thing in this film I probably could have done without was that stupid fucking CGI kangaroo scene. Oh yeah, that, that that's that, where it kind of almost like jumped the shark for me. Where I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> uh, it feels like the I mean, Hitcher every remake time someone or uses something. That term jump the shark, I have to shit myself. It just <laughs> makes me laugh because I, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny and ironic because you know me with my shitty shark films. I just love yeah, shark films yeah. and jump the shark. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually really like this film, man. But I understand what you're saying about the trivia game. I thought it was really well done, but mm-hmm. it was entertaining, man. You got to admit though, the scene with the cops in the film. Oh fuck, yeah, dude, uh, dude Mick Taylor's up. the shit. The shit. Yeah, dude, he he's fucking gnarly. And again, another Aussie film making yeah. the list. Um, next category: most original horror film of 2014. Jeremy, gotta give it up to my. No, top two Worm, man. That film is original as hell. Highly, highly recommend Worm solely on its originality. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. All right, my most original... Justin. Oh, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Patrick. My most original... This could have went to a couple different ones, but I decided to give it to Proxy. I felt like Proxy deserves it the most. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Uh, my most original film this year was Worm also. Um, I feel goddamn. like that would have been my most original had I seen it because you guys keep talking about how original it is. It's really yeah. – it really does fit the category perfect. It's odd and yep. fun. Yep. Awesome stuff. Okay, so next category is best remake. Jeremy. All right. Best remake. Uh, I haven't didn't see too many remakes this year, so had to give it to Thirteen Sins, even though it's not my favorite film that came out last year. But is that even a remake? Yeah, it's from Thirteen Games of Death, which is Cantonese uh, Asian film. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, this category should have been changed from best remake to a remake because i've only seen one and it's not the best well i guess it is the best by default but it's me not too, a good JP. movie really i didn't see many either um <laughs> you know and I, I think me and moods were was talking about this and th- there was like no remakes this year for everybody no. complaining about remakes like that you should have been like loving life this year because <laughs> there was like three remakes that came out and one of them that i seen was patrick and it's not a good remake. It's not better than the original. I actually didn't like it that much. Isn't it a sequel? No. Oh, isn't it a remake? Yeah, it's a remake. Oh. Okay, so on the remake thing. Okay, let's actually discuss 2014 remakes because what other remakes came out this year? Uh, well, no, no, no. we have like a few like alleged 13 remakes. Sins, Patrick. What other remakes came well, out in 2014? Allegedly, Town That Jetted Sundown was billed as a remake a little bit. It was. Yeah. It might not totally be a not, remake. Uh, Godzilla was, in my opinion, billed kind of as a remake. Um, then it's we have not. Leprechaun Origins, which I haven't seen it, but it pretty sure it's billed as a remake. Um, Jeremy, is it a remake or a no. prequel? No, and Godzilla is neither. Godzilla is another <laughs> Godzam. Godzilla film. It's totally different than regular Leprechaun. 
Yeah, Godzilla's not a remake. That, it's just another asking, Godzilla. If it's if it, it does it have any continuity with uh, the original film, Jeremy, or any of the original films? Not really. Is it a prequel? Mm. Does is it I, an origin story? Yeah. Well, listen to the name of the fucking movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I get. I don't know if Leprechaun Origins is a remake. They called it a remake uh, during the production. Um, so I don't know. But don't that's know. about it. I mean, what? Well, what else regardless, regardless, I haven't fucking seen any of those <laughs> except for uh, the town that's dreaded sundown. Sundown, but I mean, sundown, 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 um, sundown. But you know, I you know, like I said, I've seen it, and it's not a sequel. It's or I mean, it's not a remake. It's more of a sequel. So, um, my choice for best remake is I have written down as a LOL. Because I have none. I never seen one fucking remake this year. You didn't see Patrick. I never seen Patrick. Um, Hmm. So I actually can't answer this question. Isn't that fucked up? I never seen. That's what everybody wants, though, right? I never seen Thirteen Sins, and the other ones are not sequels, in my opinion. I never seen Origins, anyways. Leprechaun Origins. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah. So best remake. Fuck you. Uh, Best foreign film. Jeremy. Flu, obviously. South Korean. That has to make sense, yeah. Check it out. <laughs> uh, the Babadook. The Babadook. That's a good choice. Yeah. Nice. That is uh, best choice. foreign film for me is uh, Housebound, another Aussie flick. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so best shot or best cinematography, however you want to call it. Jeremy? Uh, best shot. Well, I just said shot, not cinematography. It's my favorite shot. It is the brother-sister suicide scene in the sacrament is my favorite shot of That's the year. That's a pretty good shot. But mm-hmm. um, I kind of took this category as like best shot, like at best overall kind of Yeah, it's like the best film. shot film. Shot film. Oh, best shot film? I thought yeah. it was like the best like shot. I could see how you could mix that up. <laughs> Fucking film school. It shows you like a shot because yeah, yeah. Shot I, I know exactly. I mean, technically, I we are saying best shot. Like, what's the best shot? <laughs> but should you should have said shot. best Film. cinematography. Yeah, I did say best cinematography. No, yeah, you just said best shot, not best he, shot. He said slash best. I said best shot or cinematography. Yeah. Film. It should. Yeah, but you said that now, not before. No, he did. No, 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 he I said did, it before. I did. I did. We can rewind. It. And in the last season, we last season we we discuss this as best cinematography that's what this category was i picked lords of salem i did say i said best shot or cinematography oh yeah <laughs> but when we're talking it should be next year we'll call it best cin- cinematography so <laughs> there's no confusion all right well the sacrament then <clears throat> i'm gonna go with uh pot pieces of talent my best my best shot my favorite shot film cinematography of the year is pieces of talent yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I will Fucking amazing. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So this is an oddball ca- uh, category that we came up with last year. Uh, it's hard to answer um, based on films that have come out, in, obviously, the year and stuff like that. But that's uh, a film that would start a franchise. So a new franchise starter. Yeah. <clears throat> you think, Jeremy? The Den. That, yeah, that's, that's kind of the one I was leaning on. Um, and then I kind of... I kind of thought about it a little more, and I think that Wolf Creek Two can kick off that that series into a full blown franchise. 
Oh, I didn't realize we could throw sequels. Yeah, in because it. I it was if like, you think about it, right? We've had this discussion before. It's a, two films isn't a franchise yet, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I get, I, and I didn't think of it that way either until we you was talking about how Mick Taylor is just like really awesome and stuff. I'm like, I could totally see him having like a whole film series, and then I started thinking about the ending and all that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, Wolf Creek too. Okay, well, I'll just go with mine. Franchise starter, I went with Blood Widow. Hmm. It's a slasher flick that's <laughs> fucking pretty gnarly. I know that movie. Great flick, man. Great flick. So, next category, most overhyped film of 2014. Jeremy. I think uh, we know what this is. Really? What do you think it is? Affliction? <clears throat> Afflicted? No, I put Tusk. You know what? No. You're probably right on that. Everybody talks about <laughs> Kevin Smith's, you know... Oh, Kevin Smith's making a new horror movie that he came up off on a podcast. Everyone's but I mean, talking about it. The way it's I look overhyped. at it, the way I looked at you know overhyped though. I mean, you can talk about a film to death. I mean, if it delivers, doesn't necessarily mean it's overhyped. But does Tusk deliver? <clears throat> yeah, that's the question. That does is I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, exactly. so I don't know. Yes. Was it on my top ten? <laughs> nope. No. Was it on my? And top I guess 10? it didn't deliver. <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be in top 15 or t- – I mean, like I said, I'm doing a top 30 list, so <clears throat> yeah, after, yeah. but – But no, um, that's a decent pick, Jeremy. Um, I think – but I, I don't know if the amount of hype that was for Tusk is – compared to what I think of it, I think it's about a, the same level. So I'm not going to say Tusk is is that overhyped. Um, I will say that All Cheerleaders Die was the most overhyped to me. Didn't have that much hype, but – Compared to what I got out of it, I was like, what is everybody talking about this for? Oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I like, I like that. I film, know you though. do. I know you do. But I was just like, what is everybody – like, and I reported on it from its announcement. Like, like I, I – I, oh, man, I was disappointed in that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, most, over, most overhyped film for myself is Easy Man Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, because so it, cause, it, cause it, it blah, had a ton of pre pre uh, release hype, which yeah, you normally dude. don't get unless it's a big budget release. Normally, you have post release hype where everybody's talking about it, like "Oh, it was so good." But Godzilla had tons of pre release hype, and it was annoying too because the you know the initial teaser trailers and stuff they the you know they barely showed Godzilla. But the reason why they barely showed Godzilla is because he was barely in the actual film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, "Fuck!" It was disappointing. And it was overhyped. So, yeah, Godzilla. Biggest piece of shit of the year. The biggest piece of shit. So, basically, the Bono of the year. Uh-uh. Bongo <laughs> Killer Clown. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Bongo's... that movie. That's funny. It's well, terrible. Mutantis is pretty, pretty big piece of shit, to be honest. <laughs> oh, again with Mutantis. Okay, well, I already covered this one. Top five first worst films of 2014 annabelle is my biggest fucking bono of the year man it was terrible i hated annabelle yeah that's fucked up because we defended it so much not really it but the idea of it and then it turned out being a piece of shit which we said that it could be but it was just funny how that happened (laughs) i know it didn't really backfire i mean we're just doing what we're doing right yeah yeah it happens uh best indie film of the year jeremy go ahead Uh, I will go the best indie film of the year uh, in the truest words of indie is Pieces of Talent. 
Nice. Nice. Uh, best indie film of the year. Uh, pretty obvious that it's piece of the talent for myself. Yep. It's my yep. pick of the year. Now, Jeremy, Jeremy, do you care to give yours? Worm. Nice. Worm. Nice. Fuck, my mic okay. was muted. I didn't even know I pushed the button by accident. Yeah, I saved <laughs> you there. You see that? Thanks, JP. All right. Out of order, but it works. Um, all right. So best director of 2014. Jeremy. Gotta give it to Jennifer Kent, man, for the Badabook. Badaduke. Because it's Bob her first, first film, Bob and it definitely left a pretty huge impact in the horror community. I couldn't think of anybody else better to give it to than her. Uh, mine's Ty West, man. Kid's doing big things. Look forward to everything that he does now. Uh, he, you know, once again is is proven that he's got chops, and that's what I like to see out of my best director picks. Nice, nice. Best director for me is Joe Stoffer from Pieces of Talents. Yeah, can't wait to see Gotta what he it. does next. Fuck yeah, man. Love the fucking movie. Great start. Keep it up. All right, so next category is best old school film that you saw this year. So basically what that means is, you know, a film that was out sometime before that you've never seen until this year. And it was like a highlight watch for you. Like it's it's essentially like those awards that you see in award shows that really don't matter, but it's just there to honor like something old. That's kind of what it is. Exactly. Am I up? Yep. Yep. Eyes went out of face from 1960, man. One of the best year, one of the best films I watched this year for sure. Check it out. Yeah. Mine's actually a film that we covered way back on the show. Um, And it was the first time that I've ever, uh, seen it and it was a film honestly I probably without watching for the podcast would have never really like like looked for and could just based on what it's called and based on what it's like I would think it was about and that's the entity shit blew me away I was like holy shit this is raw yeah, and, yeah awesome. the entity is a classic <clears throat> nice nice uh, best old school film for me, and this was actually kind of a hard one because you know you guys always joke about how I've seen everything. Of course, I obviously have not seen everything. We all know that. Um, but oddly enough, I'd never seen this film from 1981, and I was trying to get my hands on it when I was doing my 81 series a couple years ago. Couldn't get my fucking hands on a bootleg. Lo and behold, Draft House releases the Blu-ray, and I get to see it this year. Miss 45. Oh, nice. I still need to pick that up. So one of the best rape revenge. It actually turned into my favorite rape revenge film of all time. This movie is fucking awesome, dude. And that release, amazing. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with their transfers, but holy shit, dude. That looks it looks damn good, man. So they had a little pee to it. (laughs) yeah all right so next category i think it's another new one that we've got here and it is favorite artwork uh and that is like favorite poster artwork from a film from 2014 uh jeremy gotta give it up for blood glacier man it has a pretty cool cover does have a cool cover yeah Um, mine is you know there were so many good ones like i there's a lot of variant art that's really good like the sacrament had good art uh, there's just, like, I, I was blown away with like the amount of old school looking art that there was. I was really like, you know, I was making that thumbnail for Brandon's top ten list, and I was looking at posters, and I was like, wow, these are amazing. But uh, one that really just stuck out to me uh, was the variant art for Starry Eyes. It just looks really good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
Um, yeah, my favorite artwork of the year is probably no surprise because I've talked about this a few times this year, and that is Wolf Cop. I <laughs> fucking good art. love Wolf Cop's artwork. It's so good. It's so awesome. So, yeah, had to go with that one. And finally, best mainstream flick of the year, which is like, wow, in a year that was not full of great mainstream films. Jeremy. Gotta give it up to the Purge Anarchy, man. Yeah. I think that one surprised all of us. Because we all thought, you know, it did fuck fucking cheap out on the ending again, though, man. Peace. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, mine is uh, Oculus for sure. I spoiled it earlier. Moods had to point that out. So did this one have to be a theatrical or just like a type of mainstream? Any, it, it's really subjective. I know. Subjective. I was kind of confused about this because I was – the first one that came to mind was the one I have written down right now. I just assumed it was very mainstream because of who directed it. But um, I went with The Sacrament. So um, – yeah, I mean, I don't really think it's mainstream. Yeah, that's not Ma- mainstream. mainstream. Because nobody, like, if it's not going to be uh, something that, that every like like regular people are talking about, like non-horror fa- fans, then I don't think it's mainstream. If it, hardcores are the only ones really talking about it. Uh, you, th- you, you really think so? Because, I mean, I've seen this movie covered everywhere. It was covered everywhere. So yeah, I, don't, everywhere I don't know how that horror could. Everywhere on horror Magazine, everything, man. Like, the sacrament, like, ty- I don't know, man. I I haven't met anybody who's even seen it besides horror fans. Like anytime I bring it up to somebody at work or something, they're like, I don't know what that is. But if I bring up like Oculus, they've probably seen it. It's theatrical, man. Theatrical. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, it's just like, it was kind of the opposite of indie. Like we have indie, let's do mainstream, but Mm -hmm. I probably should have worded it different. All right. So that's going to do it for the awards. Yeah, so much fun, man. I, you know, it's kind of cool doing the award show because you get to hear more talk or talk about other films that were mentioned in the, in the uh, show. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what the idea film. when we created it was. I think just to kind yeah. of shed some light on some other stuff. You know, I really tried to not bring up the same film twice, but I mean, I was answering these topics yeah. honestly. Yeah, bring You want to talk about other stuff, but at the same time, you got to be as honest as possible. Yeah, and Godzilla just happened to make two <laughs> times in the award show for, and not in a good way, not in yeah. a good way. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, 2015, is it looking good or is it looking bad? Thoughts? We kind of kind of talked well, about it a little bit earlier. I got a huge list of films that are supposedly coming out. If you want me to start throwing some out there and you guys give your opinions, yeah. All right. So first up, we have Gutter Balls Two, which yeah. is supposedly going to be out in time by 2015. Is this one still taking place in a water park? Because that would be fucking awesome. Wait, it was was that the? I didn't even know that was what it was. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man, because Ryan said that he was out there scouting for you know bowling alleys and stuff so it's got to oh, really? be taking place in a fucking bowling alley yeah. it's gutter balls man you know i swear you're saying it's gonna take place in a maybe that was back in the day yeah i don't know man i'm really really excited yeah me too yeah it should be fun definitely probably one of my most anticipated films i mean from the ones that i know about that are coming out next year this is one that uh yeah it's definitely high on the list man i'll be checking it out yeah asap so yeah 
After that, we have uh, the new Friday the 13th film, which is supposed to come out in November. Uh, I can't believe it's getting that close already, uh, less than a calendar year. Uh, pretty excited for that. You guys know that's my favorite franchise. I'm fucking just huge fanboy for the Friday the 13th uh, series. Um, you guys excited for that one? We'll see. We need course, more information, man. We'll yeah, I don't know. Excited. To be honest, man, I don't really care or I don't really need anything else. I, I'm excited, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Friday franchise. I mean, as long as it's not, uh, you know, Jason in space, yeah, I probably will be happy. Um, <laughs> the I very mean, idea that you're going to see Jason on screen, on the big screen, killing motherfuckers again, that should get you excited right there. Exactly, exactly. Um, is there any word on who the fuck is playing jason no there isn't but i I have a feeling they they won't go with any of the previous guys they'll do somebody new um i I like Derek mears i I would say if you're not going to do kane hodder who's definitely the best jason in my opinion um then do uh Derek mears because he he did a good job as well Hmm. interesting well i guess we'll just have to wait and see i'm sure that'll be fucking talks coming up yeah we'll probably start seeing a lot of news for that lately um yeah Next up, we have uh, Trick or Treat 2. Uh, this this got announced and ever since has been really quiet, which makes me nervous. <clears throat> I know. I'm, I'm Maybe starting that's a good to fear thing. the worst about this. I'm starting to fear the worst, though, that it's actually not going to come out. Yeah, I have a fit because I, I just have maybe it's like getting uh, this, uh, funding. Maybe he's having a tough time with that. That's exactly what I this thought. This film needs to happen, though, because uh, what's his name? Michael Doherty. Uh, he's also directing the next film on the list, yeah. and that's uh, Krampus. Yeah. Which is uh, actually, I think, almost like, like it's even – maybe that's what's like taking so long is he's doing Krampus. <laughs> so he has to uh, wait on well, there's, a little bit. There was another movie that came out this year called Krampus. I think there's like – Well, there's actually a screenshots for Krampus, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. So like he's obviously doing that. So Trick or Treat is like a fucking – it's like a blind film right now. So I don't know the fuck's going on with that one, but – Krampus does look cool though, man. I love the whole Krampus story. Yeah, legend. I think it's cool, man. So, third, uh, the next one is the Green Inferno, which is uh, Eli Roth's new film. Which, come on, guys, like that. The, 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 this was my most anticipated last year. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I mean, we touched on this earlier. I just, I really, really fucking hope this comes out. I, I I'm putting money on it by the summertime. It'll come out, man. Yeah, perfect summer cannibalistic type film like come on get that shit out man fuck fuck son yeah. I'm, I'm really bummed it because remember last year i was like you know the film i'm looking forward to the most is the green inferno and i still haven't seen it that's saddening uh so mm-hmm. this year is going to be the year of the green inferno hopefully uh after that we have the remake so uh first remake on the list it allegedly um, and that is uh, Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've talked about this and joked about it many times, but the more I think about it, I'm actually super curious about it. I want to see what they do with it, if they're going to, you know, go the extreme route, you know, make it a rated R, or if they're going to go PG-13 with this one. Um, what do you guys think? We'll what do you guys see. think? We'll see. Um, I think that... I mean, it, what, would we'll you rather PG-13. take, like, a super serious, like, rated R kind of fucking approach to it? I would like that, approach but it's not, to it. it's not gonna be that. It's yeah, I be think... PG-13. Wasn't there news that said that it was PG-13, I think? I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean that was all speculation. I mean, have they even started doing anything with the film? Though? Oh yeah, so. it's it's been casted and um it's I, I think it's I think it's in like post production maybe. I'm not sure. Post production is saying Damn, they shot it. that thing? Fuck. Okay. So I'm I'm not sure, but I, I thought when they came out, um it was official like press release that they uh they made it's a PG thirteen, but I, I'm not sure that could be wrong. I, it's, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Insidious three. Looking forward to that one. Uh, I'm, I like the first two a lot. I still haven't even seen part two, man. Me neither. Can you fucking believe that? That's a good thing because I that was that was ruined by overhyped for me last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what's going on with Insidious Three? Any new developments on it? Yeah, it's like it's been. There's trailers, I think, or teasers at least. Um, there's, uh, you know, photos. Like it's it's pretty close to. I, I don't know exactly when the release date is, but it's it's definitely a film. Like it's it's happening. <clears throat> uh, Sweet. After that, we have one that Moods is extremely excited about. And that is Return to Newcomb High Volume Two. It's yeah. the it's the motherfucking re- the second half of the film, man. <laughs> the first one insane <laughs> yeah, to be I continued. Mean, I'm like, I guess seriously. you would be a little uh, a little worried about seeing the second part of the film. Yeah, dude, I'm fucking soaked. But my only question is, why the fuck hasn't it come out? Yeah, I like I said, you know, this thing was filmed all together at one time. You know, in 2013, the fuck. 2015 and take uh, come on lloyd well, you is know, there when even I see, a trailer i don't think so maybe it wasn't filmed are you sure it was filmed yeah back it's back? filmed no yeah. I'm, I'm i'm positive they filmed the whole yeah, thing together they filmed it like as a long ass film and then they cut it up yeah so it's kind of like the whole kill bill thing you know filmed as one big ass film put in two parts um i, I don't know man if i see you know lloyd at fucking waste on this year i'm gonna actually ask him i'm gonna be like dude if there's no developing news by that time i'm gonna be like lloyd where the fuck is new man? <laughs> like yeah. seriously it is ridiculous but yeah next up we have probably probably one of my most anticipated films of the year um chances are i have a feeling that we won't be seeing this one till like december january february time you know not this year but like next year yeah, yeah yeah so maybe late january or late uh 2015 on into 2016 and that's rob zombies 31 yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh you know to be honest man i'm i mean everybody knows i'm a big rob zombie fan oh yeah i don't really care what anyone says about the halloween remake or any other Halloween remakes done. fucking awesome man you know that and like House Lord of Thousand Corpse, Modern I, I classic. I the Devil's like, Reject and House seem to get a lot of, you know, even by Rob yeah. Zombie haters, they seem to kind of get a little bit of respect. But uh-huh. it's the Halloween remake and the fucking Lords of Salem and shit like that. People really fucking hate on. They really hate on that shit, man. Yep. And it's unfortunate, about but it many, many times, and I don't give a fuck. I love this guy, and I'm excited for his next film. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 31 I've I have a feeling 31's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I have a feeling too. Um I think he's going to go more balls to the wall like uh his first two films um because a lot of people complain about uh Lords of Salem being too much of a slow burn. Um and I just think this one's going to be hyper violent. He actually said that this will probably be the most violent film he's ever made. I've had I had no problem with, you know, the slowness of uh 
Lords of Salem. Me neither. It was my number two film of last year. Loved yeah, that it was thing. A film. Uh, so yeah, 31. That is going to be dope as hell. Can't wait. After that, we have the anthology Tales of Halloween. Uh, we talked about this one a couple times with uh, different press releases. We have it's a stacked list of directors who are involved. Uh, it's supposed to revolve around. Oh yeah, this one tales, yeah. uh, and uh, it's supposed to be like um, weaved together. Like this, the stories are supposed to weave together. So mm-hmm. sounds mm-hmm. great to me. Um, the only concern that we had was that they might have too many cooks in the kitchen uh, in terms of too many shorts. Uh, kind of watering it down like ABC's of death. Um, so mm-hmm. that's a that's a bit of a concern. But for now, uh, let's just see how it develops. After that, we have Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension in 3D. Oh, no. 3D. <laughs> I, th- I think it might be 3D. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, please, no. Are they making found footage films in 3D now? Oh. Yeah, post-conversion, I think, too. But it's found footage. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, that's a weird concept. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> you, can't do, you can't do a 3D Dude, paranormal activity film. Oh. That is fucking bizarre. It's a fucking found. How we're doomed. It's found footage, man. It's f- supposed to be real, not fucking. Where's the Where's the post apocalyptic bunker guy go down there? Oh, dude, that's oh. weird. That's fucking weird. Yep. So, uh, paranormal oh. activity, the ghost dimension, which is a uh, it's an absolutely terrible subtitle yeah. the ghost dimension are you kidding me you kidding me that's pretty fucking terrible stop that um after that we have the human centipede three uh finally happening i guess uh it's been in production for a while now i know that they've yeah, tom six has been making this one for a while hasn't he yeah so probably it'll finally get released pretty soon um i i'm actually looking forward <clears> to it, man to be honest like i i love i I mean, not loved, but I really liked the second one, though. I thought it was good. Um, I really loved the first one. The first oh, one overrated. Was... I liked the second one, man. I thought it was really good. I liked the black and white. I liked the fact that that fucking dude didn't talk. He was brutal. I enjoyed yeah. it, man. It was first, crazy. The first one's a little bit better, in my opinion. But Yeah, I, I actually liked, this... I liked the second one. I haven't one, gave but... the second one a like, fair shot yet, I guess. So I'll have to redo that. Jeremy, have you seen the second one? Yeah. Did you like it? Mm, no, not really. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one that liked the second one. Okay, cool. Awesome. The Purge 3? Not my thing. That's the same what thing. are you guys feeling about The Purge? Now that it has like a bit of legs to stand on, you like you guys looking forward to The Purge 3? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for to be honest, but I want to know what the setting is. Like, I want to take this shit to an island. I want to take it like... No, man. Pick city, New York. See that shit go down. But, I mean, they already did the outside. Like, I mean, you can't repeat the same film. Like, the first one was, you know, like a home invasion. The second one was outdoors. And the, the second one was kind of like a big scheme outdoors, too. Like, they were covering city, you know? Yeah. You know what, what, what do you I guys want, want to see for the third three? What do you guys want to see? I'm cool with doing the same thing outside. I just want a different narrative. I don't want to follow, like, good family characters or whatever. Um, I'm fine with it being outside. There's a lot more things to do. You can tell with that. Like there's, if that wasn't just, Oh, well we showed outside that can't do anything else out there anymore. There's a lot of places. Maybe let's go to like, um, uh, Haiti or something. Let's go to some, uh, other country outside, uh, or, but does this take place in other countries? Uh, well, no, it's, it's an American thing. Yeah, it could, but that, that's the thing, uh, JP, it, 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 it's an American 
idea right, right, right now. Right now it is. But what what happens is sometimes I mean, I America guess they imposes their will on other countries. So <laughs> Really? Do they um, really? So we could see <laughs> the purge becoming a national or a, a you know worldwide thing. Um, but e- either way, we I mean, Canadian, I we can we can take it to like all, all different places. Um, and I, I just think I, like I just want to see a narrative that's not following like um, like a, a good family. Like I like I feel like the characters are too heroic and good hearted. Like like eh, let's go do something else. Let's follow like let's follow like the Firefly family during the purge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't nice, know. Nice. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for it. I, 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 my faith has been restored in the idea after the purge too. Um, next, we have Eli Roth's produced uh, or directed. I can't even. I think he directed. I can't remember. Knock knock. Um, this one I'm really excited for as well. Is this the clown one? No. Oh, I thought he did a clown movie. This one is about uh, a guy who is seduced by some young girls. Uh, who are out to like ruin his life and like uh, shit like that? Sounds good to me. I can see it being really fucked up. Remember us? Remember us joking about the title "Knock Knock"? Yeah, it's like "Knock Knock." Who's there? The shittiest film of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I found the the title "Knock Knock" to be funny considering there's already two films with that title. Yeah. So Eli Roth really hasn't made a shitty film yet. I don't think. He's only made no. Well, I mean, it's de- I mean, it's debatable. I mean, it's debatable. Yeah. I, I've liked all of his films, but I mean, well, there's I mean, Eli Roth does a it. film like every. I mean, he does one every fucking what forty-one years or something like that. So, well, you know, he doesn't really direct a whole lot. He of films, really so. was like a regular director for like three years, and then he just <laughs> for <stopped>. three years. <laughs> it's like. Okay, so he's bonafide. He's one of like, the all-time classic directors. He's like one of the best ever. Then he's treated like one. I don't know why. Really, I'm kind of confused about that. Still, like he, well, that's what I'm saying. Like he gets I mean, mad. He really fully, yeah, I know he totally gets mad props, but he really hasn't directed a lot of films. It's, yeah. it's quite interesting how much props and how much respect this guy really gets. But I don't know. It's a name. I mean, Hostel, I guess, made a huge impact. I guess I don't know. But. So did Cabin Fever. Really, Cabin I mean, Fever. But I think Hostel. You, which one do you think made a bigger impact on people? Oh, definitely Hostel. Hostel, oh, yeah. Hostel exactly. kind of changed the game for a minute there. Exactly. Right. So. Yeah, but um, yeah. After that, we have Phantasm Five. We talked about this one last week. We're all excited Fuck for that. Yeah. It's gonna be dope. I'm stoked. Yep. After that, we have Cabin Fever. Ha 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 ha. Really? Is that what it's called? No, that's my side note on the oh. Cabin Fever because I didn't put remake. I just put Cabin Fever and I lost my shit and I didn't want to press re- or type remake. Because remember the remember the Cabin yeah, Fever yeah, story? Yeah. Yeah, How yeah. they're remaking the 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 thing like shoppers. I'm like, yeah. what the what the fuck is the point of this, man? Seriously, this is what the shit's coming to. I mean, terrible, what? terrible. What? Like it doesn't make any. I cannot wrap my fucking head around this, man. Makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm, definitely stupidest, stupidest idea of 2015. <laughs> this is bringing down to th- 2015 already for me. Fucking yeah. man, just it bring might, on the Home Alone news, man. I mean that'll that'll just raise my fucking laughter and get me all excited for 2015 again if I can, you know, Gnome Alone. Come on, yeah, Gnome but alone. maybe <laughs> maybe Cabin Fever, uh, you know, since it got announced so late, 
maybe that it won't be finished in time, so we will just pass it off to 2016 and worry about it then. Yeah. Okay. Um, after that, we have Crim- Crimson Peak from uh, Del Toro. Yep, forgotten all there. That's pretty awesome. But uh, this one looks cool. Don't you guys think? I, I, think I don't know cool. anything yeah. about it, so I was kind of surprised like, to see it. Yeah, on the we list. kind of reading up on it today, and I was like, "Oh fuck, man, this looks damn cool, man." It's fucking Del Toro, man. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'll be Del Toro-y, so yep. uh, that's a positive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, after that, we have uh, Joe Lynch's Die Hard in a Room. This isn't really so much horror, but it's definitely a thriller. And that's Everly. I like the idea that it takes place on Christmas, um, like Die Hard. I, like, I just feel like this is going to have a cool feel to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely one of the uh, re- one of the films that's going to make me venture outside of my comfort zone, which is horror, uh, where I normally don't do so much anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's Joe Lynch, wrong turn two guy. Yeah. Uh, after that, we have Adam Green's Digging Up the Marrow. This thing sounds awesome. The poster, have you guys seen the poster art for these? The, the three different posters? Yeah, actually, I didn't, I didn't oh, see them, dude, actually. They're awesome. Look them up, man. They're cool looking. They're like really monstery. Um, and you're like, what the hell is this about? Uh, nice. After that, we have. The I believe twelfth installment of the Amityville series. Now this is actually happening. It's already like there's a trailer I think, and that's Amityville: The Awakening. Talked about this before. God, that's that sounds so original. I it must know. be the twelfth. It must be the twelfth film in the franchise. The Awakening. Wow. Yep. Guys, don't outdo yourself and make an original title subtitle. The only know. reason that this one's interesting is it was directed by the guy who, in my opinion, put like a really interesting visual flair in the film that he remade, and that's Maniac. Hmm. So the director of Maniac, the remake, is remaking I'm, this I'm, as well. I'm still more excited for No Malone. <laughs> No Malone and is no Malone be too. awful as shit. Just saying. No Malone too. Oh, it's going to be bad, and I'm going to love it. It's probably going to make my top probably 95 or 100 next year. Uh, <laughs> no Malone 2, Lost in Lost. Newark. Yep. <laughs> Lost in Newark? <laughs> Dude, oh my god, that was fucking great. <laughs> I feel like you're, I've you're used that what joke I was about before. To say, I was about to say it and you took it right out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. That was so good. That was so good. The low-budget New York Newark. <laughs> I fucking love that, man. Noble Austin Newark. Dude, I have tears in my fucking eyes. <laughs> uh, so good. That was so good. pretty good. Oh, that okay, was uh, after that, we have Sharknado Trace. Nice. Come on, how can you not get excited? I still by haven't seen Sharknado the second film? one, dude. Sharknado Two is fucking bad, but it's good. Bad. No, it's bad. It's bad. Bad, but it's good. It's does something. that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's entertaining, is what, dude. There's some of the most ridiculous scenes ever in this film. Ugh. I couldn't. Even, you know, <laughs> honestly, from a technical standpoint, that movie should have made my top five worst films of the year. But it's so entertaining. I can't. Sorry. 
Nice. I'm looking forward to. Oh no, I'm not. I can't. I can't even fake it. I can't even fake it. If it has Steve from 90210 and fucking what the fucks your face in there again, I'm gonna I'm gonna die laughing, man. This is where the careers are at right now. They're just gonna do Sharknado films until they retire. Nice. So there's gonna be like 40 or 50 of them. And you know what's fucked up about that? You'll watch them all and buy them. I'm gonna have every single one of them. <laughs> well, honestly, if years, they make like eight Sharknado films and they Sharknado literally hard numbering box. them, and it's like Sharknado eight, I will buy them all because just to see a line of DVD cases that have all the Sharknados numbered would be priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right! It's how awesome is Sharknado four? The hard box edition. I mean, honestly, like the biggest franchise of shark films, I believe, is uh, Jaws. Uh, right? What about Shark Attack? There's only three. Is there? There's four Jaws films. So, you know, if Sharknado goes to five, then it's officially the biggest shark franchise. How many piranhas are there, though? Piranhas on a shark, man. But it's a piranhas fish. A fish. It's a fish. It's not a fucking shark. But it's a, it's a bitey it's kind. It's not a fucking shark. It got bitey teeth, though. Of course it got bitey teeth, man. It's a little motherfucker, but it ain't a shark. But it's not a shark. Not bitey. a shark, man. And but Piranha's I mean, got fucking t- – it's got two in the original franchise. It's got that shitty TV film and it's got two uh, remakes, I guess. There we go. Sh- freaking Piranha has, is the biggest shark franchise. <laughs> it's not a fucking shark, man. <laughs> Retarded. They're baby sharks. Well, yeah, that's a good point actually. But no, it's not. <laughs> Not. No, okay, okay. Friend. Next up, we have the anthology directed by all females titled XX. And this is, uh, I believe, the Soska sisters are in that. Direct- it's just a double X, it's not a triple X? Yeah, which I was like, what's up with that? You know? I'd like to see the Soska sisters in a triple X. That'd yeah. Be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who, who the fuck wouldn't, man? I mean, they can American marry me any day. American Ooh. marry me? Yeah, I was yep. gonna say marry, marry me, nope. whatever. Fucking, it kind of came out in between there. Fine, yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I like anthologies. You know, sounds cool. Fucking rights, man. That's awesome. Yep. I'm. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. After that, we have contracted phase two, which uh, I've seen Midnight actually picked up recently. Fuck yeah! They're making a sequel to Contracted. Yep. Oh, dude, I can't even Talk tell about you. that on the show. A couple times. I know, I, but it's like actually like officially, you know, getting done. Man, yeah. it really does make my penis hard because that's I love that movie, man. It's great. Interesting. Was that yeah. this year? Was that eligible for our list or no? That's a 2013 film. OK. Yeah. After that, we have that film called uh, Perversion. Uh, I believe that's the one that's being released by uh, – like shock tea drops like sub label orchid or whatever like partnered type shit uh mm-hmm. that one actually uh sounds pretty damn good we've talked yeah, about it before that's a film actually last year at wasteland i went to go grab on the sunday um because i didn't really see a whole lot of saturday there but so i went down to the toe tag table and it was gone if we're thinking of the same film, it was fucking gone. And it was, re- I was pretty upset. I was like, fuck, I wanted that so bad. And, um, Fred told me that it, it was going to be on the website and stuff. And it, I've never seen it on the website since mm. he's like, I'll have copies of the, you know, the indie release. So this is getting like a, you know, a mass release or whatever. I think if it's the same film, we might be thinking of different films. 
I I hope it's the same one, man, because that one sounded so fucking gnarly. I remember Scotty talking about it uh, pre-Wasteland last year, and I was like, oh, I need to grab that film. And I put it off grabbing it on the Friday, and fucking God on the Sunday, I was like, shit, motherfucker. But uh, if it's the same one, that's going to be gnarly. Another one of these found kind of like turnpike, uh, turnpike killer films, you know, that are getting like mass or bigger releases and stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. After that, we have the remake of Day of the Dead, which has been casted, but it's still in pre-production. So I don't know if we'll see it in time. Which one? Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of it. Uh, it's it's a remake of the Romero <laughs> film. Or is it a remake of the remake? Who knows? Exactly right. Wow, what the fuck, man? Really? Yeah, the same people who it's gonna be like big budgeted. It's not gonna be like the last one. Like it's gonna I'm pretty sure it's going for like theatrical. I mean the last thing we need is a fucking remake of Day of the Dead. I mean You don't need a you don't need a remake. You can just that, call it something else. Just do some exactly. Just don't call it Day of the Dead, man. It'll work a lot better. In my opinion. Yeah. Right? It's debatable. I don't know, man. Really, like, I, I think that really, like, are you excited about seeing a Day of the Dead remake? No, but if you put that shit in theaters, it's a familiar name that people are gonna flock to. Goddamn fucking sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just follow that name, man. Uh, okay, okay, that, that was funny. <laughs> uh, next up is one that I'm actually looking forward to. It's called Cub. Have you guys heard of this? No. Okay, this one's actually played the festival circuit towards the end of this year. And I've seen some imagery, really cool poster, really cool uh, uh, pictures, like um, screen caps, screen grabs, whatever the hell they're called, uh, of the film. Apparently, it's supposed to be like a slasher and it's supposed to be like a a decently done slasher. Um, An over-imaginative 12-year-old Sam heads off into the woods to summer scout camp with his – pack convinced he will encounter a monster and he does uh this is uh, actually from belgium and it's gotten a lot of praise so far or, or late in this year hmm yeah so definitely look into cub check out the uh the artwork and uh the the you know images from the film um looks really cool the, the i don't know if it's the killer but cub i have i think means like a kid like a cub like a kid um, mm-hmm. maybe like a feral kid or something, but he looks fucking creepy. Uh, I don't mean to be derogatory, but I actually, at first I thought it was meaning pertaining to like, you know, the, the gay lingo. Yeah. You know, like, bears, yeah. like you know, I'd okay, be considered a it's like scouts in, like, the and gay stuff. World. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a cub would be Jeremy and I'd be the bear. Yep. Oh, oh man, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. On that <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's that's too, that's wow. What, are you gonna bareback me or something? Like, damn. Yo, damn. Yo. <laughs> well, hey man, it's only, I'll be there in three months. So, oh shit, hold your horses. <laughs> Next up, we have. Uh, I don't know if this is a sequel or a remake. Uh, it's Silent Night, Bloody Night, The Homecoming. Isn't that movie already out? I, I don't. Is it out officially? <laughs> I swear, there's DVDs of that oh, movie. Well, shit. Yeah. I guess skip that one. Uh, <laughs> next, yeah, up that is, movie like that is already out. Yeah. 
next up is the pyramid um i know this one had a uh, limited re- release um i think it's, it's alexander aja eyes yeah that one looks all right uh <sighs> next up is goosebumps this is kind of kid friendly but jack black looking 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 into that one a little bit i guess is jack black really in the goosebumps movie yeah, yeah. he plays rl stein Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> God damn it. I was, I was so stoked when you said Goosebumps and then you said Jack Black and I, I went all limp. Seriously, it almost took me to the floor. Uh, the next one is... Uh, <laughs> this one's from... Um, well, if you're if that reaches all the way to the floor, then I'm not looking forward to that bareback. So. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Seriously, why Jack Black, though, man? Like, I mean... I'm stressed, man. I'm not a big fan of him. I don't think he's that fucking Kids funny. Kids like all, Jack Black. I mean, That's I guess the, that makes sense. Thing. It makes sense. It's School probably rock, better than man. having me in there with my big ass beard. Um, in from the outside, three couples find themselves in a '50s themed roadside diner when one by one, each of the patrons begins to disappear under mysterious circumstances. This is a uh, Made with like I think it was like um nine hundred thousand cat or something. Hmm. Imagine it turned out that they just had like food poisoning. Yeah. So they eat at this burger bar and the the characters just disappear to go puke and they just don't return because yeah, like, they're sick cause and stuff. Because it's a fifties themed roadside. And it's actually not a slasher. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's a fifties roadside themed diner. But actually, it just is from the fifties, and they have a bunch of old food in there, so they eat hmm. it. Yeah. But uh, this one, this one's from the foreign land of Canada. Nice, nice. Yeah. After that, we have Sinister Two. Fuck, we covering every one. movie that's coming out in 2015. Fuck, <laughs> shut up. Jesus. Shush. Shush. <laughs> uh, Sinister Two. Have you guys seen the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Son of Gators. Yeah, I haven't. Um, next is Mock. That one, uh, I think, has Kane Hodder in it. Some decent. Uh, reviews so far. After that, we have The Keeping Room, which is a Western home invasion film. Uh, we've talked about that one. That one looks really cool. That one does look fucking cool. I'm stoked for that one. Yeah. Uh, after that, we have Clown. This is that, uh, I think it's Eli Roth produced film. Oh, there you go. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah. After that, we have <laughs> I Spit on Your Grave, Deja Vu. This is the sequel to the original that's supposed to be happening. Fuck, man. That deja vu, man. I don't know, man. Is that is is that a good title or not? Or is yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think it's a cool way of like of saying like, hey, this is a sequel to the original. But if we call it "I Spit on Your Grave 2, then it's going to get really confusing because the remake has an "I Spit on Your Grave 2. So let's uh, call it something else. I just find it interesting when they're making sequels after there's a remake and a sequel out to the remake. <laughs> it is. It's crazy, right? You know, what is this, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise? <laughs> that's what I was thinking, though, because that's the only one that's kind of doing that. But it seems like it seems like more people are starting to do that now, like making sequels to the originals, like even after those remakes. It's fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah. It is, It'll it like, is blow bizarre. your mind. It's going to fuck up the space-time continuum. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's 2015 now, so we're just going to hop on our flying car, and we'll do something about it. Well, just well the next one we have is the Shattering. What? And... 21 gigawatts. <laughs> Yeah, man, you're gonna have to worry about 88 miles an hour. We don't need 88. <laughs> We're going. Like, 
Well, we're going, we don't need roads. We don't need roads. Roadhouse. Right. <laughs> I'm just like floating random shit. Now. And uh, the next release, we Road. have uh, eight movie Carnival of Horror pack. This one comes out in February. Yeah. What do you guys think of this one? What are you talking Eight movie Carnival. Is it actually all Carnival films? Um, yeah. Are you talking Got about the- releases? Like, hey, geez. you're talking about you're talking about films that are coming out in 2015. Yeah, we're talking about like <laughs> I'm just fucking okay. with you. <laughs> okay. Uh, this next one is one that we actually talked about at the end of the year last year that we was like, I don't know if this is ever gonna be get made, but it has a really cool poster and a really cool tagline. And turns out it got its funding, and that is Megafoot. Nice. Half Bigfoot, half uh, what was the other thing? like cyborg or something <laughs> all megafoot <laughs> so tagline was something like that uh but yeah that's happening um, so awesome after that we have it follows uh this one i can't even talk right now because jeremy's distracted <laughs> <laughs> this one, you're probably going over like every release that is you coming can out you drop year. out of the call if you want nobody's forcing you to be here fucking with ejp keep going I guess I'll wrap it up on that one. It no, keep going. Keep going. No, we're good. We're good. We got it. We covered a lot. Just joking, JP. It follows that one uh, was about like a couple of kids who go to a lake or something and uh, there's some kind of sexual encounter. Kid gets plagued by strange. It looks fucking cool and it sounds cool. I'm not sure exactly what it was about. But uh, that was on the list that Moods had. Hell yeah. Okay. So, so so basically what you're saying is that 2015 has quite a bit of potential films that could be oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. There's tons on here. And you know what? I'm actually going to link uh, a article that's on Shock to You Drop that has the 10 or so best horror films that they've seen at uh, festivals towards the end of 2014 that will be released in 2015. Cub was on there as well. Um, But there's a lot of indie stuff that looks really, really cool on here. So definitely check out that article on shocktoyoudrop.com. Cool, cool. That's it. That is it. Alrighty. That is going to do it for episode 38 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror 2014 year in review show wow it felt like it was epic like epic it was really fucking epic and long like seriously just rub my chode and just oh stimulate it was good it was epic man it was good times um yeah i hope you guys had a good time fucking awesome shit man i really enjoyed the uh you know the top 10 list because i knew that they were going to be quite different and it turned out they actually were that was yeah. exciting. That was exciting. So, um, yeah. Jeremy? All right. So, thank you, everybody, for listening to the 38th episode. Nobody's to- still listening. Of the 22 Shots of <laughs> Moods and Horror Podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash moods616. Or if you're watching this video on his channel, please click the subscribe button down below. If you want to follow JP, you can do so at his channel at youtube.com slash double shot J. And he is going to owe me a Scream Factory Blu-ray. And as always, you could follow me on my channel at and youtube.com. And he's going to owe me a Scream Factory Blu-ray. NES Ruler 22. As always, you can follow us on Facebook. Just go to the search bar 
and type in 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast and join the Facebook page. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at 22 Shots Podcast, and you can email us any questions you have at the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror at gmail.com. That's 22 Shots of Moods, A and D Horror at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us any messages on our voicemail, you can do so at 724 426 6665. And I will leave you with probably the greatest bit of advice I got this year from the podcast, and that is We shall talk to everybody again next week. Uh, yeah, Dude, we'll it's s- never gonna you would use that all the fucking time because it's so funny. Like every that should be our thing. You know, like you know how like on the other podcast where they got what was the one uh, JP? Um, Adam Green. Oh, night terrors! Night terrors. It should be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and literally play that sample all the fucking time. Oh, we will. I'm gonna so try funny. to figure out if I could figure out a way to do it, like get a soundboard up in this bitch. But oh, that would be awesome if we could actually do it during the recording. That'd be so much easier than yeah, actually yeah, editing yeah. it into it after. Yeah. Fuck yeah, so good. But uh, we'll see you guys next week with <laughs> Spider. Baby from 1968. We're kicking it old school, pulling up a uh, oldie with, uh, I believe, Sid Haig, right? So uh, see you guys next week. I hope you enjoyed this super duper duper long show, but I think it was pretty fun, guys. Uh, see you guys next time. Later. Peace.